respect if if I knew what that meant. <laughs> it, it, it's it's I suppose it's like the Detroit of the UK. Okay, yeah, context is king. Yeah, I went to Detroit <laughs> once. It was the most depressing place I've ever been in my life. It was yeah, well, I mean, I think terrifying. Sort of Detroit, but with smiley faces. You know, it, it, it's it's rough, but you know, if you smile back, you you'll generally be okay. Oh, Detroit's like inhabited I... by zombies, just like walking around in the middle of the street, um, like at at eleven a.m. on a Tuesday. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of intense. Yeah, I went to I went to Liverpool once in uh, when was it? It was about nineteen ninety two, I think it was. Uh, was it ninety one? Anyway, it was it was it was kind of early nineties, and a friend of mine we we went up together to visit another threat friend from kind of home. Mm-hmm. And we took the train up and we got off the train station and we knew we'd, we'd been told which bus to get and which bus stop to go to outside the train station. And we, we got on the bus and the driver was behind bulletproof Lexan panel. And we were like, oh, what have we let ourselves in for? And then we kind of, we got on the bus and this is like, it's, it's already kind of like eight o'clock in the evening. It's sort of dark already. And we're driving down through kind of, think we were heading towards kind of Anfield Way. I really don't know. Um, and yeah, there's there's boarded up shops and it's the place just looks like it was something from a war movie. And we were oh, just yeah. thinking um, like, oh, the, crikey. Because the, there's, there's two football grounds in, in Liverpool, you know, soccer, soccer grounds, none of this. No, football, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm aware of the um, difference between football and hand egg. Yeah. <laughs> As race right. They... The, the kind of the main, the, the bigger team out of the, out of the two, um, they basically bought, uh, they were like, I was going to say council houses, but I don't know what the, the, the American equivalent of that is. Like government-owned, cheap rent-type accommodation. Um, and as and when each of those houses came up for sale, uh, the football ground bought all of these houses because it's like this big, one long road uh, that kind of led up to the football ground. And because of the, the thousands of people who would just wander up that road, no one wanted to live there. So it is literally just like uh, 50 or 60 houses down this one street where they're, they're all just, all the, the windows are all, you know, steel plated, um, just completely boarded up. No one lives there just for, it's not worth it. Maker <laughs> commune. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> It, I mean, tell, really tell me cheap. I'm wrong. That would be, wouldn't it be great to have a make a commune? Yes, absolutely. And you, the two of you should make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I am fully here to emotionally support you two doing all the work. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have to say it, it would be favorable for British weather for me. Favorable like, and British weather have never been put together in the same sentence before. Yeah, but big, <laughs> giant, hairy thing and desert don't really go well together. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, to be fair, nothing like that is living goes well with the desert. Um, <laughs> but you just kind of get used to it. Like, <laughs> it's really great for exfoliation. Like, I'm pretty sure that I'm getting my baby skin back. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, Stand I out in the wind. I would rather be hot than cold. I can't function in the cold. My joints lock up, and then I just kind of creak around and drop things on my toes, which I can't feel until I go back into my house, and then it's like 
instant blinding agony. So yeah, there's that. But yeah, Maker Commune um, in this row of houses, I'm sure that we could knock down some walls and annex them, create a workshop. Oh, yeah. definitely. Have all like you techie nerds over in one side. A row of houses is, is, is one, I think, I think a nice castle would actually be better. <laughs> well, there are castles. Um, actually, there was a, I mean, it's a fake castle, obviously, because it's in the US, but there was one in like the New York area that Ben was looking at for a while. And I was like, yes, yes, that one, that one. And then he bought me the poop house instead. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I want to say he cares, but sometimes it feels like he really doesn't. I mean, he cares, but he's still a big brother at heart. Yeah, he's like, he cares, but also he's like, um, let, let's let's see if you can wrangle your way out of this one. I think he just likes this to have me like, busy and out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's kind of a dick, but whatever. Cramping his style. <laughs> exactly. He's like, last thing I need in the house is my little sister. <laughs> I don't know. It works for us. We've lived together seven years. I mean, like, obviously before that, too, because, you know, we're siblings, but like seven years as adult people, that's that's got to count for something. I feel like I should get could be a record. Yeah, I, I do like the way you did the, the air quotes. Was that for, for you or for, for Ben? For I mean, the, air the, the quotes are for everyone. I, I believe <laughs> sharing is caring, um, but definitely neither one of us are adults, like in the traditional sense. Um I mean, by the mere fact that I had told you that he was breaking concrete in what is normally considered the living room of a household. Um, I mean, I feel like that's not like adult behavior, but then I do get to hear him business a lot. And turns out he's very good at business. Mm. He's smart or something. I don't know. I don't understand. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I reap the benefits. So what do I care? Yeah, I mean, you're just the muscle at the end of the day, aren't you? Mm hmm. Yeah, he called me the enforcer one time, which was very interesting. Um, <laughs> it sounds but, like a story behind that. But, like, is there? I don't know. I was trying to think of context. He says a lot of things when um, we, we do a lot of, like, interviews together. And then he always, like, talks because, you know, we're sitting next to each other. And it's like, oh, describe your, your sibling and your work life and whatever. Um, and he always says really nice things, which is great because he would never say them directly to my face. Um, but he's always like, yeah, you know, like, just like the enforcer. Like, if, you know, someone is here and, like, you need them to leave, she's like, get out. And I was like, okay, yeah, that is something I would do. But also, when have I ever done that at, at this house? I've done it other places. But, like, not at this house. Um, but I think that's mainly because most people don't know where we live. So, you know. <laughs> and it's in the desert yeah so. yeah but also i think it's because like ben ben does his version of the irish goodbye where it's like you're all sitting around the fire and it's like 8 30 at night and he like gets up and walks inside and then just never comes back out and it's like i know that he went in and like put on his dino jammy pants and is like i'm done for the day and so now I'm like sitting outside with someone that I, you know, just met and I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, so, <clears throat> oh, so, such a long day. 
you must be really looking forward to going home. Oh, d- d- does, it, does it get dark soon? I know. It's like, oh, yeah. I got, I, you know, I'd say I have an early morning tomorrow, but the problem with living on the internet is people are like, you don't have an early morning. You don't even have a job. It's like, someone has to feed Gary, which is also not true. He's self sufficient. So, whatever. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've been in those situations far too many times as well. <laughs> I think on both sides of the... <laughs> yeah, I... I yeah, it's where you're sitting there and you're thinking, they're trying to get rid of me, aren't they? Yeah. Maybe yeah, but for me, I'm like, am I... Because I, I'm I'm the, the rude one, right? I'll, like, that's just who, that's who I am, just because I tend to say things that are on my mind. But it's like, I'm sitting here, like, with you guys hanging out, and also I'm like, should I leave? Like, should I be going right now? And it's like, no, stay a while. And that's the thing. That's the thing that I hate. Cause I'm like, you need to not lie to me and be like, no, it's three in the morning. Why wouldn't you hang out for longer? Um, just be like, hey, fuck off. <laughs> I got to go to bed. <laughs> I mean, like, that's fine. Why do we think that's a weird thing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it. But yeah, I've definitely been that person who's like, oh, should I? I don't know. Should I leave? Like, do you want me to leave? And then people are like... <laughs> feel bad I'm like i'm asking a genuine question sometimes i need like a cue because i don't yeah. know like you invited me here as far as i know i live here now so you know i hope you have snacks <laughs> I need I, I, i've got a couple of friends who've been in that sort of situation where you know they, they've been in someone's house who's you know invited them over and they've done that sort of same thing of just wandering off upstairs and then not coming down and sort of sat Kind of twiddling their thumbs in someone's living room, going, <laughs> and like send them a text and go, "Oh no, sorry, dude, I just went to bed. I forgot." Nice. I'll let myself out then, shall I? <laughs> I mean, like that's kind of a compliment. Like, I mean, I've had I've had friends, like people that I've known a long time, where I'm like, "Well, I mean, I'm gonna go to bed, but like, do, like." there's food in the fridge i guess like like, whatever i mean like come and go as you please i I don't really care um not i haven't done that that often though because i don't like go to bed i mean like i sit in my bed all day but like i don't really sleep you know until like the daytime when i'm supposed to be working um it's a fun thing that i do that's really not productive but whatever working on the internet yeah Yeah, it's not a proper job i'm working Yeah, what is a proper job these days? I mean, I, I know that I, I haven't had one in quite a while. Um, but also, like, does anybody right now? I feel like it's so weird to see people working in gas stations. Like, your life is still the same, right? Like, you know, you still go to work and, and like, talk to the customers. And, like, I don't know. I feel like everything got so weird that it felt weird to see people living the normal life I'm like oh that's mm-hmm. that's so antiquated now like <laughs> like don't you do this from home like everyone else stay in your little your little cave and never leave sorry i've got like all my laundry I, I thought, on the end of a... my bed so i'm like <laughs> <laughs> i really prepared well for this so so well <laughs> i mean are, are you gonna sort of Explain to us how your laptop is currently sort of. Oh yeah, it's it's for the benefit it's on... of the list the audience. Yeah, yes. for the, for the benefit of the audience. Yeah, for for my for my audio viewers. Um, 
yeah, I have a, I have this really great music stand that when I used to work in symphony production, the stage manager stole it from the symphony and then painted flames and my name on it. Um, and so I've had it for 19 years and my laptop is currently sitting on it because while I do actually have a computer over there, um, <laughs> the thing that's on the other side of the computer is uh, double doors for my closet that are mirrors. So not only is it super distracting <laughs> if I have to take a call on that computer, but also then I look in the mirror, I'm like, wow, I live like a garbage person. <laughs> like I have like 50 pillows on my bed because I like to make a little nest. And then like the sheets that I was going to put on my bed like three days ago are in a pile over there. My laundry is folded, but it is still on my bed. So I just kind of like make a little nest and then I like bed is a step my up sausage floor, cat. Though, and so, um, well, I mean, my bed, my bed is two mattresses on the ground, which is <laughs> one reason why I, I keep getting shorter because they're gradually sliding away from the wall as I lean back. I, I, I've I, only been here four years. <laughs> I used to do that years ago. I, I had uh, it was three mattresses. So I could either spread them out and have essentially like a triple bed. Mm-hmm. Um, with being sort of reasonably tall, it was I was fed up of having my feet hanging off the end of the mattress. So mm-hmm. I had them the other way. Um, and then you, you have that kind of bit that your arm can stick in yep. between two mattresses. Um, but then when I needed some space, I'd stack them up as, as three mattresses. But of course, then they just wobble and you, yep. you kind of roll and then everything you just... Yeah, and you don't you don't movements. realize they're like offset like this, and you go to sit <laughs> on this side, and you're just like, whoa! <laughs> yeah, every day is an adventure. You never know what you're gonna yeah. get with double or triple bed. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I haven't had a bed frame um, <clears throat> in the entire seven years. Um, when I when I first moved to Boston to work for Ben, um, I slept on the floor with no mattress for like a month because I moved there because he was like, Oh, I'm building these apartments when they're finished, like move to Boston and work for me. I'm like, sure. Why not? Like, what else do I have going on? So I quit my job and I moved cross country. And then he was like, yeah, it's not finished yet. Um, So in the meantime, we're staying at like, my friend is, his friend was renovating this huge, beautiful shipping building um, in the seaport district in Boston and he was like, yeah, but he's giving us like this really nice apartment. And I was like, great. So like Ben moves his mattress in. I'm like, you know that I like came here in a Prius. Like that's everything I own. <laughs> like there's no mattress. And he's like, yeah, but you brought blankets, right? I'm like, oh, because you don't have those. Okay. So yeah, I had like a blanket on the ground and then a pillow and then a blanket on top of me. And I slept like that for a month. Um, and then we moved into the loft in Boston that he built and it was fantastic. And I, I did build, um, it was a, a couch frame that fit like a small mattress, which was great. The only problem with that is the apartment itself was a, an open plan, one bedroom. So it was just a huge long room. And basically where I slept was right in front of the kitchen sink. Um, so that was, you know. That Cinderella. was an interesting time. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with my life that I'm like 30 years old at the time and I'm living like in my brother's kitchen and like I don't have a door. Like, 
I, I realized how important it is to have a door. Cause like I'd be sitting on my little couch bed and be like, Oh, I'm going to like read a book or do something. And Ben's like, right, I'm going to bed. And he turns off all the lights. Cause of course it's one big room. <laughs> um, so like there were so many days where I w- or nights, I should say, where I'm like, like really quietly grabbing stuff out of the fridge and like grab my computer and like my headphones and I go and I sit in the bathroom and I'm like on the bathroom floor like eating snacks and like being on my computer <laughs> I'm like ah oh, yeah this is the dream. Did, just, did did he know you were actually living there? <laughs> yeah. You weren't just kind of like hiding out in the corners and like scurrying around when he was. <laughs> I mean, like he seemed to be aware of me whenever he needed something, um, <laughs> and the rest of the time I think that he just kind of forgot that I was there um like he would always seem surprised when I would have been like at the office and I'd come back and he's like oh hi I was like I live here <laughs> you're still here <laughs> I'm still here um because I need you to tell me if I have to leave see I just brought it for a full circle you're welcome full circle, yeah <laughs> yeah we can just end it right here <laughs> we're good <laughs> that would make it the shortest Maker's waffle. <laughs> well, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be the longest, um, so I, I have to, I have to get my wins where I can. <laughs> it's like, let's see, sixteen minutes and fifty-seven seconds, perfect. Yeah, please stay, please stay. Yeah. Okay, thank you. A bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, I choose to believe that you mean it. We do, definitely. We do. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, given given that we haven't seen you since 2019, you know, actually yeah. having a proper chat with you again is, you know long overdue i think is the yeah uh, maybe three years yeah and even then like i mean how much do you really like we see each other at events but it's not like it's not like we like had a chat this is the longest i think we've ever talked to each other right (laughs) you're like i don't know i we we had that long conversation and i just forgot it apparently yeah, I mean, I think I think over the course of the sort of the two days of last Maker Central, we we natted quite a lot, but in one continuous lump, I think, yeah, right, in like drips and drabs, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, I feel like I would have remembered. You know what? I'm not going to say what I think I would remember because I my you know what my memory is not very good. Lot, yeah, and there was a lot going on that weekend. It was very hectic. Yes. Yeah, and I get distracted. Not only do I get distracted easily, but like having a lot of people around me is, you know, kind of terrifying. Especially when it's like, oh, these people want to talk to me. Like, I, I'm, I'm okay-ish being around. And that's not true. I hate being around crowds. <laughs> and then, like, and then it's like, here's a lot of people I don't know, and um, they want to talk to me, and it's terrifying to me because I, I have, I have a problem. But, you know, it always ends up being fun. But I was even nervous to talk to you guys. And I love you guys. How did you find, I mean, it's serious for a moment. I mean, how did you find that? Because, I mean, you're, you're famous. You're, 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 off, you're the, on the off the internet. internet. Yeah. Um, you're on that YouTube thing. <laughs> so how did you, because you literally had, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I had people I didn't recognize coming up to me at Maker Central. And I was like. Okay. But then they'd sort of yeah, say, oh, I'm such and such. And you go, oh, yeah, you're one of the few people who comments on my videos. So, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of sort of shake your hand and that's that's cool to meet you. And I'll probably forget your name faces again in, in five minutes because my ability to recognize faces is awful. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people don't post a lot of photos of themselves. Yeah. It's like, especially if yeah, they're, totally. you know, they, they're maker people. <laughs> but, I mean, you must have had loads more people come up to you. you know, people from the public. 
like the normals. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And I don't think it'll ever not be weird. And by weird, I just mean, um, like there, there are a couple of times that really stood out because it, it gave me the perspective of like, if I continue to do this, like, this is what my life is like. Um, like I was at an event, I think it was the big woodworking event in Atlanta. And I was just standing at the Arbor Tech booth, watching the guys do their thing. I mean, like, this is super cool. And this guy that I don't know, which for one thing, like if, if I'm just anywhere out in the world and someone comes up and talks to me, like I'm un extremely uncomfortable just because I'm like, do I know this person? Should I know this person? Like, was I supposed <laughs> to know this person? Like, first of all, I feel like guilty for not knowing who a stranger is. Um, but then also I just feel awkward. I'm like, I don't know who you are yet, so I don't know how to talk to you. But anyways. And why do you know things about me? Well, that's the thing is he comes up and he stands beside me and he looks over and he's like, hi. And I was like, huh? And then he was like, I really like your staircase. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? What does that mean? Because first of all, I was like, is that a euphemism that I don't know? <laughs> I don't know what the kids are saying these days. So I was like, my brain is just like going like this. So I'm like, what is, what's a staircase? Did, did you sort of do the... Well, I'm like, I don't, I mean, I'm like, I'm trying to envision like what part of a human anatomy looks like a staircase. <laughs> And so that went through my brain. Is, and then I is thought, it rhyming oh. slang? Is it... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like we're Americans, so we don't know how to rhyme. Um, uh, because we say bin instead of bean. So like seen and bean rhymes, but seen and bin does not rhyme. Anyways, that's the tangent. Um, but yeah, so then I remembered that my brother and I had just finished building this massive staircase mm -hmm. in our home. You know, like... So Had then you my been, next thought like up and down it a couple of times. So well, you know, it was fresh in your mind that you'd you know you'd, you'd walk I mean, up I, and down the thing. I had built it. I mean I built part of it. <laughs> but the thing was is I'm looking at this guy and like and what I said to him, which came out I, I realized um I have to work on my tone a lot. Like I'm I'm very often told, usually by Brett, that like I need to work on my tone. Um, but I was like, have you been to my house? <laughs> like just like so suspicious. Like, do, have you been inside the place where I live, where my children sleep? Um, he was like, I, I watched the YouTube video that like a million other people watched, and I was like, Oh yeah. That, oh, thank thank you. That's so kind of you. Oh, like, that's what those little rectangles with the flashing red lights were doing. Exactly. I'm like, oh, 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 the footage, it goes out to the world. Oh, I thought this was just like, oh, we'll watch this, you know, when we're old and gray. Um, which I will never be gray, apparently. But um, yeah, that was one of the first times that it, it really struck me that like people are looking at things that I do and um, as much as I, I'm actually a very, like, I'm an open person, but I'm also a very private person. Um, and so I realized that, like, there's, there's a lot of people who, um, who watch the things I do that, you know, they follow along with the stories, they watch the videos, they, whatever. Um, and I chat with them online. But there's always this disconnect because at some point it's kind of like, you know, we don't like actually know each other. Like there was a there was a guy who we just surfaced, chatted with each other over a few months. Who's really nice. It's really fun. Um, this was a couple of years ago. But he was like, oh, hey, I'm like driving through California. Can I crash on your couch? <clears throat> and I, I was like, no. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> like I, I literally know nothing about you, like not a single thing. And you want to come over to my house and stay the night. Like it, it was so weird to me, but also like, we don't own a couch. So <laughs> like, no, you can't crash on my couch because we don't have one. That's, that's the technicality there. So no. I know. I almost led with it to be like, oh, we don't we don't have a couch. So no. But I was like, you know what? No, you need to understand that like what you said made me uncomfortable. And it's not even that it's bad. Like I wasn't I wasn't creeped out like, oh, how dare you ask that of me? It was more just like, mm. I don't think you understand that we don't know each other. Like yeah. there's there's so much that happens when you stand in front of a person and like have an actual conversation even if it's just for five minutes like being able to pick yeah, up totally on body language is things. so important yeah, yeah. and like um i know that i i mean <laughs> i've also been that creepy person because like one of my good friends like um i listened to him on a podcast for a couple years um, and then finally, I, I sent a message. I was like, hey, you don't know this yet, but we're going to be really good friends. It's just you'll never know it unless I reach out to you. And we've been friends for like, I don't know, six, six years now about. Um, so I definitely have been that creepy person. Um, but I also did it in a neutral way where like we met like at a coffee shop and hung out anyways. Um, well, I mean, I, I did very similar and and kind of, again, listened to the guy on a podcast for a little while and then just basically said, Basically, just said, Steve, can I come and play in the forge? Can you come and teach me? And he was like, Yeah, okay, maybe, I think. And then just turned up at the forge, and it was, you know, kind of like, Of course, I turned up first because Steve. And um, but then when Steve turned up, he was just like, "Yeah!" And that was the first time we've met in person. And he's given this massive, massive hug, as if we'd known each other for twenty years. Steve gives good and hug. He does, um, but it is really weird that kind of like sometimes you can make a really really good connection with someone in that way but then other times it can be like you say so surface level that right you could be chatting to someone for years and still know nothing about it's true but um i think also one thing that happens i think especially on um podcasts because it's like either the person that you're listening to is talking to you the audience or it's people talking to each other right yeah. Um, so either you feel like d they're directly talking to you or you've been literally eavesdropping on them. Um, <laughs> and it's like, you, you pick up so much information about a person that it's mm -hmm. like, you, you kind of start feeling like, you know, them, but then it's weird when you go up to someone at an event, like, um, I remember, uh, I went to a couple of, uh, uh, events for, uh, the author, David Sedaris, who's like one of my favorite authors, and he usually does a Q&A afterwards. And he always starts it out by saying, hey, don't ask me how my family is because you literally don't know them. Like, I get that you feel connected to them. Mm -hmm. But like when you're like, hey, how's your sister? My response will be fine because I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, she's really going through a rough patch because we're not friends. Like, and like, <laughs> I, it's it feels like such a mean thing to say. It's like, we're not friends, but it's really just saying, hey, we haven't built that rapport yet. Like, let's give mm -hmm. it a chance to get there. Um, so I think that's that's kind of, that can be a hard thing where it's like, we, you know, give us a chance to get to know each other as people, not like on two sides of a screen, whether it's a computer or a phone or like, you know this because you watch a video or I know this because I watch your stories. Like that sort of um, 
false sense of intimacy is uh yeah it's like it, it's it can be kind of damaging and like i've i've had some really uncomfortable conversations with people um like throughout my 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 internet career but also you know what to be honest i worked in hospitality for a hundred years and like it's that too where it's like you you serve people food like a couple times a week if you have regulars and they start to like think like oh i know everything about you and i remember this couple that i was waiting on for years um I said something about a concert and they're like, Oh, you went to a concert. I was like, no, I played in a concert. Like I'm a classical violinist. And they're like, really? And I was like, well, yeah, I don't just exist in this restaurant. Like, like I get it that you're like the fancy rich people and I serve you your food, but like, it's not like the Sims yeah. where you just kind of close the game down and people just stop existing. <laughs> exactly. Like I remember I met, I saw this guy in the street who I'd waited on many times before, like, saw him outside of the rest in the restaurant we wear all black head to toe you know all the time and I worked five nights a week at the same restaurant for 13 years so I see this guy like out on the street you know out out in the world and he's looking at me looking at me and he goes oh my god it's like you work at the sushi restaurant I didn't recognize you without your clothes on and that was like <laughs> a really weird moment for his <laughs> wife who was standing next to him and I was like yeah, I, I, that's, I'm known for serving sushi it, in the nude <laughs> <laughs> really awkwardly as I do. And he's like, no, no, I meant like, like you're wearing like different clothes. And I was like, which I do because I am a no, human person. <laughs> and like to, to his credit, he did look extremely embarrassed and his wife looked really right, angry. So. so I'm really glad that that, that happened. Um, but yeah, we, we, we have, we kind of like build up these ideas of people and who they are based on what we know. And it can be yeah. really hard to break out of that um, when you I'll actually time, have a yeah. conversation. There's so no second chance at a first impression. There isn't. So you should always go all out on the first impression and just be like, this is everything that's likely to happen. Like you're either here for it or you're <laughs> not. Like I don't believe in making good first impressions because that's usually like, oh, I'm going to be really nice. And it's like, but I'm not really that nice yeah. most of the time. Here's the image, uh, and you'll take a while to unpick all the other stuff I'm hiding in the background. Exactly. Like, if I yeah. if I meet someone for the first time and, like, and I drool a little bit, like, that's very me. Like, I have some nerve damage in my face when I got thrown off a horse. And so, like, if I'm drooling, that's just something that's going to happen sometimes. So you should probably get used to it. <laughs> just a little... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Red, of 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 combined trend. Red wants to know what would be the best way to engage conversation. I'm I'm assuming because obviously Red's a friend, and yeah, for yeah, with Red, I think the the, um, the I, I Steve think... approach of coming up straight for a hug. Uh, but Red sort of, I suspect, is thinking more about perhaps people who aren't uh, maybe as, as I think perhaps follow on with criteria. the with the. Um, there you go. Yeah. So. <laughs> How to not sound too weird or make you feel uncomfortable? Oh, mm. uh, first of all, I will feel uncomfortable no matter what. That's just what how how I do. That's how I be. I am uncomfortable all of the time, even when I'm home alone, especially when I'm home alone. Um, but I also am wondering if Red is maybe thinking that um, I am maybe notorious for even with my nearest and dearest to not be communicative because I'm pretty sure that he sent me a message months ago and it's just sitting in my phone <laughs> because I'm like, I know that it's something that I want to respond to, but also like, I, I don't know. I'm just not because I don't, 
I want to say something good, but I don't know what to say. And that is something that I definitely do. Um, and I definitely get very caught up in my own head. And so red, I definitely owe you many messages. That's besides the point. Um, <laughs> no, I think that um, the thing about going up to a person that you've never met, um, even if you know something about them, and maybe even they're someone that you have communicated with in some fashion, um, I, I just think, like, just go for it, right? Like, I mean, don't be creepy. No one should ever be creepy, but, like... And by go for it, you know, just rush in straight for a hug? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, never touch someone unless, like, you get the invite. Yeah. Um, because, first exactly. of all, like... I might elbow you in the face, and it's like nothing personal, but just, <laughs> just like I've, I've, I've got to pause you there because because Steve suggested just coming straight up and yeah, you know, hug you from behind. Well, Steve likes um, to be elbowed in the face. That's a little known fact about Steve. <laughs> Not I'm, everyone I'm likes it, Raph. But he did the then way. mention, <laughs> oh, yeah, Red did uh, fear that actually he would break a few bones by elbowing in the ribs. I would feel bad about it if I broke Red's ribs, though. I would not feel bad if I broke Steve's ribs. In fact, I would feel like a sense of accomplishment because he's built like a keg. Like, have you ever tried to push him over? He's serious. Like, he's the most solid person ever. Like, I fall over a lot, even if I'm just standing there because I'll just lose my equilibrium or like my brain turns off for a second. I just fall over. It was really like it really Does sucked it the when I worked at the restaurant. Down kind of sound. Um. I don't know because my brain is completely off at that point. Usually I'm just aware of like a crashing sound and a collective. <gasps> um, but yeah, I think with, with anyone, like it's not just about like, Ooh, be careful how you approach people. It is equally like be mindful of how you receive someone coming up and talking to you mm. because like, it's really easy to be like, Oh, I don't know you don't talk to me, but also like, who the hell are you to think that you're so special? Like, you know, I think that mutual respect is the most important thing to remember because like, um, I, I met this absolutely wonderful person at the very first workbench con. Um, his name is Patrick and he came up to me and he was like, Hey, I watched, um, I watched your brother do his video on the solar shed and that was really cool. Um, like, what do you think you're going to use it for? And I was like, oh, okay. And so I chatted with him for a while and he's like, okay, cool. And then we went our separate ways. And then um, at lunchtime, I was at, you know, a little table by myself and he came over. He's like, oh, can I sit with you? It's like, absolutely. And so he sits down and he looks at me and he goes, so I like, I don't really know how to like talk to people, like, you know, just go up and have, have like a cold call um but i came up with i'm going to um mention something that i saw that they were involved with and then ask a follow-up question and that like creates a conversation and he was like so i did that and like that felt really good and i was like you know what i i love that attitude because if there's one thing that no one can relate to it's just a person you don't know coming up to you and being like i love what you do because the answer is thanks yeah and it's like and then you feel really rude being like and who are you you know like um it's like it, it creates a weird a, a weird power dynamic it's like i love mm. it when people are really responsive to stories and they like you know they love the things that they see but yet if someone i don't know only ever sends me emojis like there's no conversation there right so it's like, yeah. that's, it's not a bad thing. I, I think it's great that they're enjoying. I love to see that people enjoy, but it does not mean that I can engage with that because 
what am I going to do? It's like, oh, I love your use of emojis. Um, <laughs> like the same way when people just come up, like if someone walks up to you and says, hi, it's like, hello. Yeah. And then what, you know? So um, if, you, if you want to engage in conversation <laughs> with someone, bring some conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also if your profile photo is like not your face, like, please do remind people who you are (laughs) because it can be really like I have, I have had like a chat with someone who came up and talked to me and like, we were chatting back and forth. They were super nice. And then they were like, okay, like I'm going to go do the thing. And it's like, Oh, you know, like what is your handle? Whatever. And they're like, Oh, it's this. I'm like, Oh yeah, I know you. Like we talk all the time. They're like, yeah, I know. I thought you were being like, I really don't want to talk in person. It's like, no, I, I just, just want to find one of my stickers to just put on my head. So you exactly. Knew exactly. <laughs> like, um, Oh my gosh. When, uh, when our guardian angel Sharon made all of our little like um, name plates for us, where it's like names and channels and then all of that and of course it's right there yeah and they got the handy. got the logo on it right there mine's in that box there oh, should i there. should i be wearing that now then just so you know it's me okay wait 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 i can't see it you're jamie Ma- oh my gosh i have one of your little little coin things which <laughs> i which i do i still have um but yeah it's like uh I, I feel like there's the, the disconnect happens when the power structure is imbalanced. So it's like, mm. we're just two people. It doesn't matter if you've seen my face. It doesn't matter if I know your name. Like it's never a bad thing to not realize who someone is. It's never a bad thing to go up and talk to someone. Like if, if, if you go up and talk to someone that you've been following for a while and they're brushing you off, like noticeably just walk away enjoy yeah, what they do uh, from a absolutely. distance like enjoy that but you know we're not all meant to be friends a lot of people are not that great but it's totally fine to just be like oh i love watching what they do and i hope that they do well in whatever it is and save your energy for the people who um react with you and i say that as being a person who again notoriously like leaves people uh hanging for like literally months um i do realize <laughs> that i do that it's it's a problem. I'm not gonna lie; it's totally it's a problem. Good, sometimes it's good to give advice to people, even if you don't follow it yourself. Well, I know the right thing to do. I just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, do, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, and I, I still, I can, I, I can have that tattooed on my head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I still live in a in in a world where I mean, like, my mind still lives in a world where, like, like I I have had very few friends um, growing up and um also being grown up and like they all know me well enough and they've known me long enough to know that if we don't talk for months that's fine like we'll we'll circle back around you know um but i i so often forget that especially in um newer friendships like it is important to like not only just keep not keep the conversation going but like share something. And that's something that I don't do that often because I put stuff out on, on, you know, like Instagram, for instance. Um, and then I think of that as like sharing, but it's not really, that's just kind of like, you know, whatever plant you put in your window. So people that walk by can look at it. it, it it's really not you. And I, mm. it's something that I, I am trying to figure out how I can share, um, 
more effectively with other people without me feeling like I'm just doing things for other people, which is something that I've done a lot of my life. Um, so I'm trying to find that balance. And um, yeah. It's interesting because the specifically saying, you know, that whole idea of, you know, the, the plant pot on the window, that's something that people would see as, you know, something that you put there for people to see, mm-hmm. but isn't necessarily you. But it's a similar sort of thing with, you know, musical performance, isn't it? You, you're you're portraying an aspect of yourself in that kind of presentation of of an aspect of you. You know, it's a similar sort of um, not caricature, but it, it, it's that. Uh, well, we're choosing so what to, to show, aren't we? Aren't we? Yeah, we we. Is it? Just I may be culturally inappropriately appropriating something here i remember reading something in a book of was referring to japan japan mm-hmm. uh, and japanese culture how they regard that they have i think it was like seven faces of how they would, would that's show game of thrones the... actually there's the crone <laughs> this is long before game of thrones trust me this is long before game of thrones <laughs> and it was you know, we have these kind of different kind of um Making hearts, but it, there's these different kind of characters that we show to different people. Whether it's kind of you know, the, our, our work colleagues, the mm. the public near to where we live, the public far mm. away that we're not associated with, those that are close to us, those are the that are most close to us, and getting that balance of what to share and and how much to share. It's, it's tricky, I think, for people who are doing more than just kind of showing, here's me making this thing. Right, mm. right. Um, I mean, for any any questions about Japanese culture, Red is a way better person to ask because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so not Japanese or even like um, Ali will know a lot more, at least at least Ali speaks Japanese. Um, but I, I, to, to me, you could have just said that as a fact, and I've been like, "That makes sense to me. Um, that that feels that feels like a thing that Japanese people would do." Um, and I think I think that it's it's important. Um, it is an important thing to remember. Um, and actually, oh my gosh, I really wish I could remember the quote right now because it's something. Um, it's from To Kill a Mockingbird. And it was talking about Atticus and how he's the same person like in the house as he in, is on the streets. And so I think that I think that it's really important to whoever you are, like embrace that the good, the bad, whatever, just own mm. up to everything that you are. But also it is OK to realize that I'm going to be standing out in the street and maybe I feel like a little vulnerable. And so maybe I don't want to sing at the top of my lungs. That doesn't mean that you're not being who you are. It just means that you're making a value judgment <laughs> on like how yeah. you feel at the moment. And like, mm. um, I, did, I did a post on Instagram uh, a while back because something that I, under, I completely understand but also really annoys me is when people are like, Instagram's so fake, it's so curated. And it's like, that's not what your real life looks like. And it's like, that's what that side of my life looks like. Like, have you ever done the thing where you split your face and like, you know, do a mirror image of just the right side and just your left side? That's not what mm-hmm. you look like, but they're both you. Like, it is okay to show the things that you want to share. It's very different from lying about who you are. Now, people on 
the influencers, the real influencers, the people who are like, if you buy this face cream, you look like I do. And it's like, that is a filter. I could get the filter for free and I will look exactly like you, even down to like the same colored eyes. Um, that is a bald face lie. And I'm not here for that. But there is nothing wrong with being like, hey, this is a cake that I made that came out really nice because this is what I wanted to do. The same thing with um, like, I, I do believe in showing your mistakes when you build stuff, but also like if your end goal was to build a table that you could sit at and eat and it wouldn't fall down and cut your legs off, then it's okay to be like, yeah, I tried three times, but I'm not going to show that. I'm going to show the table that I built because that is the point yeah. of it. Like we don't, we don't need to pretend that we didn't have a hard time getting here, but there's nothing wrong with being like, this is my room when it looks nice, as opposed to, well, I just need to be truthful all the time. And this is, this is the <laughs> hole that I live in because nobody gets to see that. It's, it's well, crazy. That's exactly it, isn't it? It's, it's the intent behind the content that, mm-hmm. or the intent behind the message that you're trying to put out there. You know, like yeah. you said before, the, the it, it's very difficult to be, permanently consistent as a person mm-hmm. you know we all have good days bad days we all have moments where we are confident and out there and moments where we're the opposite of that you know yeah. so that that's that's human nature isn't it you know and like you say you know being sort of unapologetically you but then also factoring in that even if someone else is they might not be on their best day at that time you know if normally you would go up to someone and just give them a big massive hug anyway you know, I, I mean, Steve knows the second I see him at Maker Central, I'm going to run over and just pounce on him. Absolutely. And he's going to expect that. And he's probably going to be running at me when he sees me. Oh, my gosh. You're away, making me so what. upset that I'm going to miss the collision of, of the two of you. <laughs> like, oh, my. Okay, so first, first Maker Central. Um, I. It's so crazy because the only reason that I even knew about it was because it was at the same woodworking show in Atlanta. I actually met Nick when he was just thinking about like how he wanted he to do this show. Big yeah. show wasn't yeah. Yeah. And so like and I was working for Izzy at the time. And so he was talking to Izzy and I was also there because I'm that person. Like I am also here. Um and so we got to chatting. He was like, oh, you also have a channel. And he was like, oh, if I make this event happen, like, will you come to it? And I was like, I'm poor, but if you, like, pay for my ticket, yeah. Like, if you fly me over there. And he's like, well, we'll see what we can do. Um, so, like, I got to be involved even before it was a for certain. But um, the first person that I saw walking up to the hotel on the very first day was someone that I have now known for six years and just like talked back and forth with the very first person that I saw there was Mr. Al Hackshack. And like, I saw him and I was like, Oh my God. That's He's like, the oh my God. And we just like ran and I just leapt on him and just like octopus the, like everything that I had, I was just like, I am here. Like this. And that was like my first moment of MC and it only got like more insane since then. And you should have seen the look on Brett's face because he was literally standing right behind Al being like. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, he was just like, at that point, he was like, I am also here. <laughs> but like, it was just so funny because that. Hi, was, I'm another American. <laughs> I know. It's like, we, we like, okay, whatever. You do your thing. Um, but yet uh, Al, Al was the first person to reach out to me and go, hey, I follow your youtube 
And like, I just made my first video and he's like, I would love it if you would watch it and like, give me feedback. And so I was like, sure. Like, I feel so important. I have like, you know, 3000 followers. I'm the, the big cheese. I'm so cheesy. And so I go to look at his video and I instantly like messaged him back. And I was like, 20 minutes. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I'm going to watch this. Um, but I did, of course. And it's like one of the most brilliant videos that has ever yep. been made. So how many times have you now been back and rewatched it? Because I'm embarrassed to say. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also not a fair you're in good question. company <laughs> that's not a fair question because i have seen him in six years i have seen him what four times <laughs> like you know I, I i need to feel that connection yeah you know so yeah but it's like uh, those those mc moments like mc specifically just because you get the people that you don't see like the the events in the states like you see the same people at every single one it's just a group of people who just goes around to different events um and i do love them i'm not saying i don't but um yeah it's it's the whole mc thing of it's it's a hub for people everywhere and uh i'm so sad that i'm not going to be there moment of silence also bye Boom. Allie there's I like every 50 messages I like can read because if, if I, <laughs> yeah, I read all concentrate. of them then I can't concentrate <laughs> <laughs> oh hey Peter Miller <laughs> awesome anyways yeah so Maker Central I'm sad um but I'm very excited that all of you are going to be there and hugging each next, other without next me. Next one, maybe. Next, next, maybe. If there is another, uh, there has to be because I can't make it to this one. Like just now, it has to just go on. Exactly. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's got to be because we, we need we need another John D. Harvey hug. We need another Jess hug. We need another uh, Heidi hug. Oh gosh, Heidi. We need a Brett hug. Uh, Brett doesn't do hugs. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. You got a hug from me, though. <laughs> I think you caught him off guard. Uh, no, I mean, like, I, I tease him a bunch, but, like, we did generally have such a long conversation um, about uh, interacting with people um, that we don't know. Like, we had that this same conversation because he was like, I don't know, people want to touch me. And I was like, well, it's okay if you don't want to be touched, but, like, be nice like these people love you they think you're great and um it's okay to feel weird about that just like accept mm. it and um it, it makes everything better absolutely everything. I, I think because um when i first met brett that, that was the the first maker central i've been a patron of his for quite a while and um i was really quite surprised because he he recognized me we kind of like wandered up and i was like oh, hi and I, I can't remember who he was chatting to at the time but uh, he, my daughter had just come hurtling past and seen him because we've been watching him on the telly. Yeah. Um, so she was just like, it's you. And then straight away, so she, she got to him first, kind of distracted him away from who he was talking to, and then sort of instantly went, we're Scully. So he was completely and utterly caught off guard anyway um, of this a tiny person, which he doesn't do tiny people anyway. <laughs> But then a tiny person who was very 
very interested in him and what he was doing. So it was, it was completely turned on his head, you know. So I think he actually offered me a hug at the end when we, you know, been chatting. So it was... oh yeah, that was a big moment because we actually we have spoken of that because that's that's something that like like I know that um, that when he was a kid, like he felt like very on the outside because he was the creative. He was. He was not only like the brainiac, but he was the creative as well. And there was like not really a lot of um, overlap with those things and the people in his life. And so I feel like whenever he resonates with a young person, especially, it's like he feels like he's giving his younger self something <laughs> special, you know? Like, yeah. And it's, it's super yeah. cute because like, I mean, I love to tease and be like, oh, you talk to your skulls. But like, I mean, that's the thing that we love, right? Like, it's like yeah, this unabashedness absolutely. of being like, I am in the forge and I'm talking to, to my little skulls. <laughs> and it's great. And that's what we're here for. But like, you you know that when, when a kid comes up to you and asks you like, where's Scully? It's like, you made an impression. And there's yes. nothing more valuable than that. And, um, and like, I think that every time someone's kid has come up to him or like you know talk to him over through a message or whatever he's always told me and been like yes you know and I'm like oh yeah. I, I love it because first of all you can be a grown-ass adult and play make-believe and that is not only right. fine it is a good thing <laughs> true. Well, it's it's been it's been unapologetically you isn't it it's yeah. it's you know and I think that's the thing with you know with kids coming up to him knowing him and you know that connection to to something like Scully or to you know the the the, the props he's made or the uh, the video game stuff or things like that that, it, that it's it's that confirmation you know that that the the kind of inner you that you you're kind of showing off a little bit to see you know test the water sort of thing you know for, to then have like another sort of I don't want to say outcast, but another kind of person who's in that sort of bracket of being the weird ones or being the the creatives in the corner scrolling away doing something else or it's I think that's that's the whole thing with the makers, isn't it? Is with with all the weirdos. We're yep. we're not the normals. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's totally true. And I think that like to for it's one of the reasons that, that this idea of like, how do we interact with each other comes up so often because we're mm. all the weirdos. Like, I mean, it's not, yeah. that's not a, first of all, it's not a bad word. It is great to be a weirdo, but also because so often we're not only used to just doing things by ourselves because we're the only person who's interested in the things that we're interested in. Um, but also because we're just, we're just not that used to being in a group of people where first of all, everyone knows each other, but also mm -hmm. like we all have something in common. Um, and I, I feel like it's, it's such a sensory overload that it tends to just come out and like, I don't know, I'll just hug you and then go shout in your face. And then like, I ran over here because this person was here, but then they were feeling weird. So I ran back over here and like, now I'm kind of crying and like, but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's, that's all, all, all maker events. Oh, also Brett is here now. We should probably stop talking about him. I think, I think there's an element there, isn't it? For me, there's, there's that, with like with Maker Central, and I've only I've only been to the one. 
but there's there's these kind of almost spheres of where these interactions take place and, and the level, different interactions. So, you know, when I walked in, I first walked into that Hilton bar and suddenly there's people that I've kind of interacted with who are coming up to me and giving me hugs and, and kind of, you know, I, I don't normally do hugs. Mm. And yeah, it, 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 it was in some ways it was, it was really kind of anxiety inducing, but also amazing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And all weekend, all particularly in the evenings, you're seeing groups of kind of yeah fellow content makers because essentially everyone that was hanging out in the the, the yeah ninety five percent of them make content in some way whether it's just posts on Instagram mm-hmm. and there's all that there's huge amounts of interaction going on and I'm not a psychologist but I would estimate that probably a good seventy five percent of those people probably have some form of social anxiety particularly with people they don't know but they're only 75 i'm trying to be generous (laughs) you really aren't a psychologist (laughs) i'd say it's closer to 112 (laughs) percent he he might not be a psychologist but he's not a statistician either apparently not Uh, we all know 80 percent of stats are made up on the spot (laughs) that's true but then there's you go into the kind of the, the, the the venue and all of a sudden you've got general public coming up and you've got people that you and you there's there's another sort of tier of separation with kind of content makers that you know about but don't interact with yeah. at one point i was i was looking at there was a, a stand uh i don't think it was a maker space but it was a couple of makers that kind of blogged rather than youtube I can't remember their their handsome, but they had uh, just some nice bits of kit. One of them was a, a, a film source machine, which is a static electrostatic generator, which of course you physicist. I'm like, that's in really good condition, and the one I've got isn't, and I want to know more about how you've got that in really good condition. And they were talking to somebody else at some point, and all of a sudden, next to me stood the craft maiden. <laughs> and she's the craft maiden stuff, yeah. And it's like, yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, there's. And she was in costume as well. She wasn't just, you know, she was in kind of, mm-hmm. I can't remember what she was wearing, but it was kind of, yeah, like I was expecting a sword to awesome. come out and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or an axe. And it's just like, you know, just, I was like, that's the craft maiden. I've never interacted with the craft maiden. I've seen her stuff. She makes amazing stuff and she's very gorgeous and I'm British and male and <laughs> It's very, very awkward, and I, I don't know what to say because she's very attractive, and very attractive. Wait, you didn't feel know. this way with me? Hey, you came up and gave me a big hug. I didn't feel that way. You came up with me either. You came up and gave me a big hug. Do I make you less British or male? <laughs> I think you're my friend. I'm sorry. Go on. No, no, no. You're I, my friend. I'm totally there with you. I'm going very red. It's because you're from there. Um, yes. She'd be teasing me. I, I'm, I'm, I thought it was Steve to take off again. Very warm. Um, but I'm going to say, yeah, there's a crap man. I'm, I'm trying to sort of not be kind of not put your foot awkward. in your mouth, Andy. That's what you're trying it's to like, do. I just like it's really cool stuff, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it is, isn't it? We kind of just started to chat based around the fact that what was being done on there was sort of really cool. And it was just like, I mean, she had no idea who I was, I'm sure. That you um, know of, she could have been totally just playing it cool. She could have been, yeah, 
maybe. That's true. I mean, it's understandable. Yeah, but the, yeah. The, the... I mean, <laughs> I mean have you looks. seen your beard? Come on. Funnily enough, right now, just there. <laughs> First time. <laughs> you can't be pointing at Jamie and saying you've seen your beard. That is not your beard. Do not claim it. <laughs> it's, this one's mine. You can't have it. <laughs> I've no, tried I to steal beard. it. I've tried to grow a big beard. It doesn't, just doesn't work. Just because yeah, it's well, At least you got something. I can't even grow a mustache. Like, I mean, can you imagine, like, Big like like Jesse Savage style. Yeah, I think you would suit the big sort of handlebar. It go with my really big eyebrows. So (laughs) I feel like it's like the triforce of facial hair for a girl. (laughs) Nobody wants that. Uh, Anyways, back to your point, Andy. (laughs) You could always, you could always, yeah, you could always sort of draw one on. Yeah, but I feel like that's kind of cheating. Like, you have to actually commit to spirit gum or just, like, you know, naked face. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've lived with a naked face for years. I can continue to do it. Um, when I worked at the restaurant, uh, there was a there was a very interesting evening when my former violin teacher, who I had not seen in a few years, came in with a date, and they both had, like, salvador dolly mustaches on and it was fantastic and she's she's like first of all she's like over six feet tall she is imposing person total sweetheart but she comes in with this huge mustache like this (laughs) that matches her date and just i looked i was like hey kristen and she's like oh my gosh i didn't know you worked here we just chat 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 and the great thing is neither of us mentioned it Yep. And nobody said anything because it doesn't matter. But it was just like it was so beautiful because she's totally the person who would walk into a restaurant wearing a fake mustache and be like, why? Why wouldn't I like uh, Dandles? I, I will take some beard hair from you. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I would, oh God, I would gonna, love that. Gonna... Yeah, just but should we just try and collect as many maker beard hairs as we can, and then you just kind of weave your own sort of. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm like really grossed out by that thought, but also I really want that to happen. <laughs> okay, everyone at Maker Central who has a beard, I will I, I will send you a special bag, and you just a little just a little clipping goes in the bag, and you can. <laughs> You just, I'll, I'll, I will pay for the postage. Just send me back just a bag of maker beard hair that I will put into some sort of voodoo doll that will then, you know, help me to make it to the next maker central. Well, it's that's not what weird. I was going to say is it's either going to end up in a in some sort of voodoo doll or there's going to be like a circle of salt painted on the floor and some kind of ritualistic <laughs> thing, candles, and and then we'll just suddenly disappear through our chairs and end up in the desert. You'll all just end up at the poop house and be like, haha, now that I have you here. <laughs> Workforce. <laughs> here are your Trapped. standard issue bikini tops. <laughs> I hope y'all brought sunscreen. <laughs> oh my gosh, you Brits would die. <laughs> yes, I would. Yes, yeah. we would. <laughs> oh my gosh. But that would be amazing. I yeah. think I would probably burst into flames. I get, I get, disfun- I get dysfunctional at about 27 Celsius. Oh, yeah. I'm dysfunctional all the time. But it's kind of nice in the <laughs> desert where, like, literally... literally you like, the weather. I, 
I break things and I move garbage. And that's like been what I've done for the last two years. And so um, like mentally that makes me feel like I am accomplishing things by even though I don't know how to. Um, so that's been really nice. It's the going forward part that is now going to terrify me. Um, when I have no more garbage to rake out of my sand, uh, it's going to be yep. a sad day for me, honestly. But Do you think you might still find some? Because we, we, the house we're in, our garden was literally a dumping ground for every bottle and cork the previous family had ever had, I'm sure. Were they big drinkers? <laughs> yeah. And we have cleared from the garden huge amounts of glass and, and cork. And we thought we'd sorted it in the first few years. Every now and again, another cork appears. Or in fact, I think it was a couple of weeks, uh, no, probably about a month ago, Mel just found a champagne bottle and a, a stubby beer bottle in the garden. And they just keep appearing. Yeah, we've, it's not, I mean, it's a big garden by British standards. Yeah, it's 100 feet long. Was it wide. always a house and not once a pub or something? Definitely always a house. The house is only, okay. it's pretty young by British standards. It was only built in well, the It is sort of an, an end house though, isn't it? So maybe it is. over the, over I've the seen, wall. I, well, I've seen, yeah, I've seen pictures with before the kind of houses were born. There's, there's two pubs in the village. One okay. dates back to 1700s, I think. Um, I'm not sure how the old the other one is, but it's probably fair, uh, probably a good few hundred years old. But they were—they're nowhere near the house. But I'm pretty sure it was all for one of my sheds was just a, a drinking shed for, for the, the husband, I think. Probably, yeah. He's just like no one will ever see this. No mm. one will ever see that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, my. I've had people ask me if I'm certain that the desert isn't just like actually producing more garbage. And I can't say <laughs> that it isn't because I have no proof um, and you can't prove a negative. Uh, but what I've, what I've discovered is that um, there is a layer of sand and it is equal parts sand uh, and rusty nails and pieces of plastic. And then under that is a layer of very, very fine dirt. Under that is a layer of carpet. And under the carpet <laughs> is another layer. Because of course there is. <laughs> under the carpet is another layer of sand and nails. <clears throat> and, but then under that is where you get the, like, the electronics. That's where the electronics are. And they're like really buried in there. Like I found, found like the curly cord from like the kitchen phone. And I, thought, I picked up the phone and there's like a curly cord. And I was like, ooh, and I started pulling it. And first of all, it was like 27 feet long because that's how long cords are supposed to be. I'm pulling, pulling, it won't come out. So I go and I start digging. And there was an entire, like, where's my other hand? <laughs> Here I go. It was like an entire fax machine. Like, um, was it was a fax machine and a uh, voice recorder, voicemail voicemail oh, yeah, answer from, like with the, yeah answer, answer machine with the with the cassette tapes and everything and it was just oh, nice. buried did you, under did you try and layers. listen to the to the old messages oh there were no tapes in there no oh. i looked i did press all of the buttons though and then like curl the curly <laughs> cued cord around my finger several times and i felt like i was like six years old again it was brilliant 
Yeah. What's the curly cool the fridge? Holding it. <laughs> well, it was like curly, 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 and then there's the one like goes Where backwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you are my people. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Did you try and straighten them out? Did you kind of... Maybe. Because <laughs> you can kind of move it along the line. No. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, but then it always ends up just like kind of misshaping the other, and the, it's mm-hmm. so upsetting. Um. I was uh, along with the curly cords, which I do actually miss, like walking through an entire house with the one phone phone cord. Um, uh, and I, I like we're we're the last people who ever remember that. But the the day that I realized I was too old to work at a restaurant anymore was uh, the day that the hostess was like, the phone is broken. I was like, great. I was like, well, what's, what's wrong with it? She goes, it is making a weird sound. And so I was like, okay, she gives it to me. And I was like, it's not making a weird sound. She's like, that, that's the sound. And I was like, that's a dial tone. And she goes, what's a dial tone? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and first of all, I pointed to the door and said, get out. Um, and then right, right when, response, when yeah. she realized that I wasn't joking, but also like, I don't, I didn't have the power to fire her. So she just stood there and stared at me. So I was just like, fine, I'll leave. And I went to the DM and I was like, you have to go deal with her. I don't know how to talk to this person. She's never heard a dial tone. And like, I'm, I'm like, so morally outraged right now. <laughs> the fact that this, this person who is old enough to have a job and go to college, not only has never heard a dial tone, but was never even aware that a dial tone existed. Mm-hmm. And it also made me realize I miss I miss the sound of a dial tone. Yeah. It's sad. It's kind of sad. Like I haven't I haven't used a landline in many, many years. I don't know how time works, mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, rid of us now. Yeah. Yeah, we we we've not had one I I've, I've been living here shit nearly twelve years. And that is, we've not had a landline in at least 10 of those years. And I don't think we ever actually picked up the landline other than the odd spam call that came through. We didn't give anyone the number. Well, yeah, my, my parents still have a landline and literally they, they don't use it because it's just spam calls. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think my mom's sisters call her on that phone. But not even always. Because they, yeah. I mean, she has a cell phone. Um, it's easier to find someone's name and click the button and then speak on the three minutes than it is to dial the numbers in on a. You know, it's even easier sending a text message and not having to talk to them at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the generation that we're in. We don't, we don't do speaking on phones. I know, I know. I um, did that change for you though? So, like, did you like talking on the phone when when you lived in landline? town time time frame i think it might have done because i think when i was when i was like early teens Mm -hmm. 12 13 i I would chat to my friends on the landline but i I didn't have a a cell phone then so that was my only way of communicating to people that you know lived more than a mile or two away Mm -hmm. um you know i couldn't just nip there and say hello you know it it was the only way to speak to a friend that was 20 30 miles away right I hate phones. Always? Mm. Don't like phones at all. Okay. If phone goes, I want somebody else to answer it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I can, so I really, I love the idea of when I was a kid, like the phone would ring and I wanted to answer the phone. So it was like, oh my gosh, the phone is ringing. It's not that it rings that often. It's just like, pick it up and say hello. But after I've said hello, I'm like, I don't want to talk to whoever this is. I mean, it's obviously not for me. First of all, like I literally don't want to talk to this person on the phone, but I want to have experienced answering the phone. Like I did the same thing when like I'd see the, um, the mail carrier deliver the mail, they put it in the post box and we'd like run out and like open it up to see the mail. But it's like, it's not for me. I'm just like close it and walk back inside and like not take it in because like, I'm not interested in it. I just like I the experience of like, yeah. you open the I, I mail. That now. That's the mail. It's like, okay, you can stay there for the rest of the day. And that did not go over well with my mom. But um, yeah, the, the phone conversation thing, like I, there were not that many people that I could talk to that I had to talk to. I will say this though. So my, um, my uncle and I were super close. Um, he married my mom's sister. So the day I met him was his, his wedding day to my aunt and I was three years old and I, I have flashes of memory from this wedding, but he told me later, he said, he goes, you walked up to me. And you put your hand in my hand and you looked up at me. He's like, and that's when I fell in love. And it's like, we had like this really, really special bond where like he would come up from LA. He'd drive like the three hours to, um, to my house when I was a kid just to take me out to lunch. It was just like, and we'd just go and hang out. We'd write each other letters. And he's just like the most fun, just fantastically wonderful human that ever existed. Um, and he and I would talk on the phone maybe like three or four times a year. And that was like a big event. And I would like try to save up my stories, like the things that I hadn't already told him in letters, like, oh, save up my stories. So I like have these conversations with him. And I really, really enjoyed those. And like what you were saying, it's like, if there are people in my life that I see like fairly often or that I communicate with fairly often, then yeah, I don't want to talk on the phone because I, I have a little bit of weirdness with talking to someone if I can't see them, um, which is strange because I do like sitting in a pitch black room having a conversation with someone because <laughs> it takes all the pressure off. Like they don't know how awkward I look when I'm like trying to think of something or my eyes don't blink at the same time or I might be grueling. Um, but also uh, Neil Gaiman said it's easier to say true things in the dark and that is absolutely true if you're ever trying to have like a really good heart-to-heart with someone turn off all the lights and just sit there in the dark and have a conversation I've never really given it much thought but you're absolutely right with that yeah yeah it's so true like for me it harkens back to being at a slumber party when I say slumber Mm. party I had like one friend so when someone's the night in my house and like all the lights are off and you're supposed to be sleeping you just have this like this like super intimate conversation because it's like you're the only two people in the world because no one else is allowed to know about it because you're supposed to be sleeping and um honestly like I had I had my first like real connection as humans with my brother when I went to visit him when he was going to um to university and I went to stay with him and like, like we were all homeschooled, so we were all home all the time. And uh, he was a huge bully and like a pain in the ass and made me cry every single day of my life because he's a dick. Uh, so like going to visit him was the first time we had like really were connecting as peers. And I think um, 
the first time I was 16. So he would have been 24. If that, nope, 23. That's how math works. Anyways, um, so in true Ben style, um, there was no bed for me. He literally lived in a pantry because it was really inexpensive. He lived in a house. He lived in a house called the vegan house. Everyone in the house was vegan and nobody wanted to live there because the only room was the pantry off the kitchen. But he was like, hey, it's really inexpensive. Um, so he moved in there and bought five pounds of hamburger meat and just put it in the fridge and didn't ever do anything with it. But anyway, so he got some couch cushions, <laughs> put some T-shirts on them and put them on the floor, which was like enough for like two thirds of me to be on cushioning. And then he gave me a blanket. And so, and then he climbed into his loft bed and he and I stayed up talking in the dark for hours. And it was absolutely mind blowing because like, for one thing, he's my older brother. Like I look mm -hmm. up to him. He treated me really terribly. My entire up childhood. In the loft, but... <laughs> well, that, and also That's just because he's tall. I mean, he's not that tall, but I'm short. Um, but like, I mean, he made me miserable so much of my, my young life um, because I'm extremely reactive. Uh, and so it was like, haha, someone to tease. But buttons so <laughs> exactly, I have so many buttons and they're all so pushable. Um, but yeah, so we, we just stayed up for hours just talking. And, um, and it was like, it was probably the best conversation he and I have ever had because it was almost like setting ground rules for, not ground rules, but like, Laying out who, it? yeah, it's like laying out who you are as a as a person, right? So it's like mm -hmm. it's really hard when you've known someone for a long time to see them as anything other than accumulation of all the stupid things they did, the the you know like really interesting fashion choices, and like the the that one hairdo that they had for like six months. But um, you know, it's my 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 older brother who is like just moved across the country for the first time who went from being homeschooled to going to a top tier Ivy league school. Like, I mean, come on, that's kind of a big deal. And like no one in my family on that, on my dad's side has ever gone to college. And, um, and like the other side of the family, like there's a lot of MDs and PhDs, but like they're kind of interesting anyways. Um, <laughs> but it was just being able to see someone, you know, well, seeing a different side of them like that's that's yeah. such an invaluable thing and to have that opportunity to have the conversation that led to I mean effectively it led to exactly where I am right now where I live in the desert for no real reason other than Ben <laughs> said you have you have to move there now thank you actually he didn't say thank you um <laughs> and, he, and he's still giving you shit with the pants <clears throat> as well oh yeah like yeah. literal literal shit like uh, shovelfuls of it um, but yeah, he's, he has always, always looked after me in his own way, in his <laughs> own way. Like he is, he is never one. He's, he's, he's not like, he's protective in the way that he would take me to these humongous parties that they were having on campus and just like, be like, okay, have fun. Like, um, mm. at midnight you're going home first of all. Um, but also he would just let me wander around and, and uh, he would watch from a distance. Like he always had an eye on me to make sure I was okay. Yeah. He also knows that I can handle myself. 
But I remember there was one time when this one guy, this one freshman, bless his heart, really was thinking he was making some headway and like, you know, kind of leaning in. (laughs) And I'm doing the kind of like, like, I mean, I'll talk to you, but like, you're lean back. And Ben just walked over and he stood about three inches from this guy. He's about a head taller. He goes, hey, the guy's like, hello. And then he ignores the guy and he just starts talking to me. And he's like, you know, he's just like, so, you know, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of really interesting people. And there's a lot of people who think that they're really interesting, but they're not. And there are a lot of people who think that they should have things when really they should just be minding their own business. Um, and this this poor guy just like kind of slunk, slunk, slunk away. Um, <clears throat> but it was more of just like it was a check in. Right. So like uh, there there's there, you know, there are four of us in the family and we have all been in many different kinds of physical altercations. Uh, but there's something <laughs> we always let each other fight our own fights. But it's always just an understanding that you have backup no matter what you do. Yeah. Like that's it. Having backup is there's a lot to be said so for that. Important. I think as well, you know, like yeah. you say, letting you stand on your own two feet, but knowing that there's an arm there to catch you when you topple over, sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, I think that. Well, for me, that's the only way I learn anything is to actually just make a huge mistake. And I mean, like, okay, well, now that I'm lying here on the ground. Um, I'll just take a minute, think about what's going on, what the situation is. I mean, like, you never see a more clear path than you're, like, laying on your back being like, well, I can see, like, I dug this hole really deep. But, like, from this (laughs) angle, I can see out of it. It was when Mm -hmm. I was digging it that I could only see, like, ultimate death. Uh, But if if you've fallen into that hole, just look look up. Look up and go toward the light, but in the good way. (laughs) Oh my gosh. <laughs> I um in case you haven't realized, my mind takes some <laughs> little little twisty turns and I will ramble ramble on. Um I mean, it is perfect, perfect place for it. <laughs> also, I may have had a lot of caffeine and not a lot of sleep. Hmm. <laughs> I think there's I think there's an element there though, isn't it? It's not uncommon for kind of sort of siblings to kind of have a relationship that involves kind of yeah, hating on each other in some way. But it, as soon as there's somebody else that's trying to do the hating, no way. That's that's yeah. not happening. Oh, oh absolutely. Don't be mean to my sister. That's my job. Yeah. Yes, exactly. How, yeah. how dare you? I'm the only one I mean, that's She's to do terrible, that. but like, I know that she's terrible. You don't know that she's terrible. You don't even know her. <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. It's I interesting what you said true. though before about the um, that moment of of finally seeing Ben as a peer rather than you know as the bigger brother, and I, I think that's there's a hell of a lot to be said for that. Um, so I, I've got um, a couple of older brothers, and I've got a younger brother and sister. Um, and my my younger brother is is sort of just you know becoming a, a fully fledged adult human. And it's you know sort of uh, interacting with him as as a peer, as an adult, and not just as my little brother. And right. the same, you know, when when I reached that point with my older brothers, of seeing them as as peers on their level, 
you know, rather than being those those big brothers who used to beat me up sort of thing. You know, it was that kind of. I think that that kind of um, it, it's it's a completely different way of then seeing the world. I think when you get to that point, you know, I think it's uh, profound. I think, and and same with like parents as well. You know, when you when you finally sort of get to that that point where you see your parents as as humans and not just as parents. Yeah, that that is definitely an interesting one. Like my um my mom and I have uh in the last couple of years we've really become like good friends. Um bye Leo. Uh <laughs> uh and it's been really interesting because she and I have such similar personalities. Like it is incredible like how how similar we are, how we react to things the same way. Like our, our initial reactions to things are almost identical. But the interesting thing to me is and something that we've had a conversation about is that the way that we react to things is completely opposite. And mm. the big difference is like um, she grew up in a really dysfunctional household. Um, her dad was just a really terrible person. She was a she was number five of six kids. They lived in a huge house with a tennis court and a swimming pool and was like, kind of like, it wasn't like they were neglected kids, but just nobody paid a lot of attention to them. Right. Yeah. Cause like my grandma, you know, was, was this beautiful, interesting, talented person who very young married a very handsome doctor and was like, we're living in a big house and do but he was just terrible. She had six kids and she's like, I don't want this life. Like, this isn't what I signed up for. And so it was just like, nobody was happy ever. And a lot of other problems. But she grew up being really insecure um, and just like, didn't really, she wasn't really able to do a lot of things she wanted because she was just so insecure about who she was. And even like, she did actually go to Europe for an extended period of time and like worked as an au pair. And then she worked in a hotel in Switzerland. And like, like she did all these things, but it was almost even like, it was almost even like she was just kind of trying to get through it, you know? And like, not even like, I'm going to go out and have adventures. She was just like, I don't know. I think I'm supposed to go to Europe. I'll just go and keep on going. And like, I, I can't stop now <laughs> because now like I need a job and I don't speak the language and this and that. Um, and so she was just kind of like powering through because it needed to be done. Um, and like the first time, my first big travel, my sister and I went to Italy uh, we attended a chamber music festival in Italy. It was a month long. Um, we went without my parents and I was 13 and she was 16. And like that to me felt totally normal. It was just like, well, yeah, this is, I mean, I'm going to summer camp. Like this, there's just a thing we do, just, you know, whatever. They go play violin in, in the amphitheater that was like 500 BC is how old it is. It was just like, that that level of comfort was something that I only could have had because I was um, supported as a child. Like there was never a mm. moment where I was neglected or ne like felt like I was unloved. I mean, I have a lot of other mental problems that are not her fault and <laughs> I'm not going to lay those on her. But like the the difference between being supported uh, and feeling loved and um and not having that is is huge and that's one mm. of the things that um that 
I specifically remember that Ben said to me on that, that first slumber party night is he goes, he goes, you don't know how lucky we are. And I was like, I don't know what that means. He goes, um, it's like, you know, I always knew it was true, but coming to a, a university where you're just surrounded by so many people your age, he's like, not only do our parents love us, they love each other. Mm. And like, that is rare. That's so rare. Like what we have, we are so lucky to have what we have. And I remember he said to me, you don't understand now. You can't, but you will. Yeah. And like, I remember years later, I was like, oh, that's what he meant. Oh, I get it. Right. Cause whatever you grow up in is normal until you compare it to something else. Yeah. yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. And so like that, that is something that I, I will always be exceedingly grateful for um, because it was something that my parents did, even without thinking, it was just like, no, you take care of your kids and you take care of each mm -hmm. other. And like, I mean, they're totally bonkers crazy. now that they're both retired, like they don't know what to do with each other. Cause even though they've known each other since they were 12, it was like, what do they really have in common? It's so funny. Like, it's like hysterical, but also just like terrifying. So I'm like, what do you, how do you interact with each other? Like, it's so weird. Um, <laughs> and then randomly they sent us in our group family chat, they sent us a photo where it's like, we went zip lining today. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like a hundred. <laughs> What's going on? And how come you never take me zip lining? <laughs> so did, when you had that, you know, profound realization that, um, you know, that, that, drop of knowledge had landed did you go back to ben and say look do you remember years ago you said this thing to me and it's finally you know i, I understand what you mean no because that's the kind of thing where i i i would go and say that to someone and they would go what yeah I, I, no I don't, I don't remember he, that any of that conversation i don't remember that night i don't remember you being there <laughs> a very small chance that he would even remember that he had me come to visit him for two weeks when i was 16 <laughs> No, Sorry, I mean he. He <laughs> was like, "You're you're my little brother, right?" Um, uh, yeah, it's it's funny because that a lot of people think that Ben and I have like the sitcom brother sister relationship where we're, he's like grabbing me in a headlock, not being like, "Oh, stop you!" Or we like or having like these deep conversations about our feelings. Um, when we don't usually speak to each other at all during the day, unless Ben's like, I sent you a meme about like a wombat, please respond. Like react to the wombat that I sent you. And I was like, it was a very nice wombat. He's like, isn't it really nice? I'm like, okay. And like, that'll be our interaction. Or he'll be like, um, yeah, I need you to drive to San Diego and pick up some lumber. Bye. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's most of our relationship. Um, because honestly, like, what do we really need to talk about? <laughs> like, we live together, we work together, unless he's like, really, really excited about something that he's creating. We really don't talk at all, like, at all. Well, I mean, from sort of outside appearances, you're probably more busy than he is. You know, in terms of like, actual, you know, grunt work doing stuff. And, you know, actual getting things done you know it's uh, and stuff. well i mean 
I would love to say that's accurate. I definitely move more sand in my little wagon than he does. <laughs> um, but the even when he's not physically building something, the True. amount yeah. of business calls that this kid takes is mind-boggling and like not only just business calls but like interviews and articles and teaching things and blah 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 blah. like um brett and i always joke because like for one thing ben ben will like walk through the house when he talks so it's just like he's like near doing another drive-by but um you can always tell when it's an interview because he in a very particular voice he will say well, my background is in architecture and, and like, it always starts like that. So like whenever Brett and I are like, oh, we have to business day, it's like, well, my background is in architecture. Like I, I kind of feel like I could give his spiel, like talk about the, um, the startup that I created called Free Green, where you make house plans for people and you can have them for free. Anyways, um, but like. I was going to say, that's seeming very familiar then. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it is insane, like the amount of business thing that he does on a daily basis and what's even crazier is he'll be like he'll be like yeah I just got off of a call with Instagram because they were asking like how to make reels better and I was like can you make them editable like in the text thank you um but like he has those conversations he is that person like it's it's so crazy and then the extra maddening thing like not only is um has he just gone through all the permitting process and is breaking ground on his own house on his own property very soon. He's also like building a hotel and I got to go to like the city planning meeting where he gave his proposal and it was accepted and they were completely blown away because they were like, well, we had a list of questions, but you literally answered all of our questions in your presentation. And I was like, yo, that's my brother. Um, it's like kind not only does he, exactly. <laughs> it's not only has he, does he like do things like that, but then he also like builds furniture that is first of all um, interesting, but also most of it actually functions. And then he does like the crazy things, like I'm going to fill balloons with water and then pour resin over them. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then I was like, but it but, looked really cool. It's like, but that table's really cool, and I really like it. Um, but the ma- most maddening thing of all about living with my brother and also like working in the same job that he works is perfect example of this morning. I'm sitting outside, I'm drinking my coffee, making grumbly sounds, feeding Gary. And what has Ben doing? Pull-ups. He went from doing pull-ups to we went over to the bench press and was just like, you know, bench pressing Mm -hmm. some, some weights. And I'm like, really, do you, do you have to do that? Like, who who in their mid-40s needs a six-pack? No one. <laughs> like, do, do you, is it not enough that you used to be a model? Like, do you really need to stay in shape? It's it's just, like, it, stop, stop rubbing it in everyone's faces. Like, you know, I feel like... You know you've got it, but... I mean, like, you're successful in business. Like, you could at least, like, not look like that. I don't know. <laughs> It's it's super it's super upsetting. Like you always want to. I find that every now and again I meet somebody, some there's some person that comes into my life who's extremely intelligent, extremely good looking, extremely sporty and fit, extremely creative, and I just hate them. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, like there are days when I feel like he is mocking me with his productivity because he is productive every single day. And like on the three days a week where I need to sleep all day and like cry anytime that I am awake, I feel like he is mocking me by being productive because I can hear him out there. I can hear him walking around the house doing his business calls and being like, oh, you want to give me millions of dollars to invest in my hotel? Like, okay. And meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I need more snacks to bring back to my cave. Um, I folded my laundry today. I did. It's never going to be put away because it just lives on my bed in my nest. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the productivity thing is like, it's, when people are like, is it, how is it living with your brothers? Like, honestly, that's the thing that's hardest to live with because he is one of the most productive people I've ever encountered. And it's really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, that concept of a day off. Cause he doesn't. And I'm yeah, like, I'm if I work one day a week, like I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like I really feel like I move that garbage. Um, but he's just like, he just works all the time every day. And I, and you know, like I, uh, my ADHD is like, you will do nothing ever because you can't make a decision. And Ben's ADHD is like, you will take over the world um, because you've already taken over every planet you've encountered before you got here because it's definitely not from <laughs> this planet. Um, so I feel like that's kind of unfair. And um, I'll have to remember to talk to my mom about that next time I see her. Yeah. But has he has he invented new methods of holding bits of material together? Because you did. Uh, <laughs> he may I have would, done companies and I wouldn't and say that stuff. I invented it. I will just say this. <laughs> ben may have the abdominal muscles in the family. Actually, my sister does. Actually, you know what? I'm the only one who doesn't have sex. Anyway, Ben <laughs> may be stronger than I am. But I am more flexible. Um, I, I have I have like moderately better balance because um, Ben is pigeon toed, and although I am pigeon toed, I'm also knock kneed, and in an odd way, like makes it doubly worse, but also cancels it out. Like, <laughs> like it's like they're both. It's just like the right angle to where it's just kind of like just just don't don't like tap her; she'll fall over. But if you just leave her there, she'll just stay forever. Um, but yeah, and, and like the uh, the lesser known yoga, like that all started just because like I have like no upper body strength, but I, I've got a really great low center of gravity. Um, and so I was just like, well, if I could just like fold myself into a pretzel, then I think I could figure out how to do this. And hey, it's worked so far. Like I work for me. And, and, and foot clamps are a thing. Foot clamps are totally a thing. And yeah. I did not come up with that. That is all the billions of asians that do woodworking with the shoes with the little toes yeah they've got that little split toe so you can hold things with their feet yeah they they they, they cut things with their toes very sharp toes for <laughs> Asians. Uh, no but like if you if you look at um like traditional japanese joint joint joiners <laughs> carpenters Wow. Um, I, I think we're going to stick with joinerers. For the joinerers, yeah. So, so the traditional <laughs> Japanese joinerers, um, they they have their Big little pole saws, <laughs> and, but they will hold things with their feet so that they can use both their hands, and it makes so much more sense. And mm. um, it's one of the reasons why, like, everyone's like, you need to wear 
huge boots because you're doing construction. And I'm like, no, I need to wear floppy shoes so that my ankles can actually bend. Um, it makes me a lot safer. And I do understand the need for boots and I do wear them when it's appropriate. It's just what in my life is appropriate, really. Like not much. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're not stepping on the rusty nails or. Yeah, I don't know why people do the that. For the carpet. You know? <laughs> like, I. People are convinced. And it's not even like, oh, are you worried about stepping on nails? I, I love questions like that. Like, hey, do you think about these things? Does this, does this worry you? Like, have you, whatever. It's the people who are like, you have to wear boots because you will step on a nail. And I'm like, the annoying thing, th thing is, is not being able to say, no, I won't. Um, but my usual response is just like, the last time I stepped on a nail, I was five years old and it was literally just in the grass in my backyard. Um, mm -hmm. I am very cautious when I'm at work. Uh, what, one of the, the easiest ways to get a nail in your boot or your shoe or whatever is to do what construction workers so often do. And that is have a scrap pile and just walk over it like their demo pile. Just walk over yeah. it. Let things drop on their feet because they're wearing boots. Or whatever. throw bits of wood away with nails sticking out. Absolutely. Yep. And it's like when you're the only person working in this small space, you know everything that's going on. And like, of mm -hmm. course, I've dropped things on my feet before. And it was really terrible. But you know what? <laughs> I drop things on my feet in the kitchen way more often. And I'm much more worried about that. And like, there's, there is a level of awareness that you can have that will cut out some of the things that people think are so necessary. Like no level of awareness is going to keep sawdust out of your lungs. Like that's just stupid. But people are like more interested in wearing boots for protection than like safety spectacles or a dust mask mm -hmm. or yeah. hearing protection, which is a big one for me. Like I have, I have a real problem with, with loud noises and like, then it like my heart rate just jumps real fast and then I have to sit down because I start like blacking out and I'm a very fragile creature to be honest. But boots are macho, aren't they? Very, very. Yeah. You got your car hearts mm. and you got your, Whatever boots, I don't know. What do, what do actual, like, carpenters wear? Uh, I don't know. I know they wear Carhartt pants, though. So it's like your big pants, right? Your big boy <laughs> pants. you got your huge boots that have steel toes. So you can just kick things. Of course. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like truck guy. Like, you can be the best driver in the world, but you put a guy in a huge truck, the second he realizes he can drive over curbs, he will. Park in four parking spaces, he will. Yeah. Drive over the median? Absolutely he will. Because who is he? He's truck guy. And that's the same thing as like wearing boots and just like I could walk over nails if I wanted to. And I was like, I would just rather not do that at all and be really comfortable when I work. Yeah, it's 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 a funny thing though, isn't it? You know, I mean it, I've sort of had that, that argument before of like you know, with the the source stop and things. Mm -hmm. You know, it but it's the same with uh, having a car that's got all the bells and whistles, you, you become so accustomed to it, you forget how to actually operate the thing when any of those bits stop working. You know, if, you, if your brakes fail and you go, oh, oh, what do I do now? I'll just wait until I crash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I, I love I love the idea that safety measures have been taken. Hmm. I hate the idea where it's like we made it dummy proof. Okay, There's whenever any, 
accomplished dummy. Right. Well, <laughs> so that. Cool. Um, but even more important is what you're actually doing is creating dummies. Because now nobody ever has to think about these things. And like, yeah. people are really bad drivers. And so what's the answer? Not to like be better at teaching them how to drive. It's like, well, let's make the car drive itself. I'm like really but the thing is if the if if all the cars on the road all drive themselves perfect because then there's no human interaction to mess it up but when you've got the kind of the halfway house i, I think everyone should be taught to drive in the worst shittiest beat-up car where nothing works there's no power steering there's no anti-lock brakes it's just is you are operating two tons of heavy <laughs> lump that could kill yeah. a person <clears throat> know that instead of like oh you're, you're going to get into this super fancy thing that's got all the bells and whistles and everything else and then you've got no idea of what you're actually doing it's 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 removing that um that sense of danger and same with like tools if you if you're taught to use the the janky tool and it's like here here is how here is the big list of all the ways this can hurt and kill you yep not necessarily in the order you might want either so learn the stuff properly and then we can switch all the safety measures on you know learn to operate it when things fail learn to be safe so that it fails safe you know rather than freaking out and sticking your hand in a saw because you know that the brake will stop it right like i feel like so much of it comes down to respect um like mm -hmm. we're i mean i won't i won't speak for your country um i won't speak for my country either like <laughs> that's that's not gonna do anyone any, any good but i will say that my experience of living in america for a long time is that there's just a very low level of respect for um pretty much everything and everyone where it's like we're you know we're taught manners not the same as respect um but being able to respect the fact that the only thing that keeps cars from colliding is the paint in the road and the colored lights above us <laughs> and like that that doesn't keep us from crashing it's like we have to be mentally there like mm. it is it is such a responsibility when you get into a car and like there's there's zero respect for that and um the same thing happens with tools like uh, i have a lot of people who tell me that i use tools in a really unsafe manner um and what they're saying is neither correct nor incorrect it is not the way the tool is meant to be used but I have taken the time for some tools to learn how they're to be used. And then I figure out what is the safest way for me to use the tool. I can't yeah. have an entire sheet of plywood on a table saw. I just can't do it. I have no outfeed. I have no infeed. I can't hold up an entire sheet of plywood. If anything mm -hmm. were to happen, mm -hmm. like that'd be it. Um, and it's more likely to happen because of the size of the board. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, so I, I respect the table saw as something that I don't, I, I am not able to handle it well enough for me to feel comfortable to use it frequently, mm -hmm. which also means that I never use it, which means I'll never get better at it. But that's a story for another day. But like, for me to put a sheet of plywood down um, on a stand or a piece of insulation or whatever, put a track down on it and stand on the track 
and run the saw, I am very comfortable doing that because all I have to keep track of is where my feet are. That's it. I don't have to worry about holding anything up or pulling things apart or pushing them together. It's just, I know where my feet are. Um, I almost always know where my feet are. And then I just (laughs) run the saw along it. And it's like, to me, that is the safest thing in the world. Now, would I, would I teach a kid to do that first off? Absolutely not. Because you should learn the proper way because then you, you have all the information you need. This is how to use it. This is how to safely use it. That's when you go, okay, the more I use it, the more I'll figure out how do I use it. And that's where the fun comes in. That's where the lesser known yoga comes in. And like, I remember as a, as a kid, I remember looking at Itzhak Perlman and being like, well, he doesn't hold his violin the right way. My teacher's like, yeah, he's Itzhak Perlman. Like he can hold it however he wants. Like (laughs) he is the best violinist the world has ever seen. He could literally do whatever he wants. It's like, but you know what he learned how to do? He learned how to play violin the correct way. Yeah. Learn and it then, properly and then you can learn break the, the rules, rules so you can break them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I don't it it kind of bothers me when people like before they've tried something once, they immediately want to change it. Like have you ever had someone like offer you a piece of food? And it looks great. You're sure they made it good. But you're like, you know, before I've tried this for the first time, I'm just going to put salt and pepper on it. It's like, why would you do that? It's like, why, 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 would, why would you do that? Why, why, why yeah. would you it and do see if that? It needs it. It's fine if you don't like it the way it is. But why would you assume that you can make something better when you've never done it before? You've never tried it before. It's the first time. Like, just, just bleh. <laughs> It, it's a weird kind of passive arrogance, isn't it? It is. You know, it's it, it's not you're not actively thinking I can improve this. It's just, yeah. oh well, it, you know, most stuff I have. This is the way I, I do it. Think. That must be the only way yeah. to do it. Exactly, passive yeah. narcissism is a super interesting thing because, first of all, anybody who is driving a car and changes lanes without using their indicator is a passive narcissist because you know what like you driving you're not the only person on the road you're the only person in your little car you live in a bubble you control the weather inside your car you rec- you control the ambiance inside your car you even control the smell inside of your car but the second that you change lanes with no indicator you've you've just proved that you're a narcissist because nobody else knew what you were doing and you're just like well i just I'm just in my car. Just now I want to be over mm-hmm. here. It's passive because odds are you weren't intending to be like, I do what I want. But you know what? It's not all about you. <laughs> Turn <laughs> public service announcement. Like use your indicators. Well, so because the, 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 this is one of those things that um, like when you're learning to drive in the UK, there's this whole kind of thing that you, you're supposed to learn and absorb. It's called the highway code. And it has all these kind of rules and regulations for how all road users are supposed to interact with it, each other. And that whole idea with an indicator is that, you know, you are indicating your intent. Mm-hmm. That's know, why you, that's you, why I like it more than like we call it blinkers here a lot. Oh, I'm using my blinkers like I say indicator. You are indicating that you are about to change lanes or turn. Exactly. But there's this weird kind of culture in the UK where quite often someone would put their indicator on 
and then they would wait for someone to flash their lights to as kind of like invitation. Okay. Okay. So like if you're changing lane on the motorway, you know, you'd get some people who would put the indicator on and then wait for the car to to kind of flash to let them out. And you go, well, that that's it's displaced responsibility for starters. That's getting into a whole other rant that I would go down. But um, the idea is you, you are telling the other road users around you what you are planning to do. You're not yep. asking for permission and waiting for an invitation to do it. You are, you know, your responsibility of you moving that big heavy metal box is hello everyone around me. I would like to do this. As soon as I see an available gap, I'm going to do this. You know, right. it's your responsibility to wait for that gap. Yep. But then you, you get this, you know, this kind of culture of people who will do that when they're pulling out of a side road or something. They'll they'll wait or, you know, someone else might stop and flash the lights and then get a queue of cars that, behind. And it, it's, oh, it's this kind of like... so maddening. It drives like, me crazy. It's a, a whole rule book we're all supposed to queuing culture. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, like, you... I mean, like, I would presume that you you guys would do it perfectly because you are, like, you invented the queue. Um, but I literally <laughs> had to get... And we put some other letters after it. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Wait, there are more letters? What? <laughs> Um, I'm just, I'm just learning so many things today. All of um, which is silent. <laughs> no, that's for yeah. the French language. Uh, those belong to red. Um, no, but I, I have literally had to get out of my car in a parking lot because there's the little kiosk that you go and you, you pay at and like cars coming from this way and the cars are all trying to merge in here and just no one is letting anyone in. Just like creeping forward inch by inch. And I finally got out and I just went up to a car and I was like, you stop. This person's going next. Do you understand the zipper effect? Like, have you never heard of this before? And the crazy thing is, is like, once it gets started, people are like, oh yeah, this is fine. Because you always know like, oh, it's just one car in front of me. But the mentality of like, oh no, no, I was here first, even though I wasn't, and I know I wasn't, but like, I'm already here and I don't want to leave a gap. It's like, why do you have to be that way? And like, what you were saying about the cars signaling where it's like, it's okay to, um, to change lanes. It's interesting, like when I started doing a lot of road trips and would so often find myself being the only car on the road, aside from like 5 million semi trucks, which was really fun in the smallest Prius that's ever been made. Um, but you start to realize things like they use their their headlights, they flash their headlights to communicate like, mm -hmm. oh, if a, if, if a truck is trying to um, another truck is trying to pass me, I will indicate when there's enough space for him to pull back into my lane in front of me. And that's something that I really like. And almost all semis do that. And so it's something that I picked up where when I know that a semi has to move out of their slower lane into whatever lane I'm in, when I see that beginning, like, oh, they're going to need to move over really soon. I will take my foot off the gas just enough mm -hmm. to where they can pull in front of me and I'll flash my lights and they'll pull in front of me. And then they'll like, hit their hazard so that I get the little red blink back and it's like hey you can move in and they're like hey thanks I'm like I love that I think it's so yeah. great and it's a it's a way where it's like we're all out here and this is actually all really dangerous like we're going mm -hmm. extremely fast and like like I don't know about you but my car is made out of like tissue paper and clouds like if I get in a crash I am like I really hope that I die because I don't want to survive whatever that crash is. Um, 
and like that's that's something that I think about every time I get in my little car and start driving away mm-hmm. it's like I think about all the ways that I could die in this car today and um sometimes it makes it not very pleasant to drive but um it's mostly real nice I, that's besides the point but I like that sort of camaraderie where it's like we're all out on the road together in some mm-hmm. places it's like you can drive through an entire state where you're just like driving straight at like 80 miles per hour and that's it and that's how that's the entire state because some of the states are really boring um (laughs) but like just knowing that like people are looking out for each other um or not even that just like they care enough to it's like hey let's have no one crash today how about that great it's a metaphor for life isn't it really you know we're all kind of in the mix together just trying to get to where we're going and do the thing that we're doing and have to interact with all the people around us. We have to mm-hmm. make allowances for big trucks that want to pull out in front of us or little cars that need to fit through the gaps between them or, you know, things like that. It's... It, boils, it boils back down to respect, though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And okay. yeah, having respect for other people, having respect for the fact that, yeah, we are sitting in these metal objects that are either going to obliterate somebody else or be obliterated by something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I was... I've never been a, a, a biker, a motorbiker. I've, mm. I've been a cyclist, but I've never been a, a biker. And partly that was because my dad had been a biker for a while. Um, and he'd, he'd tried a, a, a more powerful bike, didn't like it. He'd had a couple, he'd had an accident as well. He went under a, a tanker, but he luckily went underneath the kind of middle bit of a tanker. Oh, he did like the cool thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, 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 the the really powerful bike he tried, his best mate bought instead. Mm. And then a week later, my dad, who was working in a hospital, had to clean up his best mate. Mm. And so he, like, he got rid of his bike and he, he always said to me, Look, you, you ever have a bike, I'm going to smash it. Yeah. Do not have a bike. I was like, I've, I've kind of, I like, I like the look of bikes, but I've also, I've, I've come off my mountain bike enough times at high speed as well. It's just like, I don't think I would be good on a mount, on a motorbike because there's just that ability to go really fast, and yeah, I, I I'd end up dead, I'm sure, if I yeah. went on a bike. And, and even if even if you're like the most cautious driver ever, like some odds, other idiot, it's everyone else going to worry about. Someone I was, I was take an extreme amount of care with kind of when this bike is around. Sometimes, I mean, certainly around here, actually, most parts of the UK, I would imagine, yeah, there are some bikers who will exceed the speed limit significantly. I used to, I used to work with a guy who used to talk about, yeah, he, he was a biker, came into work, and the times he would tell that he'd come in and known where he lived. He was regularly exceeding 120, 130 miles mm-hmm. an hour on windy little kind of Welsh mountain roads, oh. and it's just like so you, you can't deal with people like that. They, they're just gonna they they were in their own little bubble. Yeah. They've got to just you just got to let them go past. But when there's kind of more reasonable bikers who are kind of you know yeah they can overtake more frequently. They've got better acceleration. You know, that's, I always try and yeah pull in particularly on kind of a narrow road. Try and give them a bit more space because yeah. I normally try and drive just a little bit closer to the center line Mm -hmm. to give me a good view but i try if i see a bike coming i'll just i'll pull in 
as soon as I see well, it. That's what I was going to say because I mean, it, it's been years since I've had a bike, but it's something I, I still miss. I still yearn for being back on two wheels. Um, and my dad's a biker. He's he's a, an advanced motorist as well. So he, he's in that kind of bracket of mostly sensible because um, he's still a biker. But right. um, <laughs> that, that's good. Anyone who hasn't part. had that training, it's worth doing. I've not done the test. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I had my one of my driving instructors, because I had quite a few driving instructors because I was moving around the country when I was learning to drive. Um, one of the driving instructors I had, his day job was training um, fire and police drivers. Mm. And so I, I kind of had evening sort of lessons with him. And so he was giving me a lot of kind of the advanced driving kind of tuition as a learner driver. And it's mm. really worth it doing. It's so, so worth doing. Um, yeah, my my dad's come off a few times Um you know, and once or twice have been possibly his. Maybe he could have done things better or differently. Um, but the really bad ones have been when another road user has been an absolute ass. I mean, um, when I was about it's been 10, I think, I was on the back with him and we were knocked off. Um, super low speed. Uh, you know, it was literally like over, overtaking a, a line of stationary cars and someone was pulling out their driveway. So it was, it was, you know, walking pace that we, we were all moving. Um, you know, but he had, uh, him and a, a police officer, a friend of his had gone out riding and, um, they both came, uh, came off at the same point because there was a guy who had pulled out into the middle of the road and, um, my dad was sort of following his, his friend and they'd uh, he tried to move around them and the guy had kind of pulled forward. So there was, there was like nothing they could do, nowhere to go. The, the only thing they could do was just aim for the bonnet. And they, they both, both came off, both went flying over the car. Um, you know, it's things like that. They, they, they both walked away from it. You know, uh, bikes were right off, cars were right, the car was a right off and everything. But uh it could have been so much worse. And it, if it wasn't for the training, um, yeah. you know, both being advanced motorists, they, you know, they knew at that point there was no way around. They knew that they were going to crash. The only thing they could do was adjust their position. And they both adjusted their position to the bonnet so that they could go over the cup. You know, it was, it was, um, it was enough to save themselves, you know, uh, but like where I used to live, there was a, a particularly gnarly accident where a, a guy was being very, 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 very stupid um, in the region of three or four times the speed limit. Um, and that it was, you know, big, long, straight road and a car pulled out. And they, when they, uh, when the police attended the scene, the, uh, the wheel, because uh, the guy had hit, had come off the bike and he hit the wheel of the car. And it, it pushed the wheel and the suspension up into the engine. It hit that it time about I hit a raccoon. It, he'd, he'd hit the car, like he'd, he'd hit the wheel, they reckon, at about 110, 120. That is insane. Um, you know, it was, it was just an absolute mess. You know, there, there was, there was it, it, instant, you know, he wouldn't have felt a thing from it. But um, it was, 
it's when you think about things like that that it puts stuff into perspective you know that that yeah, yeah. That there are safe ways to ride um and there are really unsafe ways to ride yeah. but then you have you know safe ways to ride and it can be you can still have a bad accident because of someone else yep yeah, that goes back to the tools. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's the certain yeah, ways to use yeah. things, yeah. and there's the, there's the prescribed way that the manufacturer expects you to use a tool, which is based on generally on good practice. Mm -hmm. But that does assume, you know, an example you get, Jess, yeah, it assumes that, for example, with a table saw and you've got a, a piece of plywood that you're strong enough or big enough reach or whatever to be able to handle that and push that in a certain way. Or that you Find... feel that there isn't a knot in it or that the wood isn't going to. Yeah. It hasn't got stress in it or things like that. There's only oh, so yeah. far you can go. That's so scary when you like you feel it starting to pinch and you're just like, oh no, no, not this. Oh my gosh, no. Like it's terrifying because then it's like Can, can I still hold the thing hit and hit the off button? button and just wait for the wheel to, or the wheel, the blade to stop blade? spinning. Just like re yeah. okay. Whew. You know, like who needs it's, that stress? It's knowing your personal limitations. I oh, mean, you talked about the, the table saw. And when I, I learned to use a table saw, the two, the two table saws I learned on, one was something like a, a 14 inch Watkin, which was just a yeah, big cast iron, yeah, it's a, a cabinet saw. The other had something like an 18 inch blade with a big traveling carriage. And the thing was huge. And I, yeah, I was, I was literally working with my fingers millimeters from the blade sometimes because of samples that we were cutting. Yeah. And yeah, you kind of, yes, it, there were some extremely dodgy things about that whole place where I worked. I mean, that's why I've got a screwed up back. Um, partly why my, not completely, because there's lots of other reasons as well, but partly why my hearing is, is uh, dodgy because, yeah, I was working under huge extract systems and the ear, ear defenders didn't fit properly. Um, so yeah, there was issues, but yeah, using that table saw. I know someone who um, is sponsored by Isotunes. They could uh, hook you up with some really good. Yeah, awesome framers. Uh, Timmy Ten will get you ten percent off. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need a new pair of earbuds. Actually, I just asked my wife for a pair for for Easter present. Uh, well, if she chocolate. really loves you, she'll give yeah. you Isotunes. And if she doesn't, she obviously thinks you're garbage. <laughs> That's not me saying that. That's just science. <laughs> yeah, probably because it's a bit cheaper than Rise of unfortunately. Um, yeah, there is that. <laughs> yeah, but the, so I, I learned to use huge table saws doing what actually most would consider a stupid type of cutting on it. Yeah, we didn't have push sticks. You know, we literally used our fingers. But yeah, if you keep your fingers out of the way, it's, it's not a problem. Um, but you still got all of them? All, I've, still all all I mean, I, I, I've still got all my fingers. Never cut them on there. Um, I've got some scars. And I did I did manage at the same company. I managed to dislocate my middle finger on both hands separately. Yeah. They still wobble side to side. Yeah. I won't ask. It's kind of a bit of a party trick. Um, but I'm, my table saw I've got now, yeah, nowhere near as big as, as those. But I'm probably going to get rid of it fairly soon because when well, I can get in the tinkerage and, and sort it out, but yeah, probably this summer it's going to go um, because I can't use the table saw safely anymore. Mm. Yeah. I can't lean, I can't lean forward enough over it and trust that I'm not going to have a spasm in my back while I'm using it. Yeah. And if that happens, if I have a spasm in my back, it doesn't matter how good I am with my fingers. Bye-bye fingers. 
yeah 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 so it as much as i'd love to keep it i mean you know maybe one day i'll have a big workshop and i'll have a table saw with a you know cross-cut sled and whatever but i haven't got the space for for that i can't i have to drag the whole thing out anyway so i, I can't use it so it's I mean, the benefit, be... I suppose, is you're never going to be cutting an eight before sheet on it because you could never fit that in the tinkerage anyway. Well, exactly. Al, I couldn't pick up an eight by four sheet of anything anymore. So, <laughs> so it's not it's not safe. So I, I I'm going to get rid of it, and that can go towards my buy a laser fund um, or something like that. Yeah, quite. Yeah, that's my idea. That's very Replace the table saw with a laser. Lasers laser are table cool. saw. Ooh, <laughs> see, that's the ultimate, like the James Bond thing, where it's like, oh, he's gonna die. It's like, no, I'm just cutting up plywood. Like, it's totally cool. <laughs> and it creates that would have been it's... such a different movie. <laughs> yeah, but I probably would have liked it more. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. maybe when he was like lay on the on that bed, it, he wasn't actually, you know, kind of ready to be cut in half. He was just trying to use his foot clamps to hold the piece of material. You, you know what? That is an excellent point. And I don't think that we give James Bond enough credit for actually yeah. being the person who popularized foot clamps. <laughs> credit where cl credit is due, clearly. Maybe we should just go back and like look at films from the last kind of 50 years and just reframe them in a, in a, a maker kind of styly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that would probably be kind of a fun adventure. Because like I feel Drinking like we could come, come up with some really weird ideas. Well, there um, are some. I mean, there are some good maker films. Yeah, I mean, the the obvious one that springs to my mind is Swiss Die Family Hard. Robinson. Oh, oh yeah, Swiss Family Robinson, the original one. That is a great movie. The, yeah. Die Hard franchise, absolutely, totally with you though, Jess. <laughs> I mean, he was figuring it out as he went along. It's just like you don't build things when you're a cop with a gun. Like you, you shoot people in yeah. a sneaky way, and he did a great job. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, Swiss Family Robinson was fantastic. We used to watch that a lot. Wait, wait, do that motion again. That was that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I like your idea of sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shoot, shooting people in a sneaky way. That's how you do it. You just sneak up on people with a gun. <laughs> I, are you just distracting them with your little dance? Because I would be very distracted and be like, what is this I mean, guy doing? I, absolutely. Of course I am. Whatever works for you. Anyway, Swiss Family Robinson. <laughs> a great movie and then they they had all the animals too they had all the they did. Like, where 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 on earth were they where they had all of those animals together which granted i haven't seen the movie in like 25 years or more <laughs> that went up my nose but i do remember them having like an ostrich that we were they were riding on which i'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do um, there was an ostrich and like a donkey, and then what was a tiger, and tigers, zebras. That I mean, they had a whole zebra. kind of range of animals that are probably not found together anywhere on earth other than a zoo. Yeah, but then they also had like pirates, and I mean, whatever. Yeah. It's a fantasy story. It's fine. But um, that treehouse. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Dreams. Dreams are made of those. My dreams are made of those. And I really think that tree, the, the make should, should be yeah, the make economy should be as a result of a shipwreck. Oh, no, I'm hundred percent down with that. If mm. we could, okay, stay with me now. If we could somehow combine a shipwreck, like an, an actual shipwreck, like when the Sutton Who is finished and then they wreck it, we should have them send it to us. We will combine it with our castle in France. 
Mm-hmm. And then we could have like both like the medieval knights and the pirate kings. And it, that's like, I mean, this sounds totally feasible to me. All we have to do is figure out how to get the Sutton Who to a castle in France. Also a <laughs> castle in France. I'm, I'm actually thinking Mary Rose in a tree as a tree house. What is the big, Mary Rose? Big, big tree. Oh, <laughs> The Mary, the Mary Rose, Mary Rose was Henry VIII's flagship. Okay. And it sunk in where? Just off the sea, the, in the sea, just Are off the sure? Isle of Wight, I think it was. Um, and back in the nineteen eighties, it, it sunk discovered... in the nineteen eighties. Oh, no, it sunk in the Henry VIII's time. But back like... in the nineteen eighties, they found it. I think, I think they maybe even found it earlier. They found it, and more importantly, <laughs> they raised it off the seabed. What? Oh. So there was this whole big thing. It was it was all of Blue Peter because that was kind of the yeah, important thing. Andy, you're going to have um, to explain Blue Peter. Okay, Blue uh-huh. Peter. I'm I'm not going to say I know about it. I am familiar with hearing it because <laughs> 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 I listen to uh, some podcasts. That Blue, are Blue Peter Britain. was the best one of one of the best children's TV shows. In existence, I'm not even okay. sure if it's still going or not. Um, they they did everything. It was like a magazine show, so they'd make things. And there was a lot of yeah. Here's one I made earlier. So if you hear the phrase "Here's one I made earlier," that came from Blue Peter. Yeah, okay. they they would do things like they they would show you how to make something at home, or they out would... of a cereal box, a margarine tub, and some okay. sticky tape. Yeah, uh, or they would go and interview someone. Or they would have a news report on something, or well, they'd have an elephant kind of... visit the, the the studio and it would poo on the floor. Nice. Yeah. So <laughs> they, it was kind of just like a, a a mishmash of lots of different things that kind of it was kind of like a cultural event, I suppose. Um, but because it went on for so many decades, this this thing, you know, it's uh, it's become kind of a, a British institution. Yeah. And why is it called Blue Peter? Uh, don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> but it was. But they had a pirate big, ship as a. Yeah, it was a. It was a big ship as a tall ship. And like you, okay. you could go if you'd been on the show, at any point you would get a Blue Peter badge. So it was a badge with that little ship on. So you could go to places, uh, you know, museums or uh, things like that, and you could show that you had a Blue Peter badge, and you'd get like free entry or you'd get things like that it was like That's uh so cool. it was kind of a yeah it was yeah, like a, yeah. it was such a british cultural institution that it was you know you, you'd get like different ones where you could you could write in and, and get a badge or if you were on the show you'd get a badge you know they'd have like uh they'd go and see um you know school performance like a musical concert or something and then all the kids would end up with blue peter badges so then you know, it's like a point of pride for them. And then if you did some yeah, big insight. charitable event, you might get a, uh, a gold Blue Peter badge that's, you know, higher higher status and all this kind of stuff. That's yeah. so cool. I'm super jealous. I want a badge. Yes, so going back to the Mary Rose. It, yeah, Blue they Peter found it in 1982. It. I just looked ah, it up. <laughs> fantastic. So they, they, so cool. they literally, they raised it off the seabed which is a big kind of thing in itself because they had to dig underneath it. They had to support it so it wouldn't collapse. Oh, my god! Then gosh. they had to, so that it wouldn't just then come up and dry out and collapse. Mm. I think it still is now. They they literally kind of put it in this 
special chamber which was just kind of flooded with I didn't fill it with water, but they was kind of like constantly spraying water, seawater as well. Stay hydrated. To keep it hydrated, yeah. But they eventually they Do replaced the all the water moat. in it. All the water got replaced with uh, resin, I think, so that it became stable. Okay, I was going to say it's like stabilizing it, which yeah makes sense because it took, otherwise it, it would just fall it, apart. It took, I think it took them decades to to get it fully stabilized. I mean, if it's they like a resin kind of ship these... now, does that mean we can touch it? I really want to touch this ship. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing no. But, like, this is we'll, so we'll take cool. Steve, we'll take Steve. He can make a bit of a scene somewhere, and then we'll just kind of reach out. And... If you want <laughs> a scene, it. like someone to make a scene, you pick Steve over Al. <laughs> <laughs> Al is a scene. I Surely mean, we Steve... need a Berkey, if nothing else. <laughs> All we'd have to do is get him to wear his get goggles and though. walk through the room, and every security <laughs> guard would follow him out. I mean, um, to be fair, you, you stick Berkey in, in any room, anywhere, and the first thing he's going to do is look up, and everyone else is going to walk across and go. That is true. Um, it is a special talent that he has, but this is super cool. Has anyone actually seen this in person? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. No. Why not? You both have failed as Brits. You gotta hand your blue Peter badge back. This is so cool. You you can steal one from from the kid. Um, this is super cool. Uh, it 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 sank before my country existed. And, <laughs> and you you could go see it. Okay, I, th I think I think the country existed, but I think that you as a nation you didn't exist. No, my my country did not exist. I mean, like I understand that like the land existed, and there were a there lot of people here yeah. that we came and were like, "Hey, listen, real quick, I, I got I got some things I want to tell you because this I do have people now. who came over on the Mayflower, and yeah, those that, those are my white people. Um, but yeah, my no, I have been to the Mayflower Steps. I have stood on the Mayflower Steps. Really. Yeah. Okay. I used to live in Plymouth. Interesting. I did not know yeah. that. I mean, I just... I mean, I don't really know that much about you, to be honest. <laughs> I, like, like, where have you traveled in your life? Like, why Why would I know that? Um, but that's really cool. And also, I, I demand that when I do come back to, uh, to your planet, uh, that one or both of you take me to see this ship. I think it will have to be I'm done. Sure, we can try okay, and sort something you. out. I think I think we should figure out how to make that happen. I've, I've just looked as up. Blue Peter has been going since 1958. That is impressive. That's longer going. than the Simpsons. That's the big That's deal. Than me. Five thousand one hundred and seventy-three episodes. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a long time. For yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, wow. And it used to be a couple, it used to, I don't know what the current sort of frequency is, but it used to be a couple of nights a week. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's still going on now? Still going now. Huh. How do I watch this show for children? I just, I really want to get it bad. <laughs> I, say for, I say for children, it, it's, it's kind of pitched as a kid's TV show, but it's, it's very watchable by adults as well, I think. Okay. I've right. seen it for years. My yeah, kids used to watch it a little bit. bit. 
trying to find out what the significance of the thing is with the with the boat and stuff, or why it's called Blue Peter. Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested, like it, because it's something that I I have heard about before, um, but also with my, I was trying to watch um, Average Joe on Britain's Britain's Best Woodworker. And like, unless they put it on YouTube, like I wasn't able to access it. Um, mm. It was like, put in your address in the UK. And I was like, well, I, I know some people who live in the UK, but then they're like, <laughs> they're like, no, 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 no. That doesn't work that way. I was like, God damn it. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I only saw the, I think the first couple episodes and I was bummed. And then, then it passed the point where he's like, oh, I'm not on the show. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to watch the show anymore. <laughs> I wanted to see Joe being cool. <laughs> um, yeah, you went yeah. too early. He really did. I was, I was unfortunate. I was, I was very excited for. I just, he's just so much fun to watch. He's such a funny guy. Like, he he's is. just so matter of fact. And like, oh my gosh, how cool is it that he's doing this new thing now uh, with um, evolution? There it is. Yeah. yeah, I'm like the the thing with the dinosaurs. That's where my meant. I went, but evolution is cool. Uh, excuse me, evolution. Um, but yeah, that was super, super cool to see. Like, I'm always interested to know what he's up to. But it's a good. Uh, Repeater was sort of thinking back, almost linking back to kind of movies and making it. It was actually really quite good for making. Mm. It was a good making show because yeah, there would nearly always be some element of, ah, oh, we can make this or here's something that some kid has made or you know. Things like that. I think it was... they, they we discovered the other day they coined the phrase "sticky back plastic." Yes, because they weren't so, allowed to say "fablon." Yeah, so because the in the UK we have the Advertising Standards Authority, so um, you know how, like, you know, for you guys, if you need to blow your nose, you go and you you go and ask someone for a Kleenex, or right, right, things like okay. that. So. Over here, we on on BBC TV. We we can't do that. We can't advertise things. So that there is no advertisements whatsoever on BBC. And this mm. advertising standards authority uh, keeps track of and manages all that kind of rubbish. So they, they, they do a lot spend... more than just that. They they also oh, kind well, of go, yeah. this advert. No, is, it's their yeah. only job, and they take it very seriously. Yeah, I want that. <laughs> but that, that's why, like can't... on Uncles with Tools, Al will quite often say things like, "Oh, other such and such of things are available." Okay. Because that's what they would have to do is on, on BBC if they if they got someone on, you know, a guest on the show who then mentions a brand name. Mm-hmm. So like if you know, if if I was on BBC TV or was on Blue Peter and said Kleenex, one of the other presenters would end up going, other tissue brands are available. That's oh okay. Because I mean they, I they I love it, that. but that's so funny. Like <laughs> because the, the thing about I mean I, I totally get it and I and I do actually really respect that. But like the last time anyone ever said Kleenex and meant the brand, whether unless it was actually in advertising, mm. was probably, I don't know, 500 years ago when Kleenex was first invented. <laughs> um, Back when yeah. it was just tree bark folded over. Yeah, yeah. But like, but they folded it over in a way so when you pulled one up, the next one like came half out. Because <laughs> um, they probably invented that too. But like, yeah, so like Band-Aids, Kleenex, and Xerox is like, mm-hmm. nobody thinks of those as a brand name. And, they're... and you, you go and grab your Sawzall. To... See, I don't do that. So um, in the tool world, Sawzall and Skillsaw 
mm-hmm. are like two things that a lot of people say. But since I came into the tool world without knowing anything about tools, I'm like, you mean a reciprocating saw or a circular saw? Well, so this is something that I, I've noticed that you guys, you guys, as in make a wrench folk, um, that's something that I, I had noticed uh, and was going to try and catch Ben about when he was supposed to turn up to make a central. Um, because Those it was times. something. Yeah, we'll gloss yeah. over that. Um, but for that very reason, because it is such an unusual thing to to hear in an American voice not using the brand name, mm. it's something that was. Oh, this is this is this is new and interesting and different and not normal. Yeah, it's something that like I I had li- I had literally never thought about it because of my. Um, inexperience with tools of course for Ben it was um, more important because he actually like worked with Ryobi and had always planned to work with them Um, like when he was making his first video it was literally like he had already decided I'm like Mm. buying stuff from big box store because that's what's available to people and I'm using the if you have power tools but you're not like a builder these are the power tools you're most likely to have because they're affordable and they're fine like he he set out he had a plan before he started making videos which is a thing that is really interesting and makes him so far outside like the maker community it's really interesting and as, as a viewer as a viewer i really kind of like that that it's not the there's a lot of American woodworking YouTube channels that work in their tiny little garage workshop that is bigger than my house with all the tools. And I like the fact that as much as I'd love to have a a workshop that's bigger than the house I currently have now, that would be amazing. Hmm. Um, I actually like the fact that it's, yeah, things are being made on the floor in mm-hmm. out on the deck out on in the garden yeah just with a relatively small number of relatively basic tools yeah and that that was something that was uh that was important to him from the get go and it's interesting because i went to boston just to visit him um more than 7 years ago that's all i know it's probably like 9 years ago whatever um I went to visit him and he picks me up from the airport, which was a big deal because uh, usually he doesn't. But um, anyway, so he picks me up from the airport and he's like, he's like, I'm really glad you're here. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I'm working on a project and I need your help. (laughs) And it turned out what he needed my help with was peeling wine labels off of bottles and then cutting them in half. and so like we went to, he was working out of, so he was, uh, he had an architecture firm with um, a couple of people he knew from college. So they started an architecture firm together. Um, and he was, he was making stuff in their attic space, which just so happened to be an old building in Boston. So it has like oh, a brick wall that was painted white and like a very high ceiling. So it looks amazing, but it was literally an attic space. Um so he gives me, he's like, okay, yeah, so I need you to, like, peel all these labels off and then, like, just, like, here's how to cut these bottles. And then for the ones that are already, already cut, I just need you to sand them so they're not sharp. And I was like, okay. I mean, like, I, I wasn't planning on this. And, like, I wish that you had taken me, like, to the house 
first to drop off my bag or maybe I take a shower because I've been traveling for eight hours, but that's fine. Like, we'll do this. It'll be fun. He's like, okay, well, I got to go to dinner. Um, so I'll see you in a couple of hours. And I was like, <laughs> thanks, bro. <laughs> okay. But here's the cool part. Those those bottles went into his very first ever YouTube video. So I literally helped him in making his first video. Um, and I can remember him showing me like, you know, he'd never done anything like this before. And um, he hadn't developed his YouTube voice yet. So he literally like, and he's showing me this video. He's like, what do you think? And he walks on screen and he goes, hi, I'm Ben. And like, I'm going to make this thing. And I was like, who is that? It was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. It was like invader, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He was just so enthusiastic. And like, if you know my brother, he's not enthusiastic. But anyway, he toned it down a lot and it was fine. Um, but the things that he wanted to do from the start is he wanted to do things that anyone with with like no knowledge of tools or materials could make. Mm -hmm. And not only could they make them, they could probably make them with things that they already had, like tools that they were most likely to have to already have. And they can be made in your apartment. If you don't have anything other than an apartment, if you don't have any outdoor space, no garage, no workshop, like not even like this is the extra bedroom that we converted into a wood shop. It's like nothing. No, yeah. it's like you make them on the floor in your apartment because that's it's what the you accessibility, have. Accessibility, isn't it? It's, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And like, I, I, lo I love that those are the things that um, he thought about initially. He's like, I want to make something that is available to the most people possible. Like, I mean, obviously, like once you get outside of your own country, like things are different. And, like people are like, I can't get quick crete, and it's like, well, you have some sort of concrete alternative, like you know. <laughs> doesn't have think, to be the figure, brand name. <laughs> figure it out. It's like when people get mad at Michael Alm because they're like, uh, you measured it all in inches and, and like you should you should like convert it into metric. And I was like, I think the metric system is great. But also if you grew up using um, Imperial and also like the majority of the people who buy your plans need them in Imperial, it's like, how about you translate them into metric because you want them to be different. Like if I'm going to buy a shirt from a store i'm not gonna be like um this doesn't fit me perfectly can you change it it's like ah, take it home with you change it yourself like first of all if you're makers and you're buying or like a builder or whatever and you're buying plans to build something and you can't convert it yourself like shame on you figure it out well, not to mention the fact that when folks who are uh not as comfortable with one system tend to convert stuff you know instead of being a foot long they'll say oh it's 30.5 centimeters long mm -hmm. it's like no one who's using the metric system would use that as a measurement it would be we don't have this. a short like we don't have a shorthand for the way that you measure things even though yeah but it, i mean it, yeah. it, it's it's a close closely analogous to you know a, a foot is around about 30 centimeters right it's you know it's, it's that 305 millimeters so someone who's you know in in my day job i use either millimeters or meters i never mm -hmm. ever ever use centimeters and if i'm doing something that's about a foot long it's it's 300 mil so for me then to to say oh it's you know it, it's what 11 point or it, it 11 and 
59 64ths long, you know, in, in my imperial plans converted from metric, you'd all go mental. Yeah, like, no. Why, I, why the hell are you doing it? Why do you want to make it 12, 12 inches? Why it's it like when long? people are like, oh, it's really easy to convert from Celsius to Fahrenheit. Like, all you have to do is add 147 and then divide it by 19, and then you add the remainder from the. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, so that, I, I, it's hot. That whole That's all I care about. <laughs> that conversion, it's like it's a proper, you know, scientific conversion is multiply it by nine, divide it by five, and then add 32. It's like, or that's exactly what I said. Why or you, you, can, you can double it and roughly add maybe 30, 32 ish, and it's going to be close. And, it, and that, that's good enough. So I, I grew up of like, I just, just double it and add 30, and it's about right. Or, you know, the, the other way around, just take 30 off and half it. And it's, it's close. None of it <laughs> makes sense at all. And like, I, I hate that it's just like, Okay, this is where you were born. This is the unit of measurement that you're stuck with forever. Thou shalt always use. Right? And you know yourself. You, you, you know every time you built something, you'll measure the first piece of wood with the tape measure. And then you cut it, and it's not the same length that you've just measured anyway. Yeah. And then you measure the second bit of wood against the first bit. You don't pick that tape measure up again because there's no point, because then you end up with something that's like, like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. How long did it take you to figure out that there's a difference from when you like measure something where I, just, I can't, I don't know where I am. Where you like the, have, the, the yeah. inside or the outside of the tape? Yeah, the tape measure that's pulling or the tape measure that's pushing. But that's what the the whole little shuffly thing is about, isn't it? Yeah. So again, a lot of people like I've I've heard of people who've who've got the tape measure and then rehammered those rivets so that it doesn't move because they thought the tape measure was broken. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Which is fine and if you're seven. that a lot of their measures are, are out. I mean, seven, as long that's as absolutely a... fine thing to think. Yeah, if, you know, if if they're all, like, equal with each other. So it's like, it's fine if your piano is out of tune, as long as it's in tune with itself. That's all yep. that matters. So it's like, I mean, you could have a tape measure that you put your own measurements on. And as long as you're abiding by them, who cares? And, and as long it as you use matter. only that tape as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you've got like four different brands of tape measure. Oh, yeah. You, you should use... never, do that. never, ever, 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 ever. I have that, one that is the voice brand. of experience. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have one tape measure um, that I, I, I love. It's a, it's a fast cap, it's a righty lefty. Do you ever use those? They're so amazing because you, you can read it from either side, no matter which hand you use it, wherever it goes. They're. Fantastic. All of ours over here are uh, completely bisexual. We get inches and uh, centimeters and millimeters. You have all that's, of it. Ugh. That's like a standard tape measure for us over here. It's for it's for old people and young people. I don't I don't like that. I don't <laughs> like that at all. I like my tape measure, which was actually called by um, the uh, the. Oh my gosh, who am I thinking of? It's the guy who was um, building the container house, the head Tony. There were three guys in the construction te team. They were all named Tony. Um, head Tony was their leader. Anyways, he called my, he called my, that is a true story, by the way. Head Tony, he was great. Um, he called my tape measure a cheater because like they're so used to like, they open it up and they like, their eyes always go exactly where they need to go. It's like, oh, it's this exact measurement. And I like, open up my tape measure. I'm like, okay, it's 
it's like four 40 uh no 56 inches and uh one two three four. like <laughs> i mean i can't i can't do that that's I, I don't do it enough to make it become muscle memory and i think that even if i did do it that much i'm such a second guesser that i would never be able to just like open up and be like right it's you know 48 inches and uh you know five eighths fat or whatever or little lovely bits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it's interesting what you say about sort of lefty-righty. And Jamie, looking at your ruler, the problem I have with a lot of tape measures is they're fine if you hook on. So I'm right-handed. If I hook it on at the left and pull it out, I can read it obviously clearly. But when I'm measuring something out, I've got my pencil or my knife in, yep, in my right, right hand, hand because I'm right-handed. So, so I pull it out the other way, so all the numbers are upside down. Yep. You don't have that problem with a righty lefty tape measure because it doesn't matter. It's split evenly. So upside, there is no upside down. It's always right side up. No matter what you I, I need one of those in, in sensible units, please. I don't, I'm, I was like, even when I started talking about it, I'm wondering if they do make them like that in metric. I knew, I mean, they make metric. Um, they do. I've got, I've got calculators, an all tape metric. Measures. I've got an all metric Sorry. Milwaukee tape which is it's double-sided so mm. there's there's markings on both sides mm. which is quite oh, do, do they do the height quality. ones on the on the inside of it so i've seen those where it's like lengthwise um when you pull it out but if you were if you were to measure like floor to ceiling it like does it vertically rather than like you read it vertically rather than oh no this actually. one this one is well i'm trying to think now which way it's arranged i think it might actually be arranged height wise so it's just remembered on. that i have my halter fours one to hand Hultafors Talmeter Okay But that is the ultimate tape measure uh, It is It's not upside downy but it is all in metric Top and bottom so it is Oh see that, it, that is nice But The the end doesn't move Because it's super super thin But what it does have on the back If I do the little flip down Ah I've got so, the inside for going inside it. measurements, yeah. So it's oh, actually got it's got offset measurements cool. as well, so that then if you're doing an inside measurement, you read from the others. That is super cool. The, I've never seen that. On the back side, it has uh, really, really, really weird long centimeters, and that's for doing um, a diameter of a thing. Oh. So you you wrap mm. around and it. It Clever. gives you the diameter rather than the circumference. Oh, that's very so interesting. Really super useful. Is it? What do you use it for? Measuring. <laughs> <things>. <laughs> it, it saves doing that. You know, you hold the tape measure up and you kind of like eyeball to get any any left and right to see. You, and you oh, I, everything I make has corners. <laughs> because it's much easier <laughs> it's much easier but also one one of my first um build related breakdowns happened when i was trying to make a plywood box because that's the only thing i ever make in like varying sizes and for varying uses like sit on it and it's a chair or like sleep on it and it's a bed anyways i was making a shelf and um so i cut out all my plywood pieces and i go to assemble them and that's when I realized how important it is, not just to measure like length um, and width, but 
to measure for square because I had one, two, three, four, five, six. I had six pieces of plywood that I had cut and I had zero right angles on all of them. Especially if you, right if you cut like one, um, if you're doing opposing sides, mm-hmm. to actually cut them those ways mm-hmm. so that then you get the same, the table saw or the, whatever you're cutting is, is out. The circular saw. They're, they're both out by the same amount, the wrong way. Yeah. And in the opposite directions. And I'm like, well, if I were an artist and I liked a rhombus, like this could be really cool. But my problem is, is I'm trying Making to make something <laughs> that like, I just, you know, I just laid down on the floor and cried and I really needed to. It was like two o'clock in the morning um, and I was like trying to figure out how to put these pieces of plywood together. And then I was also like, my my circular saw blade is extremely dull and um, like I don't have any more plywood that is big enough for me to cut down, which means that I have to go to one of the three Home Depots in the Boston area, all of which do not have working panel saws because they're always broken for no reason. Mm-hmm. And that means that I can't in my Prius go and buy an entire sheet of plywood, which means I would have to rent a truck to buy a sheet of plywood. When I have the plywood, I just can't cut it. So um, that's when I realized that it's okay that everything you build is like an inch shorter and like an inch and a half less wide than you meant it to be because you just kind of have to like well just it didn't, yeah just sand it down sand it down um so a, a, a router with a flush trim bit is super useful yeah i didn't have a router <laughs> but also like i'm 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 terrified of routers rightly so they are scary machines yeah i mean i do want to use one. Oh, but also wait there's so, something that i keep on forgetting i have I knocked my music stand. I'm very excited. They sent me this and I was like, yeah, I want it. And then I was like, what, what on earth am I going to use this for? Um, So for our audio viewers, this is, (laughs) this is an an Arbor tech, wait, the precision carving system. So it's got a tiny little ball gouge and it has a, Oh, excuse me. It's called a precision ball gouge. Um, a barrel cutter and a drum a drum set. I'm like, it's a tiny little baby. And they're like, it's a precision, whatever. Um, like, what the heck am I going to use this for? But I'm so excited. Ooh. I mean, I can opening think. up your teeth for fillings, I think. Oh, my God. So on the way to Tennessee to go visit Anne, um, we may have stopped at one of my favorite, um, favorite places to get gas because they have um, – they have a whole wall of jelly bellies, the jelly beans, like all the different flavors. And you buy them, like you get a bag and you like pay by the pound. And so I usually buy like a pound and a half of jelly bellies at Klein's Corners. But anyways, point of my story is like um, somewhere in Texas, uh, one of my teeth broke <laughs> while I was eating jelly bellies. It was the second second tooth to have broken um, since uh, March of 2020. So I'm you know I'm saying the the it's real man. Anyway, so I had a broken tooth when I showed up at Ann's, and I was like I, like I'm not that worried about it. It's more problematic because it was so sharp that it was just shredding the side of my tongue. This one all the way in the back there. And she was like, I have a Dremel. She's like, we could sand it down. And I was like, Anne, you know how much I love you and how much I believe in you. 
but no. Um, <laughs> and she was like, well, I, ha I have wet, dry sandpaper. And I was like, perfect. So I sanded, I sanded my tooth and it's fine now. I mean, it's still broken and it's probably a big problem, but if I don't think about it, um, then I don't worry about it. And, and I think that's really the lesson that we, we should learn from me today. <laughs> so I, 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 I happen to know someone who, um, their friend, uh, the, it was a cap had come out of the, the tooth. Mm. So between the two of them, they decided that um, two-part epoxy glue was the best way to <laughs> uh, fix that. So they they mixed up. It was the Araldite brand. Uh, mixed it up, glued the tooth back in, and happy, happy. Really? One of those people uh, is a medical professional and has has been in that medical profession for uh, a significant amount of time uh, the other one uh, is recently a medical professional within the last decade uh, so both okay, I feel like you really buried the lead there because I'm just like picturing like two dinguses being like what if we glued your tooth in man and then like one of them died but, no like like legitimately still alive caring for human beings but decided to glue a tooth in with uh, with two part i mean that's that's pretty impressive like that's the kind of level of knowledge that i aspire to like i don't want to be a professional oh, no, anything this was way before they got into medicine <laughs> no 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 but see this is this is this is the thing though like they nobody died right like, this is like they didn't they didn't swallow the tooth first of all which good mm -hmm. um but also, I mean, I'm assuming that they took the time to be like, will this epoxy kill me? Uh, no, I'm pretty certain it was just a, this will stick the tooth back in. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> I take it all back. I, I aspire to a different level of knowledge. Not like those hacks who ended up yeah. being fine. I mean, like, I'm already at hack level work. where it's like, I think this will work. But then I never try it because I'm like, it's not what? even the failure that I'm afraid of. It's just that, like, I, I, I live through the idea of the pain and anguish that will happen um, to the point where I'm, like, gagging, where I'm like, I swallowed my own tooth. And it's like, it didn't really happen because I would never do it in the first place. Uh, JP, yes, I still have the shirt. <laughs> just so you know. Sorry. Context. <laughs> no context. That's all you get. I still have the shirt. It's somewhere. I don't know where, but it's somewhere. It was a very important shirt, and that was when I met JP for the first time. And man, was that unforgettable in so many ways. <clears throat> I feel like he should have a shirt that just says "Ask me about my tattoos," <laughs> or not. No, no, don't ask that. Don't ask that. Not at all. I, I mean, it, it's pretty, you know, sort of early on in the conversation where, you know, you, you need to show them off anyway. So I don't think you, the, the question needs to be asked. Well, some of them you see by accident and it's very surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only got some on display. Yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, uh, he brought me a bunch of pins, which was fantastic, because um, I 
I was really into collecting pins when I started on my road trips because it was like something that it's not like it's so unique, but every place has their own style of like, this is the thing we make pins about or um, uh, like thrift stores often have really cool old pins. And so um, JP brought me some pins and one of them was my favorite, which meant that I put it on my coat and I wore it all the time. And then like the front fell off, literally. So it was just like an actual pin. It's just a pin. So, you know, your British engineering just like sucks, but it was my favorite pin and um, I'll have to figure out. I can't remember what it looked like. I was, I was going to buy another one when I was um, in the UK, but I couldn't remember what it looked like. This is so long ago. Anyways, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) I I think I've still got your, your shoes on my hat actually from Lost Maker Central. Was I standing on your head? I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I don't think I was that drunk um, because I don't drink alcohol, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe I was drunk and I can't remember. No, because you, you had the um, the pins with your your shoes on. Oh, yeah. Yes, because I, yeah, same pin. Yes, handmade. This is the only thing that I make um, anymore. I don't make things, I just move things. <laughs> I just have garbage delivery service. But, oh my gosh, tomorrow, must dumpster totally day. Cut, must totally cut. It's the best card ever. Um, Dumpster Dave is coming tomorrow. Um, he is uh, basically my knight in shining armor. He comes when called and he takes all my garbage away. Um, but he has this massive, massive um, hydraulic, like, it's just, it's, it's the size of a storage container um, on, a, on a hydraulic lift. And so it's just fill it up as full as you can for a flat rate. And then you pay the dump fees. And bless his heart, like when when he comes back, so he drops it off and then we fill it up and then he comes back to get it. And he's always like, there's so much more space in here. Like if we really pack it down, he's like, I really want you to get your money's worth out of this. Like, let's put more stuff and you can always fit more stuff. He's amazing. Um, But yeah, he's coming tomorrow. There's going to be a massive, massive garbage weight off of my property. And I'm so excited. (laughs) That'd be cool. Nearly a house. It, I mean, yeah, it is. There's, there's just a lot. I found a lot of plywood like underneath the sand, like between the nails and the carpet. Um, there was, like, I was gonna a, say it was above the carpet. Or the carpet. <laughs> yeah, and, and I just like, love that phrasing. <laughs> it was above the carpet, thankfully, because oh my gosh, if you've never had to pull carpet out of sand, like you're so lucky. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and I once had surgery without anesthesia, but, um, there's like these layers of OSB that are like the only thing that is rotted in the desert because it like traps the water in it. And so you like try to pick it up. And if it stays together, it's the heaviest thing in the world. And if it doesn't stay together, it's just picking up handfuls of like disgusting sawdust. Um, so that's all going. Um, I, I, I cannot express how excited I am about this. Because every time he comes, he fills that container. And this will be the third time, I think, third time that he's been there. And like it's, he'll have to come at least, at least once more. Like for sure once more. Maybe twice more. I was just going to ask how much, how much more rubbish you think you've got to cope with. Um, a lot. Uh, also, the stuff that I maybe like pulled out of the ground and was like, but if I kept this, I might be, <laughs> <laughs> I might be able to use it someday. <laughs> like you're seeing the problem here. So, so 
It's not like I'm accumulating more. It's just I haven't thrown away as much as I could have. But I have thrown away some of the things that I was previously going to save. I will say that. Part of that is because I had like these boxes of stuff that came from the house that was just like random, random things. And I had it in the little the little shed, but then half of the roof blew off and then it rained. And so all of like these papers and stuff and like books that I was like, maybe this um, just got completely ruined, which sucked because there's actually some cool stuff in there. And there was a whole box of things that I was going to give to the previous owner's grandson. Um, it was like photographs and stuff completely ruined. Uh, I was like, well, that really sucks. But also like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like there, he, he had had the chance for many years to like go through the house and stuff. Um, and he didn't. So it's like, it's not like, I feel like, like I didn't fail, but I also wish that I could have been like, Hey, these were important to the previous owner. I know they're important to you. Like, you know, let's figure this out. And then mm. they got all completely ruined. And I was super bummed about that. But um, yeah, I, I have, I have like a whole little shed of weird old electronics um, that I, I'm not, it's not like I want to fix them up and use them because I'm fairly certain none of these things will ever work again. But I'm like, what if I did like a sci-fi themed build and like I wanted to do like the inside <laughs> of a spaceship, like I have all the things. What if to, it like... be a spaceship from the 90s? Exactly. Why well, spray paint? <laughs> hey you know what a lot of the stuff is like from the 70s it's an antique no i'm just kidding (laughs) Um, there's like there's so much opportunity to do like super creative things but like the problem is i'm not really that creative like i i really like things to have a specific function and for them to fulfill that function and like that's really all i care about and people are like, ooh, how do you want to decorate it? And I'm like, paint it black. Because um, that makes sense to me. And colors and designs scare me. I, I very much, most of the stuff that I've ever built has been the prototype that functions and stays as that initial prototype. And I don't, you know, it's I, I prototype then. Yeah, I, we I call make that prototype a finished with, product. Well, exactly. Yeah, I made yeah. the prototype with the intention of making a, a refined one afterwards, and then never do because the prototype still works. And then I make a second prototype when it doesn't work. So what you're saying is that you're amazing and you accomplish everything that you try to do perfectly the first time. I mean, I wouldn't have phrased it like that, but I'm not going to say no. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I see how it is. I see how it is. But yeah, any like decorating or finishing or sanding or painting or varnishing is is is. Someone else problem. Oh yeah, in this house, Ben feels the same way. And guess who someone else is? Um, <laughs> my, my... I should say, I, I should acknowledge we, we will have to get Ben on and then do a whole episode just talking about you instead because I realise we've we've basically spoken mostly about Ben and Ben stuff and and not enough about actual Jess stuff. I mean, like, what stuff do I have really? Like, honestly. Ask me any question you want. I'll tell you anything. <laughs> but I mean, this this, this whole whole background of of musical stuff and library stuff and home education. Yeah, there's there's a wealth of things that we do know little bits about, 
but instead we've just talked about all the other stuff. So my background is in architecture. Um, (laughs) 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 Okay, well, okay, all right. So let's, uh, since we're doing introductions. um, (laughs) It's about time, yeah. 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 It's about time for introductions, yeah. Yeah, so I was homeschooled um, all the way through, like, first through 12th grade, which is how we do the numbers here. I'm not really sure like the ages that correspond with the numbers because I like started school early. The 12th grade finishes age 18? 18, yeah. But if you yes. were like 6th grade, so I'd be us, like, I don't know, be, 40? It'd be year 13, <laughs> we would call it. Okay. So yeah. ours goes, our goes reception to 13. Reception. So you, you go K reception? to 12. So I think yours is slightly compressed. We, we have one of the longest education systems in the world, I think. And yet you still turned out like this. Anyways. Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I miss reception. Uh, like, you sound thing. better than we do, <laughs> but you're not actually better. No, not at um, all. It's we just, just felt that we are the worst. Prime Minister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to talk about what we have going on. Anyways. Um, I'm, interested, I'm interested to know why you were homeschooled why is i mean obviously you said all four of you were homeschooled yes was that was there a particular reason that you were homeschooled or was it just easier sort of geographically or um so it's funny because i thought you wanted to talk about me and not why my mom wanted to homeschool us (laughs) 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 okay Uh, so my mom (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I can ask about whether you blame your mum for, for that. So That's you. a dick. Um, so my mom, um, who, like, didn't really like kids. Like, she, like, never babysat, didn't really care about kids, like, never really thought about them. And then um, had four. But uh, so she had this idea where she was, like, um, you know, uh, generally speaking, when when – little boys are very small so is um nate is the oldest and ben is um the next in line and she's like okay so they don't really want to sit still and you know like sit quietly at your desk and raise your hand if you have a question and then like ask permission to go to the bathroom which is the weirdest thing ever like why would you ever have to ask permission to go to the bathroom anyways um so she thought you know i would like to i would like to be a part of that education for one thing like it was it was not about like I want to control what they're learning, but just like mm-hmm. let's let's make this an adventure. Like I would actually like my kids to like be excited about learning and doing things. Um, and so like one of the things that she would do when they were really little is because um, my my parents lived in Santa Barbara, that's where all of us were born. They lived in a duplex um, until I was three and my oldest brother was twelve. Um, and the four of us kids shared a room because um, it was just a little two-bedroom duplex with a tiny little front yard, uh, front lawn, actually. It's like not really a yard. But yeah, so all four of us were sharing a room. It was very interesting. I'm told. I was too young to remember. But my mom would take the two boys out early in the morning and they'd go for a hike. And they go and they collect rocks and leaves and lizards and feathers and anything they could find. And she would wear them out and then she'd take them home and they were exhausted and they would sit so quietly and they'd organize all their little trinkets they'd look up what kind of lizard they found and what it would eat and they would learn what kind of leaves they found and which tree it came from 
And that's how they started learning things was just like, first of all, get out and do something, use your body, like experience the outdoors, but also just like, let's get some of that energy out. And then um, like have a reason to learn the things that you're trying to learn about. Because if you start with a reason to learn about something, my opinion is that you will naturally start being curious about other things because you see it's like, oh, I like this thing. I, I was curious. I figured out where it came from. What else do I like that I may be curious about? And like, now we just call that Google. But when we were kids, it was called homeschooling. <laughs> um, and so like my mom was like, this seems like a way better thing to do with your kids. It's like not tell them to just sit still all day and like pay attention to some grown up. And she's like, I can teach them letters and numbers. Like that's the easy part. Um, and then when they, then they all started hitting high school, she was like, I've made a huge mistake. Um, but the benefit for me as the youngest was that, um, so when I was about five, which would mean that Nate was 14, um, he was like going through high school grammar and like, what's better than having a five-year-old with a list, correct your grammar, uh, nothing. That's what I say. But like I started reading early, I started doing math early, I started doing everything early, not because I was smart, because I'm actually not very smart, but because that's what everyone around me was doing and there was no reason to not let me do it. And so like I just started things earlier than I would have. Yeah. Um, and reading was a huge thing for me because like if you're if you're a stay-at-home mom who is homeschooling four kids in in like four different grades it's not like you have a lot of time. Um, so I would pack my books in my little backpack um, with a little stack of mayonnaise sandwiches and I would climb a tree and that's what I would do all day. So I would just read and eat, eat mayonnaise sandwiches, which are delicious. Um, so that's my homeschooling life. Um, and then let's see, my mom wanted us to have social interactions. So she put us in the homeschooling group and we were like, these kids are so weird. Please do not make us interact with them. Like they're super weird. And she's like, okay, fine. Um, and so she gave us, tried to give us options to do things with kids our own age, which turns out none of us really liked kids our own age because they were kind of weird. And I didn't, anyways. So my brothers played sports because that's what they liked and they had no musical talent and still don't. My sister and I, um, we did, we both did gymnastics and music until we had to make the choice, like which one is more important. You can pick one, whichever one you want. And uh, my parents were always really good about, they would, they would present us with options and we would choose one and we didn't have to continue with it, but we did have to stick with it for a set amount of time. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really wanted to play piano. Like, I wanted to play piano so bad not just because it's what my sister did and I wanted to do everything that she did, but because I just thought it was so cool. Like being a pianist is like super cool. Um, and my sister's piano teacher looked at my hands and was like, maybe piano wasn't great for um, your uh, limitations. Uh, maybe violin would be better for you. Cause like my hands are like all my fingers, like, are wonky in weird directions and like my thumbs like don't extend all the way I'm I'm riddled with birth defects so I started playing violin um and that became the thing that I wanted to do 
most in life. And it was like all consuming. I loved violin. I started playing an orchestra and I realized I'd never wanted to be a soloist, but I always wanted to play an orchestra. Um, chamber music was my favorite just because it's orchestra, but in a smaller room. Um, and then when I was 16, I got carpal tunnel because I was practicing too much. And I was like, well, I will never fulfill my dream of being a violinist. So, uh, cool. So that's when it kind of started ramping down. Um, I still played in youth symphony. I played in, um, some local symphonies and then, when I graduated from youth symphony, my most favorite thing was being able to go back and like help coach the violinist and like be the ringer that sits in the back to like beef up the sound for the little kids who are like really scared. It's like one of, one of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, but yeah, so I kind of like just gave up that idea of being a violinist. Um, and what did I do after that? I don't know. I used to teach special ed. I was a librarian and I worked in a lumber mill and at symphony and I drove the short bus and like I worked in the restaurant for 13 years. And like it's just like, there's so many divergent stories that it just, it makes it hard when people are like, describe yourself in three words. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. No which, which has honestly become my answer when, because people think it's like, funny or cute it's like ooh, how would you describe yourself in three words I'm like no yeah i could definitely not do those things mm. it's such a load I of crap would not yeah <laughs> i'm just like no <laughs> you don't even get that you get no um i am very pleased that um i was i was asked describe yourself in one word and i said unapologetic and i feel like that's really like the most descriptive thing i could ever say about myself that's a good one it really think. tells you all you need to know and like, really, it's basically a disclaimer. It's like, do you want to deal with this? <laughs> do you want to deal with this madness? Because if you have doubts, run for the hills. Just like, just don't even go there. It's not worth it. It, 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 uh, it explains so much more why you're the, you know, you're the perfect river town for far, you know, for food life. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, best thing I ever did with my life. And aside from take a photo of me and Gary both at our pianos. Um, but yeah, the, the river <laughs> yes. thing, that's my favorite picture ever. The river thing, like I, um, I was gifted the movie Serenity um, when I was 20 years old. And I was like, what, what is this nonsense? And my friend was like, wait a second. Have you From not way seen, round. It's like, have you not seen Firefly? And I was like, what is Firefly? And he was like, hold up. Um, I will also say that he is credited with having me watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, nice. for the first time and all the way through. And then he also was the same person who bought me all the seasons of the X-Files. <laughs> anyways it's really good to have friends like that um so yeah so i watched firefly and was just completely blown away and then i watched serenity and i was like no now it um, makes more sense yeah well i didn't watch it because i, ah, I okay I, I can't do that like i and i he knows i would be so so angry with him if he had let me watch a sequel before the original like mm -hmm. we might not be friends which we are now. I mean, we are to this day. Um, he's actually the one who bought me the Switch, which is like, oh my God, he saved my life in so many ways. Um, but yeah, he, I, I could never, ever watch something out of order um, 
on purpose. I had on accident mm-hmm. and it's completely ruined it for me. I need a timeline. Um, but yeah, uh, watching it and just like watching it for the first time at, at 20 years old and just like having this little glimmer of a thought where it's like, if I could just do the river pose, if I could just do the river pose, like I feel like my life would have more meaning. Um, and now that, that I've, I've like done the river pose, I'm like, it definitely has more meaning. And now it's just, if I can do that one scene from Serenity where she goes up on the ceiling and she holds on to the sprinkler system and like does the splits is like hanging. I'm like, that'll take me the rest of my life. And I will probably die like trying to be that flexible. <laughs> But that's 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 the next thing that I want to do. That's, that's, that's why you fun. haven't seen another Fool Fly video is because I haven't yet perfected that pose. Uh, and when I do, you'll see another video. Oh, I want to see that so much. <laughs> <laughs> and also that her outfit is like a blue unitard with like a dental bib on. It's so crazy. It's just like, here, we put some grommets in this apron. Like... You look like the future. And she's got like <laughs> alum- excuse me, aluminium like plates just Thank like you. sewed to her leggings. Like for no reason. <laughs> just like, you know, you know what those legs need? Little little metal plates um, that are very light. Uh, yeah, and I'm totally here for it. Yeah. Right, is, I mean I mean Full Fly was just so good. And if anyone listening to this has not just about the seen the Full Fly series of videos. Which I will link in the t- description of the on the YouTube video. So go and use that. The show notes. We, we should explain that it's the it, you know the, the, this this podcast is kind of an offshoot from Fools with Tools, as everyone listening will probably have realised by now. Um, kind of. Well, they uh, get mentioned. Oh, they're kind of. They're kind of. I mean, they're, they're featured above my head every week. Yeah. For anyone watching the videos. I mean, if this is loosely based on Fools with Tools, then does that mean that I'm Brett? Well, not, not based the, on I'm, it, just it's American. an offshoot from it. It's the same I, as... I think today well. you're more Al. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it was the beard talk, wasn't it? It's because we talked about be. beards. But, um, I'll have to find my beard. It's somewhere in the other room. It's like us as Maker's Waffle and then two-thirds focused. Uh, mm-hmm. They've kind of come out of the Fools of Tools stuff. But the, the, the Full Fly series was the, the group of Fools with Tools friends who... You know, again, kind of came together with the Maker Central stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it came out in Maker Central 2018, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. It w- and it was um... all Firefly fans. Yeah, which we didn't know at the time, and it was all all such a random, like random thing. Um, like I said, I knew I knew Al first. I, I've known him for the longest, um, and then after that, it was Red because Red um, reached out to me long time ago um and we became friends and i remember being like you're super cool and i love what you do like i want to come hang out with you and he's like i live in france and i was like well that sucks for me like (laughs) (laughs) what people do in other countries what 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 do french people do um and so like uh i was friends with al and then red and then um i went on the uh fools with tools podcast and that was the first time that I knew anything about. See, honestly, like I like I hadn't actually like, listened to the podcast <laughs> before I went on it. Um, I listened to a couple episodes when I found out I was going to be on it. Um, I did do that, uh, but then that's when I like 
oh my gosh, I got to re-listen to that first episode. I bet it's hilarious now. But like that's that was real, my my first real introduction to Brett, who he and I had briefly said hello after um, Eloy's podcast, which I was on. Um, and Brett had also been on. And so he like jumped in to be like, hey, you're you're that person who's going to be on our show. And um, and I had had zero contact with Steve uh, mm-hmm. before being on the podcast. And then so going to MC, I was like super excited to see Al because I just we'd been talking for so long. Um, and then it turns out Brett and I are actually really good friends <laughs> because of having all those conversations there. It was so funny because he ended up. So I was sharing a room with Mike because we had traveled together and Brett, uh, we found out Brett was like two doors down from us on our floor and for what for whatever reason like my schedule and Brett's schedule were always mirroring each other where it's like I would like open my room and he'd be like walking by or he'd like go to open the elevator and I'd be standing inside and we just like creepily ran into each other the entire time he made a joke in front of Mike he's like oh yeah I know where your room is so like later tonight I'll just climb over the balcony and come hang out with you and the entire night Mike was like are you sure that you locked the balcony door I'm like Like, he's not a weirdo he's not gonna climb in the balcony like what is wrong with you by the way those rooms in the hotel are not meant to be shared with a person because the bathrooms don't have a door uh (laughs) oh wow yeah yeah it was it was real fun like I mean it's you know what we just made use of the lobby toilet a lot anyways point is um got to meet Al got to meet Brett that's like I I didn't really talk to Steve that much at all until last year um but Al was like hey we're going down to Steve's Forge afterwards like why don't you come along and I was like why don't I um and so it was first off, be... what is a Steve? What is a forge? <laughs> I was like, well, I've always wanted to be in a forge. Um, also, Steve looks all right, I guess. I mean, like he looks like, like not normalish, but like you know, with a shower maybe. He like, anyway, it's like I maybe human. He's he's probably fine. Like he's just over in his little corner being grumbly, anyways. Um, and then they they were like, so it's like Al, Brett, and Steve. They invited me, and then um, they were like, Red, Red has to come along, too. And then Ellen, my girl, Ellen, she was like, what if I extended my trip and went with you? We're like, what if you did? And so she literally, like, (laughs) canceled her plane tickets, extended her trip, and was like, I guess I'm going to Steve. And it was just, like, the weirdest moment in time where these very very different people from Mm -hmm. all different backgrounds and all different mental places and all different experience levels just came together seamlessly like Mm -hmm. seamlessly and we were like went to the forge and we hit metal and I like ruined my hand because I've got this boxers fracture here from where I punched a door and it never healed properly and so I discovered that like using the hammer since I didn't actually know how to swing and all of their hammers were about 17 pounds too heavy for my tiny little baby hands it was just like after like an hour just the intense amount of pain and it was just like swollen and purple it was glorious I loved it and I made a really <laughs> shitty nail um but like we went to the forge and it was amazing we went back to Steve's house uh Al made the most incredible dinner and we were all just like 
instantly we were all just like there like this was just mm-hmm. one moment in time where we watched full fly, full fly we watched firefly <laughs> discovered that we all loved it we're all quoting it and like that was it and like it'll never be that good again even like even when we all get together mm-hmm. nothing will ever be that moment and i'm like i always have those moments where i'm like sad you know like i wish we could continue doing this but you know what we all had that moment together that was just the most perfect thing that could ever happen. You can't plan it. You can't recreate it. It's something that just happens. And like, yeah, um, I, I know that there was like a lot of people were like, oh, we want to be involved too. And it's like, absolutely. But like, you can't create those things, right? They just no. happen. The yeah. thing, the only thing that we had that made it different aside from like we had chatted online together beforehand is like, we were all open to making it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, when 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 Al asked you like, oh, do you want to just like go to a forge for a couple of days with some other people you don't know from the internet? Like you say yes. And like yeah. <laughs> when, when when Ellen goes, Well, if I if I cancel my plane tickets home and come to the forge with you, the, like you say yes. Like you just do it. Like you have to make it happen for yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be open to things like that. And I think that I think that people think what that was is like a unicorn right and like it does seem really unique but it's really not it's what it's like what we created like for ourselves yeah. and for each other and and like this is something that we can all have in so many different ways and like in huge groups and in small groups because like you know like it's like when you go out to dinner with 25 people it's like what is the point of that like there's no point it's like it's hell on the bill it's hell on the server and you only get to talk to the two people who are next to you because it's so loud so it's like like grab on to those people that you want to like sit at a cozy little floor top with and have a conversation that involves everyone like just be like i know i don't need to tell you guys because you guys are the epitome of that um but it's uh it's something that I think is so important. That's um, it's really hard to say without, you know, sounding like, well, you know, we have a small group and it's like, well, it is true, yeah. but it's not like the group isn't open. Like the group is fools with tools. I mean, like, come on, let's be honest. Like everything, mm-hmm. like everything that I'm involved with now is has all come out of that podcast and like the people who set it up, the people who believe in yeah. it, the people who support it. And like, they are, uh, they are, three people who together like they they bring together these three sides of the triforce you got your power you got your courage. <laughs> anyways um but they really they really bring it together and make it i think tangible because of the differences between each of them and like how they interact mm-hmm. with each other and like um like steve is super logical al has no logic at all and brett's just like trying to hold the two of them together be like let's make something cohesive out of this um but there's there's so much there's so much that can be added to that and like i i would love to be encouraging to anyone who wants not wants to be a part of that but wants to create that for themselves like i love what you you guys are doing with with your waffles um i love your waffles and i actually had completely forgotten that you had a podcast um (laughs) so we chatted about it very briefly and i was like oh no and then i went and listened to like i've listened to most of them at this point we can only apologize 
yeah well, you, <laughs> thank you for that like i needed that apology definitely keeps you yeah definitely keeps you kind of yeah, uh, engaged for a long number of hours if you listen to them all yeah mm. yeah and um it's a good test with... for your isotunes i think it is uh, they have a 12 life. hour battery um <laughs> So you do I, half a waffle. <laughs> I, I did almost all of uh, Dr. Maltese. No, I listened to um, the one where you had um, the fools on. And uh, I know Brett had said to Steve, he's like, I know it was a good episode because I could hear Jess laughing. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, there goes Steve and his hagfish again. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, so that, that was such a good episode. Um, it was. We've had some crackers. We have definitely had we some really cracking yeah. episodes. We, we 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 can usually tell because by the end of them, we're, the pair of us, me and Andy, are just like holding our faces from smiling and laughing so much. My my face is hurting tonight. Yeah, so. it, it shows it's a good, it's a, it's a great episode. I'm here to cause you pain, obviously, and make Andy blush. I mean, duh. <laughs> yes, I have cool down. Make him, yeah, you can make him match his uh, match his fleece. Then you absolutely, well. absolutely. <laughs> Yes, I am now kind of a slightly different shade and back to my normal, <laughs> normal, normal colour. Yeah, I was just, who was I talking to? I was talking to Allie about blushing. Um, and like, I blush super easily. And like, for really weird reasons. Like, mm. if I talk to a toddler and then the toddler speaks back to me, I will blush. And it's so weird. And I feel like, what what is this like i blush when like very small children talk to me it's like i get i get like oh my gosh they're like paying me attention like maybe i blush when cats come and sit on my lap too i'm not sure but it's like that same feeling where it's like you've chosen me like oh, oh my gosh i can't even um but yeah i i blush a lot and i there's zero i can do to control that and it's really humbling <laughs> It's, it's a good level, or I think, isn't it? That, that kind of thing of like it, involuntary bodily reactions that it's, you've got. I mean, of, of the involuntary <laughs> bodily reactions, I'd say blushing is probably the best one you could ask for. Yeah, but, but that's that's what I mean. You know, that kind of thing. You know, or, or you know, things that give you like emotional outbursts. You know, the, a, a funny joke that makes you laugh uncontrollably. You know, things like that. It's, like uh, snort laugh. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those yeah. kind of things are, are, are absolute, you know, humbler levelers for, for especially for like, a, you know, a group situation like this. Yeah. You've got, you know, sort of friends chatting and something happens. And then you just start laughing at each other and then it's just a whole circular thing. It's, it's fantastic. very cyclical, yeah. So a really good workout for the abdominals. I think that's how Ben gets his abs is he just probably laughs so long and heartily. <laughs> Can you, oh, can you imagine? Give, yes, this job. Like, can, can you imagine? Like, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Like, like just full out laughing. I don't think he does. I don't know if he can. Um, I that don't know be, if he would program uh, that way. Think of the marketing you could do with that. Yeah. Laugh you, yourself thin. Laugh yourself thin. <laughs> Lose weight with laughter. Laughter is the best medicine. It's like a whole yeah. medical. You know, health. Doctor Multi would probably suggest that medicine is the better medicine. <laughs> what does he know? I mean, he's a British doctor. Like, is that even is that even like real medicine? I don't know. He's, probably he's like have paid to do everything and... that he's doing. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that give you a bill at the end of it. (laughs) It's all like, I mean, like your 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 whole healthcare system is just like you hang out in a room because, like, like if you don't like really pay for it and all the insurance and like if it doesn't make you go broke, then like, are they even treating you? Because that's how our system works. (laughs) If if breaking two broken teeth in two years. Yeah, if, if breaking a bone doesn't give you, you know, financial stability for the rest of yeah. your life, then, you know, is it even medicine? Yeah. Yeah. The number one cause of bankruptcy in the U.S. is medical bills. No. Yeah. Uh... Isn't that great? It's like, hey, not only are you broken and or diseased, uh, but now you're poor. You're welcome. So while, while you're recovering and, and need to not worry about things, mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, you can't eat. You pay bills. Yeah, we know you can't work right now because like you're broken. Um, but like think about the bills and that'll stress you out. And at least then you won't eat as much. Um but then you will have to find money to pay for the therapy that you're gonna need afterwards. So. Oh no, 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 no. No, we don't do that here. Um <laughs> <laughs> we, would, we would never do therapy. Yeah. We would never. Um yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. Um, but also, luckily, um, I'm crossing my fingers and um, touching plywood over here. I've not broken a bone. Like, not technically. I did break my tailbone, but, like, not actually. And I didn't go to the doctor for it, so it doesn't count. <laughs> but now it does stick out at a funny angle. I've got, like, this little nubby tail. Um, yeah. I got, like, a vestigial tail. Yeah, have you ever seen Shallow Hal? <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So the sad thing is, is it doesn't like actually stick out far enough for me to wag. Um, It sticks out just far enough where if I'm not sitting on a cushion, it hurts my bottom. (laughs) Like that's the lamest thing ever. Like I had to, when I was able to sit after that, I had to sit like on a, on a donut for a while. Um, Like not an actual donut. I mean, you know. Yeah, not the other Like a like a donut shaped pillow. A toroidal Um, cushion. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I just sit on a pile of donuts, and then I don't, I don't um, notice. But yeah, I do have like (laughs) tiny little tail. But other than that, I've not broken bones. I've chipped some teeth and boxer's fracture. It's a fracture. It's called a. It's in the name. It's a boxer's fracture. (laughs) Um, It's like it just like kind of sticks up right here. And then the sad thing is, like, in cold weather, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, my hand, my, my poor aching bones. And, yeah. It's a sad state of it. Uh, word of advice just to the world. Um, if you are, let's say, uh, very upset with someone, I would say uh, try to express your feelings verbally rather than mm. punching a solid core door with all of the force that your tiny little arms can muster. That's all I'm saying. Because when you when you hurt your hand to the point where you have to call your mom and say, hey, I can't drive my manual transmission car because I maybe hurt my hand. Can I borrow your car instead? That also, humbling. Very humbling. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To her credit, she was just like, huh, okay, yeah, sure. That's fine. I was like, yeah, in like six months, we'll have a conversation about it, but it doesn't need to be today. And she's like, yeah, okay, I get that. <laughs> That's a good way of dealing with it. You know what? I've been, I've been doing that to my mom since I was in high school. It's like in six months, we're going to have a really long conversation, um, but not today. And it's like, 
it like gives me enough time to like process, but it also like lets her know like if I'm not a hundred percent okay in this particular moment, I am already telling you I will be okay in time. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's all you need to know. Yeah, it's reassurance, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, and like you know, when you're a teenager and you're doing like really stupid shit, like the last thing you need is an adult telling you that you're doing really stupid shit. I'm like, I know that. I'm trying my best. Like, I can't learn by doing what you tell me to do. I learn by doing the opposite of what you tell me to do because now I know that it's really real. And hey, guess what? Now I know I can trust you. I mean, that's what teenager means, isn't it? It's do stupid shit that people tell you not to do. Yeah, I think it's just a Latin term for it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> More etymology. It's the best. Are there those little peas? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that lives in my sinuses now. I'm just really glad it wasn't carbonated. <laughs> and now I'm drooling. <laughs> Firing on all cylinders. <laughs> I, I would apologize, but I'm taking that one as a win. Yeah, no, ne- never apologize. Like, what are you supposed to do with apologies, anyways? What, are, what is the oh, point? Oh, of thanks. Them? I'll just put them in my top pocket. Well, yeah, like you can start, sh- what, shove your stories in a sack? Wow, that is not easy to say with a lisp, I just realized. <laughs> um, it's a Seinfeld reference, and yeah, I've never said it out loud and i will never say it again but yeah i don't <laughs> i don't see but this is recorded of... it's fine you can play it back <laughs> yeah well i'll just you know burn the house down um yeah let's no apologies i think apologies there's no point to them there really isn't like i believe in acknowledging when you've done something yeah. that uh is hurtful or has taken as hurtful or um even if it's just like some if it's taken in a way that it wasn't intended. Mm-hmm. But what are you supposed to do with an apology? I think that's the thing that there's much more merit in not repeating the thing that you've just done than apologizing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that's something we've, uh, my wife and I kind of discussed over the time we've been together, you know, that, that, that sort of, uh, you know, we've both got that, that mentality of, you know, having seen people apologize for something and then go on to do it again. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's kind of just it, over time, you know, oh, I'm really sorry. And then you do it again. Oh, I'm really, really sorry still. Oh, I'm, I'll do it again. It's one of the frustrating things with teach, being a teacher and kind of, yeah, mm. you, you, a kid does something wrong and then they go, I'm sorry. And then, yeah, next day they do exactly the same thing. He said, no, you're not. You the, the, are not the sorry loses sorry. its value, doesn't it? Yeah. Time. yeah, it's it's like um I mean we were even saying this earlier, like my point about manners, it's just something that we're taught to do so that we get yeah. a thing that we want, like so that we have an outcome that we prefer. You say please so that someone will give you a cookie. You don't say it because it's a nice and polite thing to do. And like um I worked when I worked at um a high school um teaching special ed, one of the, the teachers in the classroom that I worked for, uh he said something that was really impactful on me. And that was, I will never say please, because when I, when I tell you to do something, 
I am not asking. I'm your boss. Mm -hmm. And it's not a request. It's a directive. You Mm -hmm. go do this. Not please. But I will always say thank you. Because I am grateful that you're here and willing Mm -hmm. to help. And like that... To me, I, I went on to say that to every single person that I trained at my restaurant. The restaurant I worked at, at for 13 years, 12 of those years, I trained every single person who worked there. And it's something I told everyone. I will never ask you to do your job. And I will never say, please do what you are here to do. But I will always say thank you because I appreciate that you are doing your job and hopefully in a good manner. Um, but like, I think that we are taught to say things to get results, not to have feelings about what we're saying or to take other people's feelings into consideration. And to say something like, sorry, it's what you say in the moment. It's basically, it's a bridge between this unpleasant moment and this moment that is less unpleasant. And like a sorry, that doesn't do anything for me. Like, um, but an acknowledgement that like, hey, you know what? I did not handle this situation well. I am Mm. taking responsibility for it. And I can't say that I won't do it in the future because like, I don't know, I will probably do something like hopefully not the same thing, but I'll probably do something equally hurtful because that's just how humans work. There's no need to apologize, but please always acknowledge what, what you know is, is, has to do with you and there there's fault there's enough fault to spread around for everyone yeah it's taking responsibility for your actions or your participation mm-hmm. yeah, yeah absolutely and um that's much more valuable than an apology because also it's like did you really mean that oh, i don't think you meant that it's the bart simpson problem isn't it you yeah know, it's it's exactly that sort of you say sorry to relieve your own feelings of guilt but it doesn't fix the problem for the person who you just wronged. Yeah. 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 And, and like, it's, it's like the phrase where someone goes, Oh, please forgive me. Someone, that, no. that isn't up to you to ask. That is no, yeah. You're not allowed to ask and, for forgiveness. Exactly. It has to be, you know, freely given on their terms. Yeah. Not, and not I, I do 100% believe in forgiveness um, because otherwise that's something that you have to carry. Like you have to carry this burden of hatred um, and which sometimes can be really fun, but most of the time it's just like really brings you down. But this, this idea of like forgive and forget, it's like, I absolutely am willing to forgive you, but I will literally never forget that this happened because otherwise nobody's learning from the situation like forgive and forget please please. forgive absolutely but yeah you can't forget because they you can't unbreak a plate is a a phrase that we'll use and it is that thing (laughs) sorry but that's that's creating something else though isn't it that's that's not unbreaking the plate you know it's and it that's exactly it though is every every action goes on to shape future interactions you know, yeah. So if someone does something like that, you can forgive the, their actions and you can move on from it. But the relationship... And if there isn't that, else. there has to be that, not just that acknowledgement, but that attempt to move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I, you know, I've, 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 I've literally cut people out of my life, not with a knife, figuratively <laughs> cut With a out. baton of some yeah. sort. You conducted <laughs> them away. No, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to admit to anything. Um, <laughs> And the fifth or whatever it is. Yeah. I feel I feel 
like that's uh, admitting to a lot. But I, um, I please go. No, I have, I've, I've, I have ceased interaction mm -hmm. with a number of individuals over the years because of a continued demonstration mm. of usually a lack of integrity. Yeah, that's the one mm. that I, it sort of gets me. Yeah, when there's a lack of integrity, and yeah, some of these kind of go, yeah, you know what, you were you were a friend, and you were somebody maybe I, you know, a close-ish friend, but your lack of integrity, repeated lack of integrity, I, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm ignoring you now. Yeah, walk down the street path, I'll just ignore you. Right. I'm not going to well, that, allow you to. Help. Engaging boundaries, isn't it? Yeah, and then you acting on your part in your reinforcement of your boundaries. If you've set a boundary and, there of expectations, yeah, sometimes those people kind of yeah, they want to kind of go, Oh, well, I've said sorry, so it's all right, isn't it? I can, yeah, like, like, sorry, I can, just, I can continue to do answer. the same thing again, I can continue mm. to take advantage of you or advantage of your good nature or or whatever. Yeah, because a, a sorry without an acknowledgement of some responsibility in this situation, no matter what the level of responsibility, like the sorry is just a band-aid and it's like, but it's an open gaping wound under there. Like, mm -hmm. come on, someone pay this some attention. And um, like in, in the same way, if, if you are a person who does not lie, but also changes their mind every single day, just goes back and forth. Like today I'm this way, tomorrow I'm this way, today I'm this way, tomorrow I'm this way. Totally fine, right? We all make our own decisions. But if you are trying to follow along with that person, you will find them to be untrustworthy, not because they lie, but because their truth doesn't say the same. And like, if that is something that you want to do for your own personal reasons, absolutely, like fill your boots, go for it. But if you want to have someone else along with you for the ride, you have to give them something to stand on. There has to be some sort of foundation. And like, um, I think that forgive and forget, and then also like uh, living by a certain code, like those are for me, like the two most important things, just like an honesty, like goes in that permeated throughout because what do we have if we're not being honest? Um, but like those, those two things to me are the most important things because you can go anywhere from there. And what we so often fall back on is like the unwillingness to let go. Like we say forgive and forget so that we don't have to ever end a thing, no matter if it's the best thing or the worst thing or anywhere in between. Like um, whenever someone is like, oh, I just broke up with my person or like, I just got divorced. I'm like, congratulations. Like, I'm not celebrating the the part where you're probably extremely heartbroken about this. But honestly, if there's a breakup, it's probably for a reason. And like, mm -hmm. if, if it got to the point where you can't keep it together, then why are you trying to keep it together? And yeah, it's yeah. like like have the, have some have some grace in the situation and say to the other person i would rather that we live like separate lives that go on where we can do good things and we can feel good about themselves and we can support each other emotionally from a distance like we don't always have to do something all the way together all the time um but like i was just i was just talking to a friend um this morning about like 
a situation where it's like if you have if you're like ingrained in a work situation that feels like very connected like when you leave that it also feels like a breakup like there's there's heartbreak that comes with it because you're so connected and like I love that idea because it means enough to you that you're sad when it's over but we also have to remember that not like things don't last forever like you're sad when someone dies but we've all learned not to bring them back as zombies like that just it doesn't work out the way you want it to like you read pet cemetery right flesh keeps breaking down it's it's really hard to preserve it (laughs) it's just like how do you keep cleaning up after someone who leaves like piles of flesh and they smell bad honestly i mean it's like not enough air fresh it helps if you get a dog I thought it was bad when dogs ate cat shit out of the litter box. (laughs) It's just like, oh no, he's eating Ben's finger. It's like, well, he left it on the floor. (laughs) Never never get that back. I know. It's like, well, I wasn't the one who went and got zombified. So, like, yeah, sort yourself out. But yeah. Hey, we, we managed to talk about zombies. I feel like that's a real cool Yeah. I mean, it's with me and it's quite well. <laughs> oh, my God. It's what we do. I, 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 I almost think we should have called it Maker's Tangent or something. But <laughs> that, Rabbit that the... Pearl. <laughs> we'll do a second podcast, Andy. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I'm like trying to think of a way I'm literally there's like I bought a tiny tiny waffle maker and it's sitting on a shelf over there and I've been staring at it this whole time but I'm like (laughs) trying to think about like a way that you could eat waffles with like tangerines and it's not working and I think it's because I have had to go to the bathroom for like two and a half hours Um, (laughs) (laughs) surely if you make circular waffles and put them on square plates but right to the edge so then at least they're on a tangent. This is a math joke. <laughs> See, this this is why we took the S off of maths. Some of us can't say it. Um, it's really difficult for mathematical. Mathematical. Yeah, I think I got it. All right, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> question is like, do we cut this out on the edit? <laughs> well, that's that's entirely up to you. <laughs> oh, my face is definitely hurting though. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, is definitely it's, a sign it's... of a good show. It to be fair, I mean we are what episode forty five. Yeah, nearly a year. Nearly a year. And seven weeks away from being a year. You would you would think at this point that our facial muscles would have got used to that. The amount we've the amount we've laughed and smiled and giggled and waffled. Yeah. It's I mean we've had Berkey on twice. Yeah. You think we'd have learned the first time? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we failed. We failed. Don't worry. 
I knew you could. You were you're total pros. Oh my god, I had to pee so bad. Like I'm pretty sure that every time I go on a podcast, like about five minutes in my bladder's like <laughs> fuck you. Um but they usually only like last like forty five minutes. So uh, like not, not, not only am I proud of myself, um I'm also proud of myself for uh, acknowledging that I have to go to the bathroom. This is the thing I do where I will like wait to the very last minute for no reason, but like, I'm just like, don't want to like get up and go to the bathroom. So uh, what I have to do now is I have to say it out loud, usually as I'm running out the door. And it's funny. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) I do. I was just like, I have to go to the bathroom and it'll be just like out of nowhere because otherwise I won't stand up and leave the room. I'll just sit Mm -hmm. here in agony. And I've just like scared the shit out of Brett so many times because we're just like, sitting very quietly next to each other and all of a sudden I just like yell as I'm running out of the room like I gotta go to the bathroom he'll be like like is it like an emergency are you okay I'm like no I just had to pee because I've been holding it for an hour for literally no reason mm-hmm. I don't know why I do it but it is a thing that I do well it, that, that, now is you a, all know. that is a bit of a uh, neurodiversity kind of thing it's quite common yeah. with a few different yeah <laughs> brain stuff yeah um yeah the divergencies are real and apparent um but yeah the the bathroom one this is like i my my hack of screaming at unsuspecting people that i need to go to the bathroom is like something that i just recently started doing um but the interesting thing is that i do it when i'm alone also because i'm also like sitting in my room it's two o'clock in the morning i have to go to the bathroom no one's in the bathroom. Literally, mm-hmm. no one is aware if I do anything because everyone is asleep. And I audibly say, I have to go to the bathroom. I leave the room. <laughs> I, not necessarily go back going to the bathroom, but I tend to verbalize more to myself when out loud, Narrating your life. when there's no one else around. Mm. I, will, I will openly talk to myself. It's normally berating myself for being an idiot Aww. in some manner. Um, I mean, but did you deserve it though? Like, were you being? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, so then it's yeah. warranted. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fine then. Like you, you well, should like yeah, if it's bad, his... then you should feel bad. Yeah, and it's on his own merits as well. So mm. you know, yeah. it might not be the might not be the case. So yeah, and but I I, I find that happens more and more. Actually, more and more. I think. I th- I'm not sure if I'm the older more... you get. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm I, becoming. More I wasn't more... saying it this time. You were divergent. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, 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 I think I'm becoming more aware of my neurodivergency. Yeah. Well, and I think that's. I think that's that's that's. that's two, I think there's there's two reasons for that. I think one is the fact that I'm no longer institutionalized. Mm-hmm. So I'm no longer. Yeah, I'm no longer working in a school where there's a okay. significant. Okay. here, of, when you say institutionalized, it like literally means you were in a crazy house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, I was a teacher, like, right? Yes, I. <laughs> There's, there's two different definitions yeah. for it over here as yeah. well. <laughs> um, and when you say crazy house. <laughs> you know I was teaching in school. <laughs> exactly. Um, but there, there was that, yeah, I mean, the one meaning of institutionalized over here is being, you know, either it's often associated with jail, mm-hmm. uh, prison, uh, people kind of being used to that thing, but also to things like the you know, military service or, or for me, working in a school where there's that okay. definite pattern of, you know, it's the 1st of September, therefore school starts again. It's mm-hmm. the, 
Friday before Christmas, therefore school ends for a time. Yeah, this is very much set. And you, my life was you know, ridden by a timetable that was down to you know, the hour for you know, seven of my six or seven hours of my day was set on somebody else's timetable. His year is still got, only eight months long as well. Yeah, I've still got I've still got elements of you know, timetable here. There's particularly, yeah, I, I sort out the house and breakfast and there's certain things got to be done at certain times because others have go, got things like school and work. But I think I've become more aware of my neurodivergence because of, A, no longer actually being in that situation where everything is very set and I'm used to it. You know, I've been teaching for twenty over 20 years, so there's that kind of, it was a very much pattern, very much used to that kind of sort of pattern and, and of life. And having now left that, but I think more importantly, because getting into the maker community, although I was kind of, I was aware of the maker community before I became, uh, left teaching, but actually becoming involved, actively involved and in meeting people and, and getting to know people as people and friends in the maker community, to see actually more and more people being open about their neurodivergency and, and people like yourself, Jess, who are not afraid to kind of you know, be on a video and you've, you've done it. You've got to be in a video and say, yeah, I struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find these things difficult. And having that kind of openness for people to talk and actually sort of say, I struggle with this, but it's okay because that's just who I am and it's okay. And I have to do these things to manage and yeah. I have to do this. And, and some people, you know, I mean, some people have the diagnoses and for maybe ADHD and get the, maybe the, the stim meds so they can, you know, focus. Fantastic. People are talking about this and it's not just ADHD is something that affects teenagers. And then they kind of magically mm. disappears when they leave school. Right. It's visibility, isn't it? I think that's the key yeah. here. Because it's not just about any type of neurodiversity. It's, you know, it's mental health stuff in general. It's um, all types of struggles. Yes. Know, physical and mental. And I, I think that's something that's we as a society are getting much, much better at. You know, general visibility of of so many things that aren't just middle-class white man with beard. Or middle class white man with white collar job, you know, it's that visibility in general of the rest of the world, you know, the other ninety percent of the world's populace. You know, it's the it's seeing more of the human element and realizing that it isn't all just that little tiny sliver of humanity that we've had rammed down our throats for the last several hundred years. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I found it kind of interesting because, um, as you know, I was homeschooled, as were all my siblings. Um, <clears throat> so, like, when you're homeschooled, like, nobody knows you have ADHD. <laughs> like, me and my brother both. Like, nobody knows. Nobody knew. We never thought about it because those, like, we weren't, we weren't put into constraints that created that problematic behavior where it's like they're disrupting the classroom where it's like 
we are our own classroom and we do things on our own time and in our own terms. And like, it wasn't until just a few years ago where all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, there's a name for this. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought I was just like really bad at being human this entire time because why would I ever think that like, it's this thing because obviously it's, you know, it has these certain parameters, but it really doesn't. And um, I actually think that um, that is one of one of the biggest problems with the lack of diversity is because so many things are based around this is like like people used to think that girls could not be autistic mm. because they base everything around yeah. the way boys acted which like okay that's good that you are figuring out how to work with kids in this section how about literally all the other kids in the world, right? And so, like, that that to me is, like, I almost feel like that's the most important thing that we have to figure out is how to physically and emotionally take care of all the people. When we had, like, here's one example of one type of person, and we will base everything on this. And it's like, that is so dangerous um, mm-hmm. because not even two people are the same. Like yeah. you two, you're both white and male. I mean, you basically look like the same person maybe because you yeah. all look alike, but like you have different needs and like you take care of yourselves in different ways. And um, mm. there you have different health needs. You have different emotional needs, all of those things. It's like, so if two people who are basically identical, except for the length of beard, like how do you say that they have the exact same thing? Like nobody has the exact yeah. same thing. Like we need, we need to figure out how to take care of each other better. Um, mm. Starting with taking care of ourselves, because honestly, that is the number one job that every person in the world has. Take care of yourself. Yeah. When you, you are in the air- people, if you know. It's like when you're in the airplane and they're like, hey, if we crash in a fireball, Put your oxygen mask on first, because guess what you can't do if you're worried about other people? Put on a mask. And that means that you will die because you didn't get oxygen. So it's like everyone's first thought should be put on your oxygen mask. And then the immediate thing you do after that is like, who needs my help? I am already Mm -hmm. taken care of. If you take care of yourself, that's how you take care of other people. Because if you only ever ever take care of other people, you have nothing left. For yourself and you will wither away and die and the best case scenario is that you blame everyone that you care about for taking all of your oxygen thank you Mm -hmm. for coming to my TED talk (laughs) 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 i may have a strong feeling or two (laughs) be be right and and the education oh i know (laughs) the classic the classic western education phase world this global education system is based around putting 30 people into a classroom together of the same age, mm-hmm. based purely on age, mm-hmm. not on their actual kind of but intellectual that's, that's because maturity. age over the course of a year of as a year, well. So yes, there's a, a year's got, swing within that. Yes. So you've got a class with people that are effectively a, a, year, a year apart in age um, from kind of the yeah, 1st of September to the 1st of August. They'll be in the same class to behave in exactly the same manner to follow a strict set of rules that essentially are designed for putting people into factories 
to follow a set of rules and do particular things at certain times in a certain way. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's the kind of basis for which the education system developed as, as we know it you know, from the kind of the end of the 19th century through the entire 20th century and into now into the 21st century. And it's interesting to see that the, the pandemic and the, the lockdowns has actually sort of been quite a, an interesting time in terms of home education, for example, in the UK, because so many kids, you know, suddenly you, in several situations, kids who are suddenly having to learn from home and blossoming because they're not in a class with some fug of a kid who just disrupts every single lesson and will do for the entirety of that particular school and class because they keep the class mm -hmm. together for that entire time, yeah. which is something that is still happening in schools you know, today. Well, not today because it's Sunday. Um, but yeah. Sunday school is happening in the church. Well, yes, it may be happening in Sunday schools because you know there's 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 vicious churches. Um but then there's there's so there's those kids who suddenly were blossoming because they're not in a school, they're not having to sit next to the, the, the thug who constantly is poking them, disrupting the learning, isn't interested in learning. You've got then other ch children who kind of are and parents sort of realizing that actually having their, their child being able to sort of stop, you know, they weren't all kind of video lessons. Some schools did that, you know, you've got to sit in front of the vid a computer for an hour on Zoom and have your lessons. But some will say, that, yeah, right, now 10 minutes of Zoom and then you're going to work through the rest of the questions. And the kid being able to get up and go and eat, yeah, you know, twice an hour because that's that's what they need to do or they need to kind of, you know, every kind of you know, 15 minutes to get up and you know, stroke the cat or whatever. And, you know, they're able to then kind of, you know, naturally kind of go through Pompadouro and, and you know, concentrate on those things, those little breaks, which they would never get in a classroom. Right. And so there are now, there's a, there's a massive amount of children now in the UK whose parents have gone, maybe we won't send them back to school because they're, they're suddenly doing a lot better and they're a lot happier. And right. yeah. This was something that like um, Ben and I talked about it because uh, we had this like moment of giggle when everything started shutting down and people were like, oh my gosh, the kids are going to be home all day. It's like, yeah, now we get to find out who actually likes their children. Turns out not a yeah. lot of people. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was, it was interesting because um uh, ben did go to uh, high school for his second final year of high school. So he actually had technically graduated, um, but he wanted to play football an, an extra year with his friends who were all a year younger. And at that time, if you were homeschooled and then went into the public school system, they're like, you are obviously stupid. So we will put you back a year no matter what. And then he just like aced all his, his classes and like was a football star and whatever. Anyways, we talked about how much we hate him. Um, <laughs> but like when when my mom asked me when I was in high school, uh, she was like, do you want to go to school? Like, is this something you would like to do? And I thought about it. like I really thought about it because for one thing, like I didn't have a lot of friends uh, when I was a kid. And I had two, I had two friends who were both two years older than I am. Um, and they were like my bestest friends and I loved them and I looked up to them and we all played music together. Um, they were homeschooled too. 
then they went to high school and guess what? They realized how incredibly dorky their friend Jesse was, is. <laughs> so <laughs> they, were, they were like, hmm, uh, maybe not so much this friendship thing, um, which was fine. Uh, like we all need to learn and grow and discover who we are who we want to be friends with. Like we're friends with yeah. who we want to be friends with. And that's the most important mm -hmm. thing. But I remember like, so my, my mom was like, do you want to go to high school? And this is when I was about 15. And I was like, honestly, I would either kill myself or everyone else or both. Like, I'm pretty sure that would happen. Like I am in no way equipped to first of all, be in a room with kids my age. Like, Nothing is worse to me. Like when, the entire time that I was a child, um, so ages five to seven, I like the worst thing you could ever do was to put me in a space with kids my own age because they they never wanted to talk about interesting things. Mm -hmm. And like, for one thing, they always wanted to play make-believe in a really stupid way that made no sense. Like people can't fly. Like, I mean, I can totally make believe that... Um, my name is Jim and I carry a briefcase filled with stuffed animals and I wear a button up shirt, like, because that's something I did every day when I was a kid. But like, I don't know, this whole like fairy princess and goblins. I was just like, what are you even talking about? Like save that to the professionals or save that for the professionals. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of me going to high school was more terrifying than the thought that like, if I don't go to high school, I may never make another friend again, which is a thought I actually had. And I was like, what if I never have friends again? And I was like, yeah, I, okay. yeah, I can deal with that. I can live with that. Um, and so I like, I have zero idea of what it's like to be in high school. Like as far as I know, all the high school teen movies are a hundred percent true. Like, I don't know. How would I know? Like, that seems accurate. All high schoolers mm -hmm. look like they're in their 40s, right? Um, but then I went to I went to Santa Barbara City College for an amount of time until they were like, yeah, don't come back unless you actually are going to attend classes. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, I remember being in my first classroom and I thought, I thought like, okay, this is college, right? Like, people come here by choice. They're not, they're mm -hmm. not sent to school. Like, they make a choice to go to college and they pick their classes. Like this seems like a thing. And I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed in what I was told were my peers. Cause I looked at them. I was like, you are not my peers. Like we just sat for an hour and a half in a class where the teacher had to read out loud the thing that we're going to take home so that he would make sure that people actually read it. And guess what? Still nobody paid attention. And then I'm supposed to go home and figure out how to do this lesson on my own. Like nothing was taught in the class because they wasted all the time just like trying to get attention. And obviously like these are some extreme cases, but I did learn some things. Um, but I did not understand why I would go to sit in a classroom and then go home and do the schoolwork. It's like, yeah. why did I go to school in the first place yeah why didn't i do it there and then ask questions if i had one where now i'm at home i have a question office hours are between 345 and 357 on tuesday mm -hmm. and it's like well i mean at the, i can't do that and then they're also slammed anyways it's like how do you even 
figure it out. But um, yeah, I was so disillusioned um, by my my one and only experience of being in like a classroom setting. And I will say though that um, I did go uh, to stay with Ben at university for three months um, when I was 19. And he was like, I want you to come to a school where it's like, it's really cutthroat to get in here because the programs are really good. It's really expensive. So like either the people come here have money or they really are trying to make it work, you know, Mm -hmm. like to, to be here. It's like, I want you to experience what it's like to be amidst young people who are trying to go somewhere in their life with like whatever their parameters are because Santa Barbara city college where everyone comes in with sand on their feet because they were just laying out on the beach. Like they have some great teachers there, but the students suck. Um, So it was, it was interesting. Like I went and sat in on all the architecture um, lectures and learned a lot of interesting things that I immediately forgot. Um, The most, the most important one was that, um, Ben was supposed to be a TA for Form Z 3D modeling class. But the teacher was like, you know what? You can handle this. Do it. So Ben taught the class and he made me his TA. So he was like, here, I wrote a syllabus. If you can understand it as an intro, then I've done a good job. So I read it and I was like, need some work. So I would like go to labs with him and like he would teach the class and then everyone would be at their computers trying to figure things out. And they'd be like, I have a question. I go over, oh, you're using this incorrectly. You actually do it like this, which was really funny because as just like a kid who was visiting from California, people actually thought that I was like their TA, but that's besides the point. Um, It was really fun though. Uh, But it was interesting for me to be in a situation where people were interested in what was going on around them. And I almost feel like that sort of schooling, I mean, and uh, obviously it's like at a very high level of schooling, but that sort of schooling is something that's more similar to the world that we all live in right now, where it's like just trying to figure things out and make things and what works and what doesn't, and why do we create the things that we do? And why, when is it important to do what everyone else has always done? And when is it important to try something new for yourself? Like, are we reinventing the wheel or are we realizing that there's actually a better way to make a wheel? And we just didn't think about it because we've said, this has always been good enough. Um, like, and so that is some tangent that I forgot was where the point was going. Or even if I had a point, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure that I had a point. The point is now that I'm making it up on the fly. School is silly. It is. <laughs> no, <laughs> Um, but it's, it's not though. I love the idea of school and what could be better than a place where you go to learn things and to be taught things. And when I was a kid, that was called a library. And it was one of the reasons why I wanted to be a librarian. And it was one of the reasons why I was a librarian because everyone who walks through the door is saying, hi, I'd like to leave here knowing something that I didn't know before. And Mm -hmm. um, also like, if you could help me, like figure out where to find my knowledge. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so here for you. And like, that's one of the best things that you can ever experience. It's just someone being like, hi, I'd like to learn. And you're like, I got you. Mm -hmm. I totally, totally agree with you on that. Absolutely. I love libraries. Libraries are the best. I try to think what that what was the other day. I saw a, a thing said about how you know librarians should be the ones who run the world. You know, from that kind of 
that point of being able to walk in and say, oh, I, there was a thing somewhere that I read in, uh, I think it was a book, maybe about this big, uh, I think it was about this. And then like, I go, right, hang on a minute. And then you know, sort of 10 minutes later, they come back and go, here's the book that you meant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most amazing thing ever, really. I mean, like to be in a workplace, um, I worked in two different libraries. They were both um, um, small branches of larger city libraries uh, or county libraries. Um, but were, the important thing was that they were both small. One was in my hometown, which is the library that I went to from the age of three on. I started volunteering when I was eight. Um, and then I got a work permit when I was 15 so that I could legally be employed. Because, <laughs> you know, what, what kid doesn't want a work permit? <laughs> it's like all these child labor laws. And I was like, please give me a job. Um, I, I was working 40 hours a week when I was 15, but that's besides the point. Um, and then when I was in my 20s, early 20s, I started working at a different small library because I had moved to Santa Barbara. And um, it was like uh, my, my boss, her name's Jody, my supervisor. She's still one of my dearest friends. Um, and um, then Pauline is also one of my dear, dear friends. And so like the three of us were just the most ridiculous people ever. Jody is like, first of all, she knows everything that ever existed, but she only has like, this much time in a day. Do you know the Magic School Bus series? Yeah. Okay, mm. so she looks like Ms. Frizzle. Big, red hair, all crazy. She wears fantastic, large eyeglasses and, like, always, like, bright colors. And she's got so much energy and enthusiasm and love. And she's also one of the most blunt people I've ever known, like, um, which I, I love because it's so much easier for me to understand. Mm -hmm. But she come in and be like, what are you doing right now? I'm like, oh, I'm cataloging these books. She's like, I need you to not do that right now. I need you to do this. I'm like, oh, obviously this is more important. I will go do that. She's like, great. Um, and that, that is so invaluable to me as an employee where having a boss being like, don't do that, do this. Not like, oh, that's great. But can you maybe, she's like, no, that's it. don't say yeah, please. I'm clearly waiting say, Thank time. you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she knew literally everything there was to know about every nonfiction book that was ever written. And um, like the vast majority of any novels that would be like, have any sort of like importance of that time. She was always like really up on that. Um, Pauline, who is not only an incredible author, knew everything about children's books, like everything about children's books and like poetry and like, all of those things and she did story time with the little kids and she knew she just just knew everything and I was like um can I read teen books for a living and Jody was like actually yes because there's like from the age of like 10 to 16 let's say it's like this weird this weird age gap where your tastes are starting to change in reading and it starts like for for, for girls, for most girls, it starts at like 10. I mean, I was reading Stephen King when I was 10, but I was like, not, not a normal kid, not average at all. <laughs> and I don't, I don't suggest you give Stephen, Stephen King to your 10 year olds because reading The Shining at 10 is kind of, anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a life changing book. It's just, you know what? Life. A, my life changed a lot in those days, but what it did do is it gave me a reason to sit down with a dictionary 
um, and the book that I was reading because I would come across book words that I didn't know and I would immediately reference it in the dictionary and it was just mm -hmm. like just like companion um, but yeah so I got I got to work with this very specific age bracket where kids are just starting to change into what else is out there besides like um, I don't know boxcar children that's a really old reference that kids haven't read in 30 years um, but like what what comes after that and so it gave me an opportunity to read a lot of teen and young adult books which honestly my favorite age range of books ever because mm -hmm. they always talk about extremely important things in a way mm -hmm. that is just blatant but gentle and it's harsh but it's tangible and mm -hmm. some of the best books I've ever read were written for kids in this age bracket and um it was like not only was it really great as someone who was working six days a week at three different jobs and going to school full time because it's like really easy reading like you don't have to think like what do they mean by this um it's all it's like it's totally clear what they mean like you know what yeah. they're talking about all the time um so it was great from that aspect but also just like i felt like it gave me some sort of context of what other young people might have felt in situations i mean obviously most of them are written by adults but i'm assuming that these adults were at one time a high school age kid who went to a high school uh like star girl star girl by jerry spinelli is one of the best books that has ever been written and if you haven't read it you should i haven't read it but i have had many people tell me it is an amazing book it is incredible yeah. incredible and um it is like it is not only very well written, but also the 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 book that the or the girl that the book is written about. Like it's told from the um, viewpoint of this one kid, and he experiences experiences the only way to say it. He experiences a girl named Star Girl who comes to their school after having been homeschooled, and that's all you need to know. It will take you just an afternoon to read please do read it. It, it's like one of those books that I read it and I was like, this is how I feel like, this is what it mm -hmm. feels like. Anyone who has ever felt different will immediately like have a connection to this book because it's written in such a plain, simple and gentle way. And in its simplicity, it is just so starkly horrifying because it's just like, it's easy to say like, oh, this guy punched this other guy. That makes him bad. But this idea where we are made to feel bad because we're different. And not even that us being different is bad, but it's just like, we don't like this. <laughs> this thing that you have going on. We don't like it. And people don't even need to say it because we all know when people are looking at us thinking, we don't like this you're mm -hmm. not one of us and it'd be so nice yeah. to say it doesn't affect me of course it affects all of us like I feel really fortunate that like um I got teased and made fun of all the time but like peer pressure was not something I ever really felt because I never felt that my peers were actually my peers I mean like um 
I, I could, I could hang out with a group of adults and feel like they were my peers and they could have probably like got me to do some crazy stuff. But thankfully they were adults and they were like, you're a child. Like, let's take care of you rather than like mess you up. But like anytime a kid my own age would be like, oh, you're stupid for this. I'm like, you clearly don't know how the world works because you're actually an idiot. Like, like I don't, I don't think you understand how this works. Like you think you're cool. And by being cool, that makes you allowed or that, that allows you to make fun of me. It's like, but I don't like you. So whatever you say has no bearing on me because I don't like you and I don't care. And it's like, I hope that you are very happy with all your thoughts about how stupid I am, but just over there, like have the thoughts over there. Um, And like, I can, I, I, of course I do know what it's like to, uh, to have those feelings and like to feel like you don't belong. Um, And I have those with people that I care about because they're the only people that matter to me. They're, they're the only ones who can actually hurt me. Like people are always like, Oh, I don't mean to offend you. It's like, Oh, I don't care about you enough for you to be able to offend me. And that's not an insult. It's just like, lit- it's like saying, I don't trust you. It's like, how do you not trust me? It's like, I met you five minutes ago. Like you've, n- you've not done anything that would make me think about trusting you. Only like in these five minutes, you've not stabbed me. So I know that like for small amounts of time, you can be trusted with, you know, like not <laughs> killing me by knife. Uh, but who knows what the next five minutes will bring. Um, but this is how my brain works. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you need to apologize. Making a yeah, worryingly uh, amount of sense, I think. Um, yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, you're not alone in some of this. You know. I'm so glad to hear that because honestly, like the way that that's that society at large reacts to things is like, mm-hmm. do we just take offense all the time? Like, is this just a thing that we do now? Like. Even if you tried to offend me, the worst that would happen to be like, oh, I'm really disappointed that you don't, you would make that assumption because obviously you don't know me well enough or whatever you know about me, you have put together in an improper way that created me to be something that I'm not. And like, I, I don't feel like it's my responsibility to change how you think about me. Because if you put together this with what you were given, like, like that's that's well, on you. That that's exactly it. It, it. it isn't your responsibility to change someone's opinion of you in their mind. You you can't do you that. You can't. And it's it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Of like, um, as we said before, you know, being un- unapologetically you. You know. It, every person you interact with is going to have a different view of you and it's going to be different to your own view of you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that sort of, um, the, the view that they have is, is, is inherently them, you know, their, their biases, their, their, their life before they met you. Yeah, is going to influence how they see you for better and for worse. Like, again, like what we were saying about like forgiving and forgetting, like if you if you pretend that you've forgotten something, then you really haven't learned. But also like something that I 
I really am trying to actively work on in the last 11 years um, is that like I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm such a, I'm, as we all are, I'm, I'm such an amalgamation of all the things that I've experienced before. And it is so important to take those things into consideration where it's like, hmm, last time I did something exactly like this, it turned out really bad for me. Let's try it again. Like that's not very clever. And that's, that's not using your wisdom that you, you really earned like at great personal. Anyways, um, like that is so important. But then I also realized if I'm just treating everyone like they're going to be the next worst thing that ever happened to me. Uh-huh. Uh, a, how sad for me. And two, how sad for them. Not like, oh, they're losing my company. But it's like, I am treating them like they, like as if they had mistreated me for the last 10 years. Like you take your, your knowledge and your experience with you, but we, we're not allowed to project those things onto other people. Oh. Like we have, our, we have our information and we need to use it. And we rarely, rarely do because we're so emotional. We just like to be in love, um, which is also good. I think everyone should be in love all the time with as many people as possible. But it's like, wh- why do we then say, I've chosen you to, Jamie Rita, I have chosen you to be in my life because I care about you so much. And I believe that you care about me, but also like because everyone else, because Andy, obviously Andy treated me really poorly. I'm going to take it out all, all out on you for no reason yeah, other than again. you're the person in front of me, and I'm going to treat you the way I wish I had treated Andy when he was such a dick to me. Like, how is that fair? That is, that is not fair. And Absolutely. Like, it's it comes down to communication and respect like respect is always going to be the underlying thing but like communication like communication is such an important thing in life and it, you know it's it's, it's those uh you know we, we talked we, we kind of briefly touched on so many of those kind of things that are all types of relationships you know either you know personal relationships with friends or intimate relationships with um you know partners or work relationships with uh, a workplace or work relationships with the people you work with at that workplace. They're all just multiple types of different relationships. And they, they all have those opportunities that we talked, you know, like with the full fly stuff, it's, it's all opportunities to open yourself up to the good and the bad and then deal in accordingly. You know, if, mm-hmm. if someone is addicted, then, you change your behavior moving forward. You know, if someone is good to you, uh, shows you a new way of, of living or a new experience that you enjoy or things like that, you, you that influences you in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, it, it's mutual shared experiences in life, isn't it? That's what relationships are. And that communication then is absolutely paramount to spread that goodness out as well you know if you if you experience something good with a relationship at work and you come home and tell your friend or a loved one you know it's that it's that ability to communicate and pass those experiences on or or say look we did this fantastic thing today 
I, I went here with my friend and we had a great coffee at this coffee shop. I would like to take you there so you can then experience that. You know, it's yeah. that kind of, you know, it, it's rising tide raises all ships, isn't it? You know, instead it of, is. It it's, is. it's those choices you can take in life. You can, you can be crap at communication and project and burn relationships to the ground. Or you can be open and take those opportunities and improve, actively improve your communication to, to better the lives of the people around you, the people you care about. Yeah, yeah and we have such a weird relationship with um, what we see as like negativity or rejection. Like, mm -hmm. there's something that I was thinking about the other day, and that is like, let's say just very traditional scenario. Guy goes up to a girl and says, hey, like, I noticed you from over there. Uh, I think you're interesting or whatever. Uh, may I take you out to dinner? And she goes, no, thank you. And the thing we say is he got rejected. And what I realized, my epiphany, what I realized was, how is that a rejection? Like, we take everything so personal. But, like, the idea that you know like i could go up to andy and say you're cute i want your phone number and he goes no thank you i'm not interested like I... <laughs> <laughs> here you go that's not happened for a long time <laughs> um, but it's like if he says no i'm not being rejected he's saying no thank you hmm. it's like that's not a rejection of anything to do with me or who i am and like we have so much of our psyches are wrapped up in this idea that if we have an interest in a person, even if they're totally wrong for us and we find that out on the third date, mm -hmm. the idea that anyone would ever say no to being invited on a date with someone is like the height of rejection and you get made fun of and you're humiliated and then you're like, well, she probably sucked anyways, which I mean, that's probably true. Most of us suck. But, like, why do we have this idea that that is being rejected? Like, when someone offers me an onion, control, I say it? no because I don't like onions. But they don't go then and be like, not only am I worthless, but I can clearly <laughs> never eat onions because it's terrible. You know, it's like, really? Like, that's, that's what we're hanging our hat on is this idea of being rejected when really what you're saying is, like, maybe I don't want to go on a date with you. It doesn't our societal happen, our societal relationship with failure is is just a, just completely in the wrong place. We, we don't see it, it. It's almost like you know the majority of what we see on social media is people's showreels. Mm -hmm. We don't see always the hundreds of hours that may have gone into producing something or the mm -hmm. the years of practice that have gone into producing something we don't see the pile upon pile of broken pots that have gone by the way to produce that one really gorgeous amazing pot that's you know center stage on instagram we don't see we don't see all those things we don't always want we're kind of expected not to show those things and there's that com you know, that comparatitis where we kind of go, ah, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not as good as that, therefore I'm 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 a failure. And we don't have that. There's this essence, for example, in in schools where they kind of go, 
you know, oh, you've got to achieve. You know, if you don't achieve this, you're a failure. If you don't get to university, you're a failure. If you don't do this, you're a failure. And there's so much of that. And there isn't necessarily a celebration of you didn't get it all right, but you really tried. It's more a case of you didn't try hard enough. You haven't you've not done good well enough. Mm. And just even just changing those those two kind of clauses around changes the emphasis. And I think we have that element of failure is a bad thing. Oh, the football team, they've not done as well. they've, They've only got second place. They're a failure. Yeah, we're only going to celebrate that one team. And it's not, I don't think it's about necessarily your participation trophies, which is not a new believe, thing. I don't believe in participation trophies. No, I don't. I mean, it's, but it's not a new thing. But there's that kind of element of that only the most successful get celebrated. Mm-hmm. We only show on social media the best of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I, think, I think as a society, we've messed up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a, as a, as a world, like, because we say society and even like we, we live in parallel societies that have a mm. lot of similarities. Right. Mm. Um, but everyone's particular societal cultural norm is different. Um, but I think that we've created such a weird, uh, death spiral in that it's like nobody wants to listen to someone who's unhappy all the time right so Mm -hmm. at 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 the at the least we have to be happy half the time but then also if you're someone like me who smiles a lot people will be like you're not depressed like you smile all the time and i'm like well a i learned how to mask at a very young age like to yep. the point where I'm not sure if I'm actually smiling or if it's just something I've conditioned myself to do. Yeah. Um, and two, the great thing about having borderline personality disorders, it's like being bipolar only like 27 times a day. It's like, you know, it's like these little mini microclimates of extreme emotion. So it's like, yeah, five seconds I was smiling ago. Five seconds ago, I was wildly happy. I could not be more depressed right now. But also, I'll still be smiling because that's just something that my face does, and I, I, yeah. I don't, I can't control it. I'm not in charge of my face any more than I'm in charge of my drooling. Like that's not something that I have the keys to, and it's not going to change anytime soon. Um, but like, so we we have this added problem where it's like, oh, but you seem happy, so you can't be sad. But it's like, no, but I am really sad, and it's like are you though? And it's like, look how sad I am. It's like, well, now you just want attention. And it's like, there's, there's so little Mm -hmm. space for anyone to have more than one side to them. And like, and I even struggle with that because I'm, I'm mostly like open there. Like I don't really have secrets. Like there are things that I think are none of anyone else's business and there are very few of them, but I don't really have like secret secrets except other people's secrets. You should always keep other people's secrets but never your own it's very important you'll have a better life um but like like one one of the few things that i will never share on social media is when someone who is very close to me dies right so it's like 
this is my the most personal of personal moments where it's like someone in my life is now not there anymore right um and so like i feel so weird putting that out into the world for strangers and like and i don't think there's anything wrong with it like absolutely like whatever you feel like you want or need to do is something that you should do but for me like I feel weird about that like if I'm like hey here's a photo of me with my friend that I worked with at the restaurant 20 years ago and people are like so you know it's like it has nothing to do with whatever my online life is and it it's it's not invalidated by that nor is it validated by it's like well it's part of my life you have to look at it um there will always be some sort of curation like in the same way that like in my Instagram stories, I'm not swearing all over the place, right? Um, because I I feel like there's, I mean, I, I swear a lot in my normal life and I will swear in front of people unless they ask me not to, which I will always try to curb it in. Like I got really good at training myself to say monkeys as an expletive and that has worked really well for me. And sometimes I accidentally say it instead of swearing and it's hilarious. Um, but like, those those things in my personal life where I, I don't know where the boundary is between like, am I just saying these things out loud because I'm like teaching myself to just say things out loud to whoever will listen? Like I, I posted, I found a little Gary who had passed away. I say passed away. Gary died, like plain terms, like these euphemisms, they got to go. Like, Gary died and I was heartbroken, even though I have 50 other Garys and this was two years ago. I'm still sad about it because I found him on the ground, just like tiny and lifeless. And I was so sad. And I did some Instagram stories of me burying my little Gary under the tree. There were some, it was spring and there were purple flowers. And I, I like the music that was playing was the High Kings. And I quoted an Alexander Pope poem and it was like a whole thing where I was just like I felt terrible and I also know that Gary is a part of other people's world so I shared it and then what happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages from people lovely messages I got um, condolences I got poems I got original poems I had people playing songs singing sharing photos of their dearly departed pets And they were all so beautiful and it was wonderful and so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of people that I've never spoken to messaging me about my squirrel. And like, I will never say that like that was terrible. It was such a beautiful thing where everyone felt so connected to this tiny little creature. And I will say also that I think a lot of people thought that there is only one Gary and that like, I lost my one squirrel. I'm like, there's like 50 of him. And literally they only live for a year. So like they die all the time. Like the Gary that you saw today is probably not the Gary you saw three months ago, but you usually don't know. Cause you don't see them when they're dead. They just like, don't come back. And that is also difficult, but like, I was so personally overwhelmed by the love from all these people that I was like, I can never share another dead Gary again because I never caught back up with all of the messages since Mm -hmm. then. And that was like two years ago. It was so much and I still haven't caught back up. And like, I struggle, I, I really struggle to maintain like, 
the relationships with the people that like that I am the closest with. Um, it's not it's not like I care about them more. It's like I am the closest with certain people, and I I really try to maintain those re- um, relationships. And I mostly fail, and mostly we're kept together by the fact that they understand that I'm so broken in that area that they're like, "You suck," but we know that. Like we took that into consideration when we became your friends. I'm like, thank you. Um, I mean, that, that loops back to the communication, doesn't like, it? Is, exactly. If you communicate how you are enough, yeah. then people can understand it and account for it. Yeah. Uh, Ian is a perfect example. I see you in the chat, Ian. Ian is a wonderful person who I almost never talk to. And he messages me like every day. And he is someone who is so dear to me. And I just like fail because at a certain point, I'm like, it's been so long since I've responded that now, like, I can't even think of a way to jump back into the conversation. And of course, you know what I could do? Just jump back in and be like, oh, yeah, that thing that that you commented on, I also like it. And that's it. Right. And I know that. And he knows that. And also he doesn't care, obviously, because he is still my friend, even after these three years, three years. Yeah, three years. MC, first MC um, is when we met. But, like, I just now will just carry this guilt, like, for all all time. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, like, this person who cares enough to reach out to me all the time and not give up on me. Like, what am I even doing where I can't even be, like, hey, I see you and I just, like, have a new, I have a problem. Like, I just have such a problem. Um, because at some point it just becomes an excuse, right? We're like, oh, I just really have a problem. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's like, why are you apologizing? Stop saying you have a problem. Like, (laughs) fix it. Or get off the pot. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) So, yeah. Fix your problem. <laughs> oh my gosh, I should not have had that much caffeine. <laughs> well, I, th- I think I think as we've as we've broken our record for our yeah, we podcast, have. It's now the longest episode. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> okay, well I'm never speaking to either of you again. <laughs> <laughs> we have hit the mark. We're, we'll be good for another fifteen years at least. I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh whoever breaks this record has even less of a life than i do <laughs> because like at least for the two of you it's like nighttime i just spent my entire day doing this and it's well it's fast. become morning for us <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true yeah yeah it's i mean i it's like dinner time i mean if i eat dinner at a normal time but yeah <laughs> what is time anyway yeah. i haven't even had breakfast yet <laughs> Uh, yeah. Let's talk about this. Just it's what's been grabbing your attention lately. What's what kind of you've been working on, seen, watched, listened to, going to do, have done. So this is always a problem for me, right? Like th- because I do the same cycles of things over and over and over again be- for two reasons or more. I don't know. I can only think of two right now. One, I can't pay attention. It's really hard for me to pay attention. Um, so I always have like the TV show going where it's like something I've already seen. So mm-hmm. it, instead of paying attention, I can actively block it out. I mean, I'm sure well, at least one of you knows what that's like, where you're like, <laughs> ah, I will actively block it out so I can concentrate on something. 
But also recently I've started putting captions on everything so that I'll yes. look at the screen. And like, and I hate captions because it distracts and it's never in time right. And it's like, since I can also hear it, I'm like, that's not what they said. Like, you cut it all wrong. But I put captions on so that I'll look at the screen. Like, it's getting ridiculous. Um, I said I had two reasons, but now I don't know what the other one was. And it's probably irrelevant. Um, <laughs> I think it's maybe just as like <laughs> it's maybe just like a comfort thing. Like they there there's this theory about the psychology of young children, and that is that they they watch the same things over and over and over again and ask for the same storybook because in a in a small child's life everything is new. Therefore, everything mm -hmm. is overly stimulating. Therefore, yeah. the one thing that you know to completion. You're gonna be like, ah, I know that. I yeah, like I know this story. Like I know what happens. There's it's the no comfort surprise. of what's of knowing what's coming next, isn't it? Exactly. Rather than the emotional weight of having to process more new information. Exactly. And like, um, we have like Brett and I have a joke where we're watching like whatever TV show, and within three seconds of the cold opening, I'm like, oh, this one where this thing happens, this and this and this and this, and like. Um, I I completely blew his mind when we were watching Criminal Minds and like episode episode eight of the first season called The Fox. There's like this one specific moment where they're like trying to see how far sound carries. And it's like very quiet. And then someone just starts screaming help at the top of their lungs. And I know exactly when to sit there and go volume down. So at three o'clock in the morning, nobody <laughs> hears someone yelling help coming from my bedroom. And this, and Brett was just like, whoa, <laughs> like I'm a nerd, but you are something else. Um, so I'm going to say that the, there, there, I will mention an actual person, but like, the thing that grabs my attention is like not anything because, because I can't focus on anything long enough and it's actually becoming kind of terrifying. Um, but I will say this, um, not only because we had a, an absolutely wonderful conversation that started last night and then continued when I woke up this morning um, and someone who was in the chat seven or eight hours ago um, <laughs> is someone named Florian. And let me let me look up Florian. Final underscore O R F I N A L underscore score O R. Um, so this is someone who I've been chatting with for I want I want to say like almost the whole pandemic. Like I feel like I have like new pandemic friends, which is really great. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's just all of a sudden it's just like people are home and like, hello, who are you? Um, so I'm actually going to like mention three people specifically. Um, Florian does a lot of spoon carving and whittling and they're absolutely gorgeous. But not only that, he bakes these breads that like make me upset because I feel like I can smell them <laughs> and I can't have them. And like today he made loaves of bread and then melted cheese on it and put bacon on it. And it like, it almost ended our friendship. Anyways, he has, just absolutely a lovely person. He has a really fun feed that is just like so simple. And it's like, here are the spoons I carve. And then sometimes he goes running and he has amazing hair. So like, what's there that's not to like? 
Anyways, um, <laughs> my my other my other my second pandemic friend that I wanted to mention is Sean Simon of Simon Woodcarving. There's a theme here going on right now. Um, hmm. Sean and I started talking. I think he messaged me based on something I was doing. Um, and then like made some mention that he had, he had been traveling in the U S he's from New Zealand. He'd been traveling in the U S when the pandemic hit, he was doing a like van life style thing. And then it was like, Hmm, you you need to leave now. So he got sent back to um, New Zealand and then um, was two weeks in quarantine in a hotel and like had nothing to do. And I think it was like maybe the first day where he's just like, I don't know. It's like, what's up person. And we had like the best, however long he was in quarantine, where he, it's like the, they have, we have such a weird like time difference that it's like 18 hours. So it's just like, I was like, I don't know, you could be in like another year. But um, not only is he absolutely fantastic, but he does the most adorable little carvings. And like, he got really big doing a lot of Pokemon stuff, which is not like his preferred thing, but he's just so mm. good at it that it's like almost upsetting. It, like the things that he carves are shut. They're, they're so small and they're so beautiful and they're really whimsical. And he does such a wonderful job of um, using different types of wood and then just um, like oils to denote mm. different things. And he does some painting also. It all depends on what the piece itself calls for. And he is an absolute master. And he um, has semi-recently been doing um, bone carving also, which is just a whole other thing. He did this octopus. Anyways, everyone should go check nice. out Simon, S-Y-M-A-N, wood carving. And last but not least, because when I think of Sean Simon, I then think of Dan Hero. Dan Rigot, I don't know, and someone else who does wood carving, who is so spectacular. And I, I start, I found out about Dan from following Sean, and he does like these little like ogres and little three-legged people, and then some of them have like maces, and some of them have like an eyeball in their belly button. But they're the no, cutest just... <laughs> things you've ever seen in your life, and like. He has he very occasionally does this like post about the packaging where it's like he prints out all the packaging and it's everything about it is spectacular. He is a super sweetheart and just watching these tiny little creations like oh my gosh I'm looking at that now and I'm not going to show you because you can't really see on the screen anyways. But let me tell you you are missing out. You are missing out if you're not following Dan Hero. Um, so those those are three people that. Um, I appreciate so much just on um, on a basic level of friendship because uh, they're just really great people who have who have reached out to me and um, created connections and like mm. I, I think that's so important like reach out to people create connections everyone mm. needs to do it for themselves and like I would have never said I'm like oh, I want to watch like someone carve wood because to me that sounds stupid um but also like my second spoon that i carved which i'm still not finished with after a month um i carved it and um i've done one before and it was uh a little more structured it was within a class it's like using a lot of like spoke shaves and like whatever but this is just like little floyd like carve 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 hmm. it's so difficult and my spoon looks like ass and then like i look at the things that they're making 
And I'm just like, wow, like, you know how to do this. Like, you know how. How do you know how? But I don't, like, don't teach me your ways. Like, I don't, I don't have the mental capacity for that. Um, but thank you for sharing it. But you do now have a precision um, Arbitech. Yeah. I mean, I know that it's called precision. I know it's R- a ball Right for spooning. Yeah, I could like make holes in a in a thing. Yeah, I gotta figure that. Out. I really gotta figure that out. What? Whoa! What has been capturing your attention, Jamie? What well, I've I can now wave my arms here in this bit because this this did used to be this big old box here was smack bang there, and then it became a shelf, which meant that the laser that was in it was not being used because. It was just a shelf. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of still on the ongoing sorting crap out. And so what's that out. space going to be used for, Jamie? So this is going to be my new little learning Arduino and Raspberry Pi type playing with stuff stuff. Oh. What it is is an excuse to move that screen to there and then put stuff there. So I can actually use it when I want to do that stuff instead of trying to clear the crap off the rest of my desk. <laughs> so if I have a dedicated space to put the things, then I don't put them in all the other dedicated spaces for all the other things. It's, it's again, it's 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 how it trying to make things fit to how my brain works. Yeah, that's I've always the trick. <laughs> all the screens. It's it's a coping mechanism. So that's my plan: is is have, give give some stuff away to friends who need them, and who would make better use of them, um, and then find another excuse to have yet another screen within my periphery. Do you have like an initial plan for you said Arduino and and like Raspberry Pi stuff? Like, are, are you learning how to use it, or do you already like know how, and you just need a space to do the thing? I I, I know some Raspberry Pi stuff, uh, and I know a reasonable amount of Linux stuff. Which is what Raspberry Pi runs on, but um, recently with Duncan from Little Hobby Shop and Simon from Harmon Woodcrafts, uh, the previous record holders, the two of them actually. Yeah. Um, so we've been playing with uh, these little Raspberry Pi Badger twenty forty things. It's like a little embedded thing with an e ink display and stuff, and they're just really fun to play with. So. That's what's kind of prompted me to do it to get me kind of foot in the door to actually learn this. So I've never touched Arduino at all, but being in the IT field, I should have. So it's, it's hopefully going to give me that nudge to do stuff that has been on my to do list for the last <clears throat> years. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand like literally anything that has to do anything with technology. Like at all, like I can't even uh, imagine it. Honestly, <laughs> like I can't. I don't. I, I don't really create images that well in my head. Like I know things that I already know, but I don't like really make new images. So yeah. I remember when um, Alex Drastic was like, "What would you do with a Raspberry Pi?" And yes, of course, I was like, hmm, "That sounds delicious." Eat it. And I, but then I was like, <laughs> "Exactly." I was like, "Literally, I can't. I don't like. I own a computer." that's that's it like i don't <laughs> i don't know like wh- uh, that's all i know you about got your cricket you got your little cricket joy um 
Yeah, well, the one the one that I have doesn't have any buttons. <laughs> it just, like it literally just works. <laughs> like, no buttons on it. That's all right. You feed it, and yeah. then it just like ships out stickers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Not every, not everyone has to be able to Best program Raspberry Pis and Arduino. <laughs> Don't have to vacuum up hair and yeah, it's take it for walks. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, what about you, mate? What's been grabbing your attention recently? Oh, uh, continuing a bit of tidying as well. Not I managed to get out to tidy the tinkerage. I'd hope to this weekend, but uh, a little bit more tidying. Got a bit more space by my feet behind me for <laughs> my sort of desk, which is always a good thing. Uh, new YouTube channel, really new new YouTube channel. Uh, came across yesterday, I think it was. Um, yeah, I think it was yesterday or, or this morning. I don't know. It was yesterday, I think. Uh, Nerd, he was in earlier uh, in the chat. Uh, he made a uh, a mirror was out done. of hexagonal gold hexagonal tiles that looks like the Joshua Webb, uh, James Webb, not Joshua Webb, James Webb uh, telescope with a Raspberry Pi and a screen in the center behind it, which shows images from the James Webb telescope. So you've got this mirror that shows these kind of cool images from deep in space. So that was quite a nice, cool little project. So that's a, a channel. But currently, I think I was uh, subscriber number 10 and 9 and 8. Um, so, yeah. Going, I, going, I think uh, I was, I, I was in there-ish. I can't remember <laughs> what subscriber number, but I wouldn't, wouldn't have been too far behind you. Uh, I mentioned last week a new series uh, from Tim Hunkin, his continued series of Secret Life Components. Um a good hour-long one this this last week uh, gone on sensors. That was really quite interesting. Uh, if you want to know anything about kind of different types of sensors and approximately how they work, no no sort of detail. It's kind of a, an overview, um, but an hour and sort of how he uses them. I'm not sure which he's got coming up next week, but I know he's got five in this series, so there's four more to go. Um, and a little, I've been doing a little bit of admin as well on the kind of, sort of Maker's Waffle. Uh, I mentioned last week the... Maker's Waffle Patreon Instagram page has been set up and kind of posting there quite regularly for our mm. uh, patrons that are supporting us. And I finally finished, I say finished, there's still work to be done, but it's actually functional now, which, which is what I mean by finished. Um, set up our Kofi page because some people don't like using Patreon. Um, so we've got I a Kofi page. Kofi. Yeah, it's got Kofi. And I might, I might look at setting up a buy me coffee because some people don't like using particular things to kind of show support. So links to that are in the, the show notes. Shall uh, I set the OnlyFans up then? Yeah, if you want to set that up, I'll post the pictures on the Instagram for the patrons. You can do the ones for the uh, OnlyFans. Yeah, I think that yeah, would be... Uh... Ooh, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm going to love it, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's... that's um. I'd say we're on holiday now, which is quite beneficial tomorrow. I don't have to get quite so early tomorrow, which I don't mind sort of running a little bit late. Um, Showing off. I'm getting off school about holidays. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go um, eat dinner and then play video games. You mean have breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have breakfast. I mean, I still have time to have all three meals today. So. <laughs> I don't know. My, my country is just better than yours. 
so yeah, I think I think round off. I think next week, if all goes well, we should have your recent uh, visitee, person you visited. We've got Anne. What really? Oh, next week. Mm-hmm. Yes, she oh, said Anne's, yes. Anne's is going to be like thirty minutes long, <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be amazing. Oh, that's it's so like, exciting. hi, we had Jess on last week. Oh, hi. Oh, I know Jess. <laughs> oh, right, gotta go. <laughs> no, she's going to be like, look, I have a lot of responsibilities. I, I was going to say, she's a very, forever. she's a very, very busy person. Has to look after lots of things that need looking after and keeping alive and milking and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, she has like, like she actually has responsibilities. Like I have, I have things that I need to do. I always have things I need to do, but like she has actual responsibilities. As Tommy Pickle said, responsibilities are not good. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that'd be good. Yeah, to have to shoot give them a little bit of a time and uh, a bit of fun and nice chat. So yeah, looking forward to that. Fantastic. Jess, thank you very, very, very much for joining us tonight. It was absolutely my pleasure to be here. Um, mm. This is kind of ridiculous. It's like literally getting dark in my room right now. And like, wow, look at that. Okay. Four hours and 54 minutes. What is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone didn't know where to find you, where could they find you? <laughs> I dress up. That's who I am. That's all everywhere. I am everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you'll either find me or like a doctor or um, uh, there's a car dealership. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I mean, like you can figure it out. Maybe you want a car dealership, whatever. If people Google me, I, I'm apparently I'm a, uh, an American football player. Really? See, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a British football player. I'm a British football player who's actually based in a, or was, I think he may have possibly semi-retired, in a team less than 40 miles from me. Um, <laughs> but I'm also an American female uh, graphic designer. Good for you. Yeah. That's right, awesome. Yeah. Way to be diverse. Yeah. yeah getting out your comfort zone. <laughs> for some reason, I, did, I moved my head back then when you put your hand up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was going to smack like, you? Yeah. I mean, that's probably wise. You should always move back when someone puts a hand up. Yeah, you need to on a screen. You're on the screen to break. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're not wearing safety glasses. Also, like, I, shout out to Dave it, it would Bauer the... because Dave Bauer has been here, like, almost the entire time, I'm pretty sure. Oh, on that note, let's, goodbye, let's say goodbye to the audience. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we'll hopefully see the audience next week. So, bye, folks. <laughs> Thank bye. you. Bye. <laughs>